and a mouse keep running, running and 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 running, running Welcome to the Weird Science Marvel Comics Podcast, episode 103, and this is the third time that this intro has been recorded. Twice, Brandon's connection failed, and so this third time, I am doing it all by my lonesome, but that allows me to tell everybody that we are switching things around tonight. I mentioned if you're on the Patreon, you will already have known this, but we're going to actually expand this episode. And I think that if you were downloading it, you probably have noticed that it is a little bit longer. We're going to be doing a little more books and doing it in a little different way. We're also going to have news, which I will do right after this intro. But also we have segments with just me and Aaron talking about books. We had the idea and And Brandon's busy. He has a newborn Braxton, so he can't get as involved. And so when I told him I wanted to expand things, he basically told me to pound sand. And I said to him, I don't like to pound sand. It it doesn't, it's not a very productive thing to do. Uh, So instead of pounding sand, I would rather just record with Aaron by myself. And we even said, I don't like when three people get together on a podcast for the most part, just because people step on each other's toes. You you have a lot of problems. What had happened is Brandon pretty much checks out because he's afraid of doing that. So when we end up me, Aaron and Brandon talking, if you haven't noticed, usually Brandon We'll kind of lay in the background and then kind of come in with a score. So we figured me and Aaron are going to talk books, just me and him. Uh, I'm also going to be doing two books tonight that are just me by my lonesome. And we're going to get the debut of Jeremy. Jeremy, if you're listening to the DC Comics podcast, you'll know is a big Steve Orlando fan and also classes up the joint. He is a Brit. He is. And when he shows up, things get a lot more classy than a guy from Quakertown, Pennsylvania, talking nonsense. And yes, that is me. But I want to tell you where you can find us besides this podcast. You can go over to Twitter at WS Marvel Comics and you can uh, follow us. And if you do follow us there, I will follow you back. And this is no joke. I am not just faking the funk. I think it is an honor for people to follow us. I I think that it's something that I never thought in my entire life. Number one, that anybody would want to listen to me talk on a podcast. And number two, who would want to follow me? And so if you do follow me, that actually, or not follow me, follow the, the whole deal at WS Marvel Comics, that actually does mean a lot to me. And I think that it is only... You know, not even just fair, but it's the right thing to do to follow somebody back. If you're going to talk to me or want to see what I want to do or what I am doing, I I want to be interested in what you're doing and what you have to do. And yeah, if you end up wanting to talk to me, it's usually me on the Marvel Twitter. You can follow us and just, you know, private message me and we can talk about anything you want. You know, if it's comics, sports, Brandon, Buffalo, food. I mean, you can ask me, hey, Jim, did you try that new Popeye's chicken sandwich? That's all the rage. And I will say, why, yes, I have. And I have had both the regular and the spicy variety. And then you'll say, well, what did you think? 
Does it beat Chick-fil-A? And I'd say, well, actually, I think they are two separate deals where Chick-fil-A is more of a baked, subtle chicken sandwich. The Popeyes is more of a fried chicken sandwich. And then you'd say, but Jim, what do you think about that spicy one? And I'd say to you, well, I think it's odd that Popeyes sell spicy chicken, but yet for their spicy chicken sandwich, they use a regular chicken patty with a spiced mayonnaise. See, these are the things that you would be able to find out if you ended up following us on Twitter. You don't really need to now because we've just discussed things. But then you could say, hey, Jim, did you eat one of these sandwiches last night, which would have been Saturday night? And I would tell you, no, I didn't because I ended up going over there to get one with my son, Logan, And we ended up being turned away because they were out of said chicken sandwich. And the the Popeyes, uh, they're having a national shortage on Popeyes chicken sandwiches. Now, you could also say, hey, Jim, how does that chicken sandwich treat you, say, a couple hours afterwards? And I'd say, oh, my, is that what we're talking about now? We're talking about things that go on behind closed doors in the bathroom? Well, okay. And I will tell you that that spicy one really does have a kick later, if you know what I mean. Do you? Do you know it? And that is my final answer. Uh, I'll also tell you that the fried chicken uh, part of it, the friedness of it, actually did upset my stomach a little more than Chick-fil-A, but I actually like them both. It's almost like when you have kids, and I have five boys, and they say, Jim, which one is your favorite? And of course, I say Rafe. And then I realize I'm not supposed to pick, and I better play the game, and I better fake the funk and say, I love them all equally but different. And then I give the wink. I give the wink to anybody else who has kids, and you know, the knowing wink of, yeah, we're playing that game tonight, aren't we? But yeah, then that's it. I don't even know what we're talking about now. See, when I when I end up by myself without Brandon, I am off the reservation. And I do want to mention, if you want to go to our website, that is Weird Science Comics, uh, weirdsciencemarvelcomics.com. There you go. All these will be in the show notes as well. But you can go over there to look at our reviews and previews and solicits and columns and retro reviews. We have retro reviews that go up on Sunday, something that I am really interested in doing. I like going back. I usually use the Marvel app and go and read something old and then review it. Today, I was going to review Wolverine number one, which I was going to also review last week. I never got to it because I was busy. Uh, But we do end up reviewing almost every comic, almost every comic that you're here tonight the only one i think that wasn't reviewed on the site was the superior spider-man that we'll talk about later me and brandon brandon was supposed to review it he did not he has a newborn and really brandon if you are listening to this after the fact you love both of your kids equally but different right wink wink that's what i say there you go uh but yeah you go over to the website on wednesday morning around 9 a.m that's when our reviews are allowed to go out now i will tell you some of the bigger ones and some of the more positive ones will go out a little early they will sneak through the line it's almost like you know marvel has the goal line stance going and i call the philly special next thing you know one of those reviews is nick Foles scores a touchdown and we win the super bowl yes indeed and why i do that is because i think the other sites out there that do marvel reviews that maybe some people are listening that do some of those reviews you're cheaters 
you end up trying to slip those things out before they're supposed to. So if you're going to do it, I'm going to do it. And really, I will throw the gauntlet down. I read all the reviews. Any review that comes out from DC and Marvel, I will read. And if you are one of the reviewers that do said reviews, there is a good chance that I know who you are. I'm a big fan of reviews. I'm a big fan of review sites. That's one of the things that I love. That's one of the reasons why we do this podcast, why we started even the DC site originally. And I want to tell you, a lot of you with the Marvel side of things, you're lazy because these other sites, they don't like to put out a lot of reviews. And I think they were they were sitting on their heels there. They had their hands underneath their, their butt cheeks and they weren't putting out a lot of reviews. I do notice now, now that we have kind of, you know, came into town doing it the weird science way where we like to what we used to call me and Eric Godzilla ing, which is you just throw everything out and you review everything. I think that that's kind of changing the landscape of things. And, and you know, that might be pretentious to think that we are doing that. Maybe that's not the case. It's funny, though. A lot of these sites seem to be scrambling and I love it. I love it. But I also love it because that forces some other sites to do more reviews, which I said, I love reviews. I love reviews of reviews. That's how much I love them. But that is leading me to the last bit of things that I'm going to talk about in this intro. It's already going on way too long. Uh, We have a Patreon account. If you like this new expanded way of doing things here on the podcast and say, boy, you know, Jim just said that, you know, the other people are lazy. I guess he's not lazy. No, I'm a very lazy guy. That's why I can say that. Um, But when it comes to the podcast, when it comes to the websites and when it comes to the Patreon, especially, I try not to be lazy. And and in fact, I try to put up at least a couple shows every day or so. I I mean, that's a tough schedule to keep, but I like to have the Patreon be something that's special, be something where if you go, you're going to get a lot of other shows. I don't like the idea of asking people to keep the lights on. I actually pay my own electric bill. I do not need a Patreon from a podcast to keep the lights on. If that's the case, I should probably stop podcasting this much and go and get a second job. So I don't like the idea of giving people trinkets. I don't like giving people stickers. When they go to a Patreon from a podcast, I would guess that they like podcasts. And I guess that they would like comic book podcasts. And if you're listening to this, kind of figure you like Marvel comic podcasts. So if you go over there, you will get up to 30 different shows each month. We try to do that much and we do we put a lot of effort into it i think it's quality stuff but if you go over to patreon.com slash weird science you can make that call yourself and because i want you to make that call we would never charge you up front some of the patrons if you are familiar with patreon when you get on the minute that you join you get charged and that could mean you getting charged twice in a week because you'll also then get charged for the next month when that carries over i do not like that i want you to go to the patreon and check it out all by yourself and if you don't like it you can just quit without ever having paid. All you have to do is quit before the first of the next month after you join, and you will never, ever get charged, but I will still salute you for giving it a shot and seeing if it is worth 
you know what you want to do. Each level is a little different money, stuff like that. It, it starts at $1 if you just want to support us. And then once you get past that, you get more and more shows with each level. And that's it for the commercial. But I'm going to stop this intro and we're going to go off to show you that this is a little bit different format because we're going to go off to the news, which I did, which we're going to have each and every week. So let's go off and see what is in the Marvel Comics news this week. Now it's time for Jim and the news. Listening to Jim is what I want to do. He's talking solicits and very uncovers before all the meat and the cheese that's from under. And now it's time for Jim and the news. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the news bit of the podcast. Obviously, this is a newer thing here that I'm going to be joining you each and every episode talking about a couple news items from the Marvel side of things, obviously. Now, before you ask, this will just be comic book news. It will not be the MCU, the MCEU. I don't even know what they call it. And when they say that, it reminds me of some sort of burrito that I want to just eat up. And I, I don't even know that that makes any sense at all. But yeah, basically, I like to do news items. So, well, we're a comic book podcast, so that would be number one. But I also like to do items that I can kind of comment on a little on the side. And I don't really watch any of the Marvel TV shows or any shows in general or a lot of the movies either. I, I'm almost halfway through Endgame. That, that'll, that'll tell you something right there. And when I say that I don't watch a lot of TV, I'm not being a pretentious jerk like some people who say, I do not watch the television. And when they do say that, one of my friends used to say that, that I worked with, and I wondered them, why are you paying for cable? I mean, you're you're coming off as Mr. Fancy Dancy here, and, and you know, you want to be aloof because you don't watch the quote-unquote boob tube, but you're paying a bill for it, so I, I don't understand it. Uh, I actually do watch a couple, you know, specific shows that I do watch when I get the chance. But my main issue is, number one, a lot of shows now are an hour long. How you got that ty- type of attention? I'm medicated, people. I can't sit there and watch an hour television show every week. Oh, my. What do you think I am? Some person without an extreme uh, attention deficit disorder? Because I am not. But I also don't have a lot of time. I actually do a lot of podcasting. So when you are sitting back watching your, you know, those new shows like the Breaking Bads and the Flintstones, uh, I'm probably recording or editing a podcast. So we're all doing stuff that we all enjoy. But here you go. I'm going to give you two news items tonight. 
And if you want to hear more news, I do have a weekly news show. It is on the Patreon account. And yes, this is a slide-in commercial for the Patreon at patreon.com slash weirdscience. But I do talk a lot more Marvel news and also DC and indie comic news as well every Saturday morning, every single week. See, there you go. If you are, you know, when you're sitting there at about 1230 next Saturday, if you're watching TV, maybe you're watching Kung Fu Theater like me and my dad used to to watch when I was younger. And I say that, I mean that my dad was asleep on the couch in his underwear and I was watching Kung Fu Theater. But while you're doing that, you can think, oh, Jim's recording yet another podcast. But here we go. We have two news items. They're pretty big. 2099 versions of Conan, Fantastic Four, Punisher, more coming this November. Marvel's return to the year 2099. They're going to party like it is 2099, I heard. Teased during July's Comic-Con, San Diego, has been unveiled in its November 2019 solicitations, which show four new one-shots, including one that brings Conan the Barbarian into the future, and it made him look like he had a lightsaber from the cover I saw, and what I like is a Conan with a lightsaber, which I like to call Thundar the Barbarian, and if you know what I'm talking about, you're cooler than a lot of other people. Things kick off with 2099 Alpha number 1 from Brandon's man Nick Spencer and Victor Bogdanovich, who I really like, and Victor Bogdanovich, I don't know how many Marvel things he has actually done, Um, but I will tell you, I have done a lot of DC things with him, and if you are familiar with the art of Greg Capullo, you will notice a similarity in art styles. Victor Bogdanovich is a huge fan of Greg Capullo's, and it, it shows in a style, though I like it. There's a little bit of a nuance to it as well. But if you dig Capullo's style, I think you'll dig this, and some people dig Nick Spencer. I know Brandon doesn't. From there, November 27th brings the release of Punisher 2099 from Lonnie Nadler and Zach Thompson and Matt Horak, along with aforementioned Conan 2099 number one from Jerry Dugan and Roger Antonio. Along with these four one-shots, Marvel's November solicits includes a 2099 checklist that shows all the places where the setting will pop up, including more still-to-be-solicited 2099 one-shots. So yeah, you have a checklist and And a lot of the books are going to have tie-in issues, things going in with this 2099 stuff. Now, I have never read any of the 2099 stuff, though I had listened to a lot of podcasts, one of which, when I first started reading comics, one of which was the Comic Vine podcast, which was one of my favorites uh, since uh, then. It has actually gone down. Um, But they would talk a little occasionally about the 2099 stuff, and it was never good. It was never anything that was comic. So I know that this seemed to be big news to people, but just in my limited scope of things, I ended up like, oh man, 2099, nobody likes that. Well, then I asked Eric, Eric liked 2099 stuff, he likes Spider-Man and stuff like that. So we'll see how it goes. And for some reason, I do remember a lot of shade being thrown at the 2099 Punisher. Uh, I may be mistaken. And again, this is kind of whispered down the lane, put through a blender, and then, uh, you know, talked over the telephone underwater. That That's how crazy my recollection of this is. The next 
story and the last story for this little news segment is Marvel planning Spider-Man and Black Cat marriage this November. And I saw a lot of people have a knee-jerk reaction to this. Like, oh, here we go. Oh, this is ridiculous. Oh, man, you know, that just when Spidey was getting back with Mary Jane. And now we're in one more day. I, I don't know. All this stuff. But you have to remember... It's in an annual. It's in an annual, people. And usually annuals, they're not that important. If this was really something, I would say we'd get a special. I don't think that this is going to be fully legit. And, you know, just like my marriage. And if Tanya heard that, she would kill me. Uh, but yeah, while they've been one-off lovers for decades, making the relationship serious has been until now left to the imagination. And boy, I'll tell you, there's some people that have a, a really wild imagination. That and 1991's What If, number 21, What If Spider-Man Married the Black Cat. So yeah, this is an annual. There's nothing to get all, you know, riled up about. Y- you have to realize Marvel and any comic book company realizes not everybody's going to buy annuals. So you throw something like this in that I believe by the end, and even with that news story mentioning that What If, I believe by the end it'll almost end up in a kind of twist that makes it another what if type deal for the annual but we'll see how that goes but that's it for the news i told you it'd be very quick and painless uh we're gonna go back to the podcast me and brandon are gonna be talking about some books but again if you want to hear some more news more marvel dc indie go over to our patreon it's i'm not even gonna say the address i've said it already enough uh you know where to find it and all that stuff and and i hope that everybody enjoys kind of the new layout of this sunday night podcast the one a week podcast Podcast. I hope that it is a longer and more fulfilling one-stop shop type deal. Uh, let me know. Let me know what you think, and that'd be great. But now I'm going to go off and talk with Brandon about a couple books. I'm going to line. It was Sunday night, wrote up my notes to get the feeling right. Brandon had messaged me, he's drinking at his friends, but that was at quarter to three. And that's about the time the jerk passed out on me. He lives in Buffalo, I could not see. I guess it's just me on the weekend show. Way up there in Buffalo, it's just another Sunday night. Brandon's drunk again, Brandon's drunk again. All right. How you doing, Brandon? Yep. You are back. Hopefully that this works Hopefully out. I told everybody time. Yeah, yeah I, I told everybody <laughs> that intro earlier was our third attempt and I yeah. just said you bail for now. Uh I will do it and then I ended up running my mouth because I ended up getting verbal diarrhea quite like the bit of things that I got from that spicy chicken sandwich at Popeye's, I told everybody. So uh, we have two books that we're going to start with, with me and you right now. Uh, One being the big book of the week, I guess, besides the X-Book stuff, Uh, because Absolute Carnage is the big deal going on. It's funny. I like this issue enough, but because it's Deadpool and because you're going to play it jokey, it did come off as not meaning as much to me. And it came no. out at the first time I read it. I read this twice. Definitely and lightens the, up the tone to the absolute carnage And the event. first time I read it, I'll admit, I did not like it. I, I thought that the tone didn't serve well. Now, with that, you have to realize that 
I don't really have a lot of experience with Deadpool being involved with this sort of deal. You know, yeah. I did get Deadpool in the War of the Realms. And yeah, that was jokey, but it still had, you know, this full thing is jokey pretty much. Uh, you oh, know, yeah. and it, it kind of threw me off a bit until I realized afterwards, like, no, 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 it's it's Deadpool. Like, this is how it should be. I actually like that Frank Thierry who wrote it, uh, it was allowed to be deadpool-esque and didn't change things up just because he was in this uh in the meantime you know carnage does have a real big reason to you know be concerned or at least be interested in getting deadpool but that doesn't happen till the very end that doesn't happen until you know you pretty much are done with it which we'll probably see more of as we go on obviously but it is absolute carnage versus deadpool number one and that is written by Frank Thierry. It's pencils by Marcelo Ferreira, inks by Roberto Poggi, colors by Rachel Rosenberg, and letters by VC's Joe Sabino. Years ago, the amazing Spider-Man unwittingly brought the extraterrestrial symbiote to Earth. Parasitic organism procreated, and so did its offspring. And its offspring after that. In the ensuing years, it's like it was the Adam and Eve all wrapped up in the one. These Earth-bound symbiotes bonded to dozens of heroes, or maybe Noah and, and his family and villains, temporarily amplifying their superhuman abilities. Or maybe it's nothing like that. Maybe I should say but the symbiotes also left traces of their genetic material within their host called the codex these dormant cells now serve as a beacon beckoning the one who hunts them the deadly symbiote known as carnage the hunt for the codex is about to bring carnage toe-to-toe against an old opponent the one hero who's a match for his madness the merc with the mouth and that of course is deadpool and it starts off with a team up of spider-man And Deadpool, and they are running. You don't know who they're running from at first. We do find out that they're actually running from pretty much every villain who's ever faced Spider-Man. Yeah, his whole rogue gallery because... Deadpool says, well, I wanted to celebrate your birthday, so I invited the only people that I knew would know you, villains. Spider-Man says, first off, it's not my birthday, and why would you do this? And Deadpool basically just says, well, you know, you're not really telling me your identity, so, you know, this is all I got. So I tried to do it. That goes back to the Spider-Man Deadpool book. And it's funny. It's a funny deal until you kind of screw things up by having J. Jonah waiting back at the party as if he still hates Spider-Man, something that we've kind of gotten past. And yeah. and again, it's more of a classic deal, obviously, but it did seem like it, it didn't ruin things. It just was like, yeah. And it, I would even go with the idea if he said in this, because he's sitting there and you have the whole happy birthday, Spidey, Spidey and Deadpool BFFs. You have all these things, little gift like bags. I like all thing. the balloons look like Deadpool, though. Oh, yeah, Do they're all Deadpool. Like all, all yeah. the, well, the actually, you know the... what it is? It's actually that Deadpool oh, half Spider-Man. Spider-Man half, yeah, yeah, it's the it logo is. that you yeah. had on that team-up book. So yep. it's pretty funny. Uh, so I would have liked it. And it, again, it doesn't ruin things. But I wish Jay Jonah said, I knew it. I knew it. He wouldn't show. I knew he was a menace after all. Then uh, then I'd be fine because, you know, you'd be like, oh, that's kind of funny. And it wouldn't stick anyway. But uh, with that, one of the funniest things in my mind is all of these villains were, you know, invited to this party by Deadpool. Rhino is the only one who brought a gift. Yeah. And he, he just says, like, am I the only one who a brought a gift? Like, yeah, you are. gift? Yeah, too, yeah, it's still way. a gift. But at least he thought it's the thought that counts. I so, heard. 
Uh, I never believed that as a kid, at least. I never thought that. But yeah, so the whole thing is he's the only one who brought a gift you do see ended up. It ends up being a rhino hoodie uh, that Deadpool ends up getting because they're trying to get out of there. And when they do kind of disappear here, you end up having the villains like, yeah, you know, you want to go get some pizza? Let's just, go to John's it, in the it's village. It's not relevant to the story at all. But the, no. the part after Spider-Man takes off and he gives, you know, Deadpool the card. Does yeah. Deadpool like just throw himself off the this building? Yeah, I think he just jumps off and lands. Backwards? He just seems like, to land he backwards. He lands jump backwards yeah. here. Yeah, and he lands on his feet and okay. gets the thing. But the whole deal is. I probably stared at that panel for two yeah. minutes. I'm like, what's he doing here? I, I actually I like the idea, <laughs> though, crazy, that but... they, the bad guys all go off to John's Pizza, you know, in the village. And then you have Spidey and Deadpool on the roof, who they've heard this. They they end up seeing. They're almost like hiding from them as they go. And, and Deadpool's like, you know what? You want to go get some pizza, like at John's in the village? I heard it's good. I'm like, he's like, I I think that they're already going to be there. Yeah, we'll cut in line and stuff. This will be great. It made me laugh. I'll tell you, the only thing lines in here that there are some. The only thing that got me here was I I didn't. I thought that Spidey here didn't sound as much like Spidey as I would have liked. I wish that Spidey would have just said, "Listen, take this card." Call the number, get some help. You really need it. I got to go and just left. But this whole, you know, you you need help, serious help, not just a once a week shrink who's going to pat you on your head after your session is over and give you a cookie. You need people, teams of it. It actually, to me, felt more like Deadpool saying that than a Spider-Man, though once he says cookie, Deadpool is just, he, he's oh, yeah, now, he's, totally he's, he's off. He yeah. ends up getting very distracted at things. So a cookie, you have a cookie, and Spidey gives him the card and says, here, you know, this doesn't look like a cookie. And he ends up jumping off. So yeah, you end up having, it says John Jameson, Ravencroft. And if you are reading Absolute Carnage, if you are keeping track of everything that's going on, you know that that spells trouble because you know that that's already been taken over. So that's one of the things. And and when I was reading this, I even thought to myself, boy, I wonder if that if this is going to feel weird there where he's going to end up going and we'll see John Jameson. Is this behind the, t- you know, a little bit back in the timeline, whatever, but it's not. It is taken over because he goes, he ends up where the guard at the front, his neck sliced. Yeah. And it's awful. I love the conversation. You know, you, you drink a little too much last night, yeah, buddy. Yeah. Yeah, because the guy's not saying anything. He's like, I have that. Yeah, it was pretty good. So then he just starts, you know, whistling and goes into find John and all this. Well, in the meantime, we know that everybody's taken over. We know that John is now werewolf symbiote guy, and everybody's just symbiotes. This this has to occur also after, you know, Spider Man and. and, who was with them? Venom, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Th- they had to have gotten out of here at this point because yeah, that, yeah. That's it the seems one like they had gotten me off about these events. They throw so many books and tie-ins. It starts to throw you off about where it falls in place in the story yeah. and stuff. I'm you saying know? it. it uh, I was more worried that we were going to get something that never was going to happen. Like you yeah. know, when you already had some. So yeah, you can assume that this is afterwards. You even can assume. By looking at it, you see a lot of other symbiotes that have already been grabbed and things like that as well, because you see pretty much, you know, a bunch of them there. there. Yeah, you see a uh, bunch of things going on. And Man Wolf, he's in his his wolfy form. Yep, so you have, and, and with that carnage, is pretty pissed. And he's pretty pissed at 
you know, John Jameson and this wolf deal because Misty has gotten away and he was supposed to go get her. He's supposed to take care of her. Obviously, that's something we'll see. Uh, But yeah, with this, Deadpool just walks right into it and actually thinks that they are almost like performing a performance (laughs) art slash, you know, almost like the therapy, like really hardcore therapy with people dressed up. Role play therapy. Yeah, yeah, he even goes up to, you know, John and says, boy, like you really got this. I mean, he really does look like he's got fur here. He's got really bad (laughs) breath. This is really well done. I, I really applaud you guys for doing this. And then he realizes, oh, no. This this is not a joke. Yeah, They're actually these guys. Come and Carnage here. is pissed. And Carnage, you know, it's one of those things that Carnage is a trash talker. You know, you have it. Again, he's a little bit more skewed to be in this Deadpool book, in my mind, to come off as a little more humorous yeah. and, you know, have a couple more one-liners. Especially, you know, he's really giving it to John Jameson and stuff like that. And, you I know, think we're that's, gonna have that's you a fixed little bit and- of uh, one of the faults of the Deadpool book in it of itself is that even everybody Deadpool fights kind of starts joking yeah. around yeah, a little bit with him. Yeah, you have that deal. And I, I thought that, that it was a little bit off. But the second time I read it, I liked it even more, you know, than I did the first time. The first time it really ended up, st- you know, getting to me like – Boy, this and and really to me, the the end up with the carnage, absolute carnage. You have to say it's pretty much a horror story. Yeah. It's a comic book horror story, and then you get the jokiness, and it's very early on. If this was something where we've had a couple issues of absolute carnage, we'd had a bunch of times, and we were at a point where I thought, boy, we really need. Uh, some levity we we need some up, yeah. jokes we need to lighten it up a bit before we go forward i think it would be better served here it's one of the first you know tie-ins here one of the first one things going on so it kind of came off like boy are we gonna get jokey from here uh but like i said as you end up having deadpool going off and we didn't even mention he ended up opening rhino's gift and that's where he did see that it is a full-out rhino hoodie Hoodie, with a horn on the top which is a cool little callback switcheroo to the unicorn hoodie that he does wear (laughs) a lot and and so when he's going they even have it where john jameson's like there he goes with the unicorn he's like no 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 He's not a unicorn. Are you dumb? It's it's a rhino. It even says on the back rhino. And then he it dawns on him. Wait a second. You know what Spider-Man is? Spider-Man is one of the guys who he's had the most symbiotes at one no, Deadpool. point. Deadpool. You know, yeah, or Deadpool, binded I mean. Four, yeah. 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 Deadpool. He's he's binded with four. And that means that he pretty much is the unicorn. He's the jackpot. Yeah, he, Go get he, him. He bound to all the ones that were connected to the dog at one point, and the, and that link to that yeah. family now in separation anxiety. Yep. Yeah, we covered yeah. So week. we have that, and he ends up going after that then. And like, just go get him. Let's go get him. Uh, we'll take care of him. Uh, and they do go chasing him. And it's just, you know, Deadpool just running out as Ravencroft is blowing up. Because before that, he ends up realizing the only way that he can fight these guys is to actually just get the microwaves in the kitchen of, of Ravencroft here. And ended up putting tons of metal. He says more metal than the underwear of Iron Man, if he indeed wears <laughs> underwear, which I don't. So I know how that is. And I go commando <laughs> all the time. And he ends up blowing up the place with these microwaves. So it's pretty cool. Also, in the in the meantime, that's kind of a little bit of a thing that symbiotes don't like. So it kind of, you know, gets a lot going. Uh, it packs a lot of punch, but he goes off and runs. And that's it. It's a very quick issue. It's a very quick read. Like I said, it is jokey 
And it, this does continue. It's one of those that does have a couple issues. So you end up having a number two coming up next month. So that'll be cool. And yeah, the second time I read it, I actually did like it a little more. I, I think it's more of the shock of it being so jokey, even though you should realize that with a Deadpool issue, you know. But, uh, you know, once that was kind of set in my mind, I actually did enjoy the jokes. I thought there was some, you know, pretty funny lines at points. And it did serve the purpose there where the serious part of it is Carnage realizing that, boy, Deadpool, if I'm going to try to get codexes, boy, Deadpool is the jackpot. He yeah. is the unicorn. The and I jackpot. thought the art was really good as well. I so, love yeah. the art, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm going 8.5 total with this. Uh, the first time I read it, I would have given it a 7. That's how much I went up when I kind of got my mind wrapped around the whole deal. What would you give it? Yeah, I'm going to give it an 8. Uh, I mean, I... I really enjoyed this as far as a tie into an event. Um, you know, Deadpool and Carnage just was one of the ones that grabbed my attention when I saw the list of yeah. tie-ins initially. Um, and I, I've been having fun with this event enough to kind of keep peeking at the tie-ins as they come out and, and see if they, you know, are, are of any quality at all. And, yeah. I, and I've enjoyed them. This is quality. As, yeah. As, I, as, yeah. You know, the, what we've had three or four so far and I've enjoyed yeah. them all. So. Yeah, and, and, um, and with this that This might too, be my favorite of the bunch just because okay. of the jokes and, and the yeah. characters, though. And, and yeah, that's the thing, too. You can kind of wrap your head around the, you know, Deadpool. So you have Deadpool in there that we like. And, and I said even in uh, later when I talk about or I talk about Deadpool Annual by myself, it is kind of a, a weird, crazy deal that, you know, we were upset when Scotty Young's Deadpool got canceled got you know ended now in the meantime we find out that it's going to continue with kelly thompson she's going to do the book herself uh down the line yeah, but deadpool never really does go away i mean they're always going to have these you know tie-in stuff and we had an annual this week which is crazy and stuff like that so i always like getting our dose of deadpool love, like when we I had deadpool black panther with, uh... Ravencroft blowing up. He's singing yeah. burn, baby. Burn. Yeah, he's just burn, baby, burn. And it's crazy. <laughs> but yeah, it's good. I, I liked it. So we're going to move to the next book, which I know you're not a big fan. It is a number one. Yeah. We always deal with no, the number one. At the end of this review, we will vote if we're going to continue. And I know what you're going to say. Uh, you're going to say that we won't continue. And this is the problem because <laughs> I don't know that I want to or not. I know I'm p- more positive to the book than you. So what do we do when it's it's just me and you voting. <laughs> it's a split decision. We'll have to just wait. We'll have to see if other people like it a little more than Take you. Let's go Twitter spider number one. Vote. Yeah, I you, don't know. You did that, not that's like going to turn into a yes and to bite me in the back, you know? Yes. That's true. You could, A, if you really want it, you could go on the Patreon and vote for it for the spotlight. Uh, it is Ghost Spider number one, written by Shinan McGuire. I, I don't know how you pronounce that way of, of writing that Shannon? name. Shinan? Maguire on going drawn by Takashiti Mayazawa, colored by Ian Herring and letters by VCs Clayton Kells. And I'm sure I'm way off on all these names. So there you go. Gwen Stacy, a.k.a. Ghost Spider, no longer has a secret identity on her universe of Earth-65. But that celebrity status has come at a price. Gwen can now travel between universes with the use of a pendant and is coming to Earth-616 in an attempt to regain some semblance of a normal life by getting herself a college education. An education is what she's going to get. All right. And this is a number one, but is it? Because it, no. it really does feel a lot like, and you even mentioned where I had lost my mind earlier in Fresh Start, where Jim Zub's Champions book came out. 
and it did rely on a lot of what had come before that and just seemed like a continuation of that run and hardly a fresh start. This is a number one that relies a bit, especially with the stuff that is going on in Gwen's own you know, reality, yeah. her own earth. That earth. that really is something that if you just jump into this, you're going to be confused. I think that you get enough to kind of go forward, but you do end up with a cliffhanger that pretty much relies on some stuff from before and things like that. Uh, that's not only the, the big deal, though. The big deal here is... We were going to talk about it later, and we seem to find out about it after the whole Spider-Geddon. All of that stuff is the idea that they kind of shut down the traveling between Earths a bit with the spider. The spider world happened. The spider world deal. And that is a big thing in this, and that's fully what's going on. In fact, Gwen decides that since she wants to go to school and she wants to have a normal life, the only way she can do that is in the 616 because... They don't know her secret identity. Yeah. Her Earth She's knows it. Famous now. Yeah, or right? they know her. They know that she is, you know, Gwen, you know, Spider Gwen. I was going to Ghost Spider. What am I saying? Ghost Spider. Uh, I, I even forget the whole deal. Uh, but yeah, so with this, you do go, and you know, if you're just going in, you're like, well, what's this with the Mary Janes and the deal? Oh, but if you if you are reading and you know, you'll know this. I do think that once you get into the six one six. It It is enough of an easy read to know what's going on, especially if you watch, you know, the Spider-Verse movie and you kind of like the ghost spider stuff in there and you like Gwen Stacy as this character. I think that they're trying to kind of grab on to that. They may have been served a little better to do it quicker than now. You know, it's just coming out now. seems a, a little bit odd. Well, they did. I'm pretty sure they had the relaunch come out shortly after the yeah. movie did. And then this is now the second relaunch yeah, since yeah. the movie. Yeah. So, and, and again, like you said, it's a relaunch. It's not a reboot. It, it continues on. And so when she goes, there are some things that just feel weird. Now we have a lot of Peter Parker, Spider-Man, yeah. you know, in the books now. And that's the problem. I know that a lot of people have always come it's the same thing about complaining about Batman. And yep. it, the same thing happens when you have Batman is the fact that the more books that you have, the more and more you start to veer away from it, making sense of him doing all these things. You know what I mean? If you yeah. have two books, if you have just a Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man or a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, you can pretty much, you know, coordinate some stuff. But now you have all of these, you know, mini series, you have all these things. And now you have, you know, this and this didn't feel like a Peter Parker I, that I've been reading yeah. in my mind. Well, I think that's one of the big mistakes of this book is that it it made it unique in that it was dealing with its own earth and its own problems. Yeah. And I think bringing the character over to the 616 in an already crowded universe full of yeah, spider makes it people. Yeah, very crowded, yeah. Yeah, it's just another kind of just spider person and, and, in the mix. And how and, they get away with this or how they're trying to get away with it is the idea of saying – Hey, uh, hey, Peter, I'm going to go to school, you know, at Empire State University, just like you did. And uh, but at night, I'm going to go back to my earth and patrol. Yeah. Like, really? Like, the, you're, trying to, you're and... trying to get the best of both worlds. And to me, you're getting the lesser of both. Yeah. You know, really, like you said, maybe they're going with the idea of, OK, the book didn't really work in her earth. We'll bring her to the 616. And like you said, it's already crowded. Maybe what you should do 
is keep her in her own earth and actually get a good story. I yes, mean, that might I be the first solve thing all to the do. problems. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it would as well. Uh, because even by the end, the cliffhanger involves, you know, her as Ghost Spider in her own deal. Uh, the things of her being a student in the 616, I don't know. I'm not that interested in. I, I'm no. really not. It's, uh, and those scenes almost feel super repetitive in this yeah, book do. to pad it out. And even like, I, I don't really understand what they accomplish other than her getting a class schedule and just reiterating it and well, talking. And, to this and lady here's two the or thing about times. it: she ends up coming over to the six one six, goes to Peter. Peter's at you know the Empire state university which we know and he's there like hey you know dr connors he got you a little in i got you a little in we're gonna do this did you do the paperwork yes i did and then from there you you just have this deal where if you're gonna play this out i'm just this is my guess i don't know if you agree but it's not real exciting to see somebody talk about paperwork right it's not that exciting so where the fun of this would have been is the idea that they don't understand that there's a multiverse. They don't <laughs> understand right. that she's from a different deal. So now yeah, you have like to Gwen fudge Stacey things. Yeah, like died 30 years yeah. ago. What are you doing And now doing you have here? to fudge yeah. some things. Now you have to make up. You have to think on the fly. You have to do things where, you know, the dean is saying like, Wait a second. You know, we ran your Gwen. Oh, did I put Gwen Stacy? No, I'm Len Stacy. You know, stuff like that. Something that would be kind of funny, almost like a my cousin Vinny. Where you, where you ended up having the, the judge, he keeps going and, and thinking of, you know, calling up to find the name. And every time he went to Joe Pesci, I'm like, yeah, I just heard he's dead. Oh, no, I didn't say that. I said this. There would have been some fun to it. You would add some play on it. But no, they know all about it. So the idea of her just sitting there talking about paperwork is and even like, hey, you know, I, I fell through a dimensional portal. OK, that, that checks. All right. And then in the meantime, you do think that you're going to have a little bit of a connection eventually, you know, with a, you know, Gwen Stacy's father and things like that. And it's just the whole deal just feels really like a weird setup. It feels like, you know, you you can kind of see the direction of where the book might go. And I don't know that I'm not back to earth 65 next. And they're dealing with Gwen's dad. I think they do a terrible job of really catching you up of why he's returning to work, what happened and and what, you know, the background behind all that for what is supposedly supposed to be a number one issue. Yeah. And the other down part about the earth 65 stuff is that, uh, the, the spider Gwen books always had a super unique art style. It's kind of been always very neon and, and yeah. colored uniquely. And, and, you know, uh, it's, it's been one of the draws of the book personally, when, when I was getting it at least. Yeah. Um, you know, I dropped it a long time ago, it's almost, but now, I, I'm telling you, it's, it now was, you and, can't even yeah. tell the difference between no. the earths. And, so and it, with that, I actually thought like when I read it, it reminded me of kind of the art style of like a Gwenpool book, stuff like that. It, like you said, it's really flashy. It's, you know, got that look. This is pretty much, it is a little drab. And yeah, when yeah. you go, if, if you didn't have, you know, the deal Earth 65, you'd be very confused uh, because you can't tell the difference between the two. I'll agree with that. Uh, but yeah, her dad and her Earth is going back to work. 
Uh, and yeah, she's there. Her and Spidey are swinging around there as their, you know, personas there. And they end up. <laughs> this is the where, part where I wanted to throw the book against. Well, Gwen the wall. gets the spider sense, and there's trouble. And she goes, and there's a giant rat attacking a family, <laughs> a woman and her son. And they end up saving them. And the big joke is supposed to be when the rat makes a noise after they've already webbed them up to the wall where they end up webbing them, you know, extra. And I'm like, all right. And then it just the the idea. But now that we're talking about it, I'm liking it less and less. Because I even know. then, you have, good. you have this like, hey, how does your costume stay clean? I'm like, oh, why is this kid saying this? this is so weird. I'm not allowed to wear white clothes when I play. How about you? Oh, well, my suit is made of spiders. Yeah. And they're, ew. All right. Well, we're going to get going. I, like, and really? I don't know when that happened either. Like, I Again, I haven't read the, you know, followed this yeah, character. Yeah, must be a deal. Because it seems that this is something that she worked out with Peter as well. Because they're, they're figuring. And when she did show up originally in the beginning of the book, she says, yeah, I have this weird wonkiness going on where when I do travel through the dimensions, I end up. Having to reset a little. I have to wait for yeah, my suit to catch don't work up. Right away. Yeah, and her suit doesn't really catch up. And this is where the big reveal, and I guess it's the big thing of this issue, is the idea that Peter realizes that the suit, with it being these spiders that kind of make the suit up, it is a symbiote sentient thing that needs to be fed. And Gwen doesn't eat enough for the suit. Now that's fine and dandy. That doesn't mean it should take three pages. It, it is really, I mean, well, even to the point where. And then it turns where, into, well, oh, you got to eat because th- this is us, actual spider organic. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, you yeah. got to eat like kale chips yeah. and organic. And, and, and cellulose now be becomes a, vegan. a thing. Like, what and, is well, going on? I'm sure she's just going to be everything, but she's supposed <laughs> to add that in with it. But even just the idea where all you need to do is like, listen, did you eat it like I told you? What? No, I end up, I'm stuffed. Well, your suit needs more food because it actually feeds off the nutrients you do. It's actually is a pretty much a symbiote then. And uh, he ends up just going on, you know, you should get a pile of celery. It needs cellulose. Cellulose, like in wood? Yes, you know, humans can't digest cellulose. So I'm like, really? Like, I don't, what, is Slim Good Buddy going to show up and tell me, you know, I should eat my peas and vegetables here? Because it's nonsense. That is nonsense. She runs out and she ends up bumping into a guy that if you are aware, you would see that it is the jackal. Uh, She ends up bumping into him in a way that I thought that he ended up stealing a spider from her. Yeah, he did from what I can tell. But in fact, then is he the weird deal? Then he went off back like he's not supposed to be there. And then he went off to Earth 65. Last we saw of Miles Warren on... The main 616 Miles Warren was in Clone Conspiracy. Uh, ben Riley actually supposedly killed him. He yeah. set fire to that house. And he this was is in the, the thing, though. It's story. such and a we non-setup. We learned yeah. all about the cellulose. We saw him in that cellulose. Ewing story where uh, Spider-Man switched bodies. I'm okay, not sure how yeah, in yeah, continuity yeah. that is. But uh, well, here's I the think deal. this is the Earth 65 Miles you that came may, to 616. The bump say into that. To get right? a spider and go back to 65. You would think that. The only thing is, why then do you have him change clothes? 
because he has a tie on in the second one and has a different colored suit. If you're going to play the game here where people wouldn't know, especially in a number one, have her bump, have him say, you know, oh, don't worry, ma'am, you know, get on your way. Uh, You know, don't run into other people. But he actually says, you know, nice to run into you as well. Miss Stacy, and and then you're like, oh my, like how did that happen? You know the yeah, whole he, deal. He he has an obsession with Gwen Stacy, and that's too the in thing. The he she didn't introduce herself, so it, this is so the whole deal is, you know, is this the guy at the end? Because it does seem to be the progression of it being the same one. But you know, it, show me him going through a portal. Show me that he has the same yeah. clothes. Show me that he says all he does say. He says, I'll have you. You may have stopped the man wolf, but I'll stop you. And that's the thing is everything he's saying is the Earth 65 stuff that, that from her Earth. So that makes sense because he is in the Earth 65. You have to give me a little hint that what we just saw was him as well in the, the regular one. deal. Yeah. Be, even say like, you bump into me again and, and we're going to get even more from it. Yeah, something like that. You do. But this could just be a coincidence that she bumped into him in the, in the 616. And then in the meantime, you do have in the 65 universe him planning his, you know, revenge, him planning to be good. And then maybe there is a setup of the 616, you know, Jackal actually helping out Gwen because, like you said, he has an obsession type deal when this other one, but we don't know. And that, that was the biggest confusion I had by the end of the idea of, is this the guy and did he get the spider? Because you really made it, you know, fully aware that the suit has the spiders. So, yeah. but she's not wearing the suit. So no. that is weird for you. To, it is kind of like a symbiote suit though, where it can kind of yeah. change to her, you yeah. know, will it, and whatever again, she wants to wear. I, I wonder guess. I what's know. going on. And yeah, she some did of get... my knowledge of the character again is, is hindering yeah, well, kind of some the of thing. my understanding that's not your here, fault. but that's, this yeah, is a number, a number one. one. I this know. this should be spelling it out at one point if that's the case. If we're supposed to know that, then you should have Peter say, hey, you know, you can eat at any time since your suit turns into your, your nice little fancy, you know, jogging pants and, and your coat. <laughs> have something. Or, hey, it's pretty convenient that the suit turns into a backpack, you know, whatever yeah. it would be. Because I don't a know. Lot in this issue without saying anything yeah, too We learn more so. about that cellulose is something that, you know, a spider might eat and that humans right. can't digest. Why are yeah. we focusing on that and not on the idea of the end Actual where you have a big cliffhanger that you yeah. that we know? You know, at least have him coming through the portal then, if that's the case, because we may be wrong, we may be right, because I think it could be both. It's not yeah, just it could the be. same, though. It could be. It's yeah, just weird. Knows? Yeah, now I'm mad. And then you have, you know, then you get me with next, the, the number two issue. You get me because then I look and I'm like, boy, that looks like Taylor Swift in the in this ghost spider yeah, outfit. And now I want Taylor Swift to star in a ghost spider deal. And I know that a lot of people would throw shade it, at that. Is but the tagline like across the front bad blood? That's right. It should be. You should get it. You, you got to get a little more up to date with your Tay Tay. Yeah, but that's fine. I like Tay Tay. Yeah. Me and Tanya were talking about Tay Tay today. And we're getting, we were getting a little irritated with her, but I still like her. I, I'm yeah, actually one of likes few, catchy songs, uh, you know, guys all. that like, you know, that deal. So I don't mind. So get her in that suit. 
and away we go. And a million seller. There's C.B. Yep, Sabolsky's there deal. You get Taylor Swift to write this. Then I'm in. And then, you know, guest uh, guest written <laughs> annual. Get all the Swifties That's to buy it. That's all you do. That's you get that. Yeah. Idea. And then and really go all out where then you have the Jonas Brothers write an annual and then get like Katy Perry to write a little miniseries. No, no, we're, we're heading down. Hopefully you know, she doesn't steal the idea from they somebody. Are just, right? really, they're just printing money. That. Yeah, that's what you get. And then, you know, for good measure, just get Dave Grohl to write something. So we're all happy. But yeah, so there you go. That That is the issue. What did you give this on the site? Yeah, I gave it a four. I'm going to stick with that I'm four. I didn't five. enjoy the art thoroughly. I didn't enjoy the story much at all. But I mean, there I can see ghosts. Um, what's her name? Ghost spider fans. Yeah. Uh, enjoying this because that they know more coming into this than me. I thought, you know, maybe it was a little more of a jumping I don't know. on Maybe that's it, the thing that labeled. maybe they would think that this is, you know, not moving enough ahead for them either, because you really don't get anything here. Yeah. I don't know. Some I, I think, I don't know how the, you know, uh, cause I'm not a, a ghost spider, you know, Stan or fan, as you would say, no. uh, I wonder how they feel about the constant relaunches of this book. I think no. it's undergone really three in a year. So I, I think that, weird. I think that they ended up, uh, calling fans of ghost spider ghost chasers. Would that, that be good? Ghost busters. I, I don't yeah. know. I don't know what you'd call ghost them. Busters. Yeah. A ghost spider. Ghosties. Writer. Like the Swifties. Right? Yeah. Ghosties. ghosties. <laughs> That's what, uh, there's actually a lot of reviews. It's got a ton of reviews. It got 16 and it's one of those where you range from, of course, a 10, uh, yep. And and really, I don't know if I, you know, should say, I don't think that you don't read comics. You know, I, I don't know what they're talking about, but you go down to maybe the they lower didn't read score. the issue. Maybe yeah. that was why they maybe gave they, it a Maybe turn. actually they're the ones who <laughs> di- are more up to it. Maybe they're ones. And then somebody, some old curmudgeon is down there at the bottom with a four. So yep, you're, you're the me. worst. Hand uh, up. But there's a lot of sixes. Uh, I'm with a five. So I would have been second lowest. But yeah, so there you go. You, you get that yeah. going on. And if we are going to vote now that we talked about it, now I really wrap my head around this nonsense. Yeah, I don't think we're going to talk about this book yeah. much. I'll, I'll check that, out that the means next it'll issue. be a Patreon special next month. Yeah, really. And, and <laughs> what ends up happening then if they don't pick the number two? Then it's gone. Then it gets out it of the shuffle because yeah, yeah we're not gonna you know then we're, we're not gonna go and and catch up to something that we really don't like. But that's that. That's the first section of books. Now we're gonna go off to the mail, and then we'll be back with more books as well. Do you have the time to drive me and Brandon line? And with science, my book comics at gmail.com. We will read them all. At the wrong turn, says Mel Cow. Whether they're positive or when they are not. You can give a shout out to your peeps. Make fun of Brandon, but not me. It's all for the weekend show. Brandon lives in Buffalo. Now here's wrong to the same. Yo, it's Mel Call. Ah, yes, it is mail call, just like nope. Wrong Turn said. And I will mention again, I wonder if people still use the term peeps. But hey, I like peeps the candy. How about <laughs> At you? Easter, I'm sure. Peeps, no, my uh, daughter does, though. That really? might be her favorite. You yeah. know that that's a local candy to me. They're right down the road. Is it really? I, I ended yeah, up at one point in my old job, I would go and we would repair machines. 
uh, from the Just Born company that does that. I believe that's the company. And uh, people can look that up and say, no, it isn't. But it's, it is local. I, but wherever it was, I do believe it's Just Born. Uh, we would go. And when you'd go into the lobby, they would actually have just baskets of all their candies, <laughs> like Mike and Ike's and all these other things that they uh, ended up, you know, selling and making there. And the one time I went in and I saw the peeps there and I'm like, oh, that that's pretty good. I grabbed some peeps. We were waiting. We had to get signed in and things like that where, you you know, when you go and do this sort of yeah. thing. And then I was like, a couple more peeps. And then I had some more. And I kind of think that I might have changed their peeps policy because I ate too many peeps while I was there. And even when I left, <laughs> I grabbed some more peeps. And Wouldn't there were so many give you peeps one there. Now? Eh, no, I'm telling you, I think they took them out because the next time we went, now it might just be a coincidence. Uh, the next time we went there, they didn't have any peeps out and had no candy <laughs> at all. And I thought that that was their like this gym guy. He came in and they he ate just it saw all. you we walking in the door that. and they, they yeah, put or, their lock that's on. That's the it. thing. They ended up like, what? You called that guy again? Oh, no. Hide the peeps. Hide the, <laughs> hide the peeps. Hide the Mike and Ikes. You know, there you go. Yeah, I had that. And that caused me problems. I do like <laughs> I really do. I end up eating peeps to the point where I might vomit. And that and with peeps to me, that's not I, very I long. Cocoa. I drop one in hot cocoa. It's oh, pretty good. Man, that's complete and utter nonsense. How old are you? Yeah. I mean, really. <laughs> up there in Buffalo, that's the things you do for your jelly. Oh, you put uh, the peeps in the cocoa, cocoa are you? At least twice a oh, night my. when it gets wintertime. You, you know, the last time I had hot cocoa was when I was eight. I, I mean, oh, really, you poor yeah, and, man. And back that long we got ago, it at work too. They got uh, a hot screw, cocoa station at yeah. work at our work. Oh, uh, the other day, I actually asked my boss, "Hey, I know that you have these bottled waters up front. Is there any way I could have one?" And they, he would not let me. That's how nice our boss is. <laughs> well, you know, that's the deal. Though the the boss's uh, son, the other day, comes up to me and he goes, "Hey, if you want some pizza." There's pizza in the break room. So I'd say, well, what's that all about? Why is there no pizza, pizza in the break room? And he goes, I don't know. Some people got it for me. And I'm like, all right, this seems weird. Like, who? <laughs> I don't know. And then he walks away. And, and I said to Eric, like, are you going to eat that pizza? And Eric's like, there's no way I'm trusting this pizza. Like, I'm like, no, I don't care. I went and got two pieces <laughs> like of pizza right there. They laced it right with laxatives? Like, what's no, I don't, Eric It's of? just the thing, though, because this guy said he didn't know who bought it. It just arrived. And so what we end up finding out is he didn't tell me the whole story. It was his birthday. And the people at work bought him pizza. He just didn't know the individual said, but he, he didn't explain it right. Eric still yeah. wasn't eating it. He doesn't like, first off, he doesn't like the boss's son. And Eric he's afraid. doesn't want to be in debt to anybody. Well, no, he's, he's afraid that, yeah, the, that the kid's going to say later, like, oh, man, you ate my birthday pizza. So Eric ain't having that. What I do is I sneak in <laughs> when nobody's there. And I, I was the first one in there. And there were like seven pizzas. I end up, you know, you go the third one down so that you can hide the evidence there. I grabbed two pieces of pizza. They both went up either sleeve of my hoodie. And then I walked out like a robot because, you know, you have pizza on your sleeve. And then I went over to 
Eric and I pulled out the pizza almost as if I was popping the Wolverine claws there. And then yeah, I ate my pizza just like Wolverine's claws. Doesn't he do that? Yep. He eats them when, he, when he's oh, hungry. Yeah. He definitely yeah. eats pizza on his claws. Yeah, and then, and then I, I sat there and I said, you know what? This isn't cellulose. Because that's nonsense, ghost spider, is what I said. <laughs> and it was weird yeah. because it was way before I read that issue. I just kale knew chips, salmon. right? Yeah, kale, kale chips, chips, my butt. Uh, I, I don't even like those veggie straws that people want. Yeah, I mean, either. really. I'm out Here, on all that nonsense. If I'm going to eat gonna a give snack. Give me snacks. Give me a real snack. Yeah, eat a snack. I mean, if you are on a diet, you want to eat healthy. Then you don't eat the chips. You don't eat the yeah. things like that. You know, get yourself a salad, fatty. Is what I say right. to myself get, in the go mirror. Get an impossible whopper. That's what I say. You know? Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah. No, I actually, I, I, if you want to go on like the page, it's twenty people, less calories. Yeah, it's not, nothing less. It. I ended up doing yeah. a review of the Impossible Whopper. Number one, it, it's even worse for me because I have to watch my sodium intake because you know that oh, yeah. nonsense, and uh, it's more sodium. sodium. Thing. Yeah, because yeah. you have to give it flavor. It actually has a decent enough flavor. It doesn't have the full out you know, flame grilled type flavor. That has a weird little, but it's, it's okay. Well, it's, the it's thing cooked is in too, burger fat. It, it's yeah, well, that's the, the problem. <laughs> it's not actually listed as vegan or vegetarian because they cook it on the same grill as the burgers. So if you want yeah. to get it special to grease. make that, they'll, they'll microwave it for you. And then you can have that, but who wants that? Uh, that sounds uh, delicious. Yeah, yeah, really it does. But yeah, we're here with the microwave mail. back to matter. the mail. If you want to be part of the mail, and then get involved in the mail before we talk about food or after, actually. <laughs> you know, email us in at weirdsciencemarvelcomics at gmail.com as all the things are. I believe that would be in the show notes. I'm not sure now, but we'll see. I'll probably put that in. And I the first one, the first mail is by Steve. Steve likes the hockey, is what I've learned from yes. our Twitter. Left winger, right? Yes. Yes, it is. And he says, I know this is the Marvel podcast. This I'm telling you, I, I ended up mentioning Steve's email to a lot of people. So Steve should feel proud that I ended up mentioning this because he has a very valid point of why yeah. I should not be ditching at the Hickman X-Men books. I know this is a Marvel <laughs> podcast, but I just finished Event Leviathan number three, which is the supposed, should I say, Big event in air quotes, because uh, sure. it's kind of this book is garbage, as the French say. At first, I figured I don't know a ton about DC. I'm a Marvel guy. Maybe I'm not getting it. It's Heroes in Crisis all over again. And Heroes <laughs> in Crisis is one thing I'll tell you, you don't want to get. You know, no. It's like one of them diseases Stay that away. you don't want to get. Nothing is happening, he says. I've read all three issues. I've listened to yours and other podcasts review them. I'd like to hear if he thinks that we did a better job, because if he says no, I'll yeah, be very impressed. If somebody yeah. asked me what has happened so far, I don't think I can answer. I'll tell you, because I would like to think that we did inform a lot in it. People stood around talking. That's what happened, Steve. That's yep. it. And, you know, you have a little fight and characters acting way out of character. So far, the spiral Argus organizations, etc. of the world have been wiped out. The rest of the book is them standing in a room talking. Why do I do this to myself? I, I ask the same question. And, <laughs> I don't know. And, uh, I Steve, do that with to you, myself too a lot. With Steve not being a DC guy, which he said, you also have to realize, put on top of this, that the idea of a spiral an Argus, a DEO, a Shade. The idea that they have been wiped out, 
means nothing to well, 99.9% of readers constantly. Also, we never deal with them. They, they are just things Not that a competent come up. version of them. No, in and any even way. if they aren't, when was the last time we dealt with spiral? Really? We dealt with it in the Grayson book four years ago, and then it popped up a little in Nightwing yeah. And it didn't even jive with what happened in the DCYOU no. Grayson book. So nothing it's just jived. just a name they we grab up, when the they DEO, need a random organization. The DEO is always involved with Supergirl and has been. Now, the Bones. DEO Mr. is Mr. Bones. Now, Mr. Bones ended up getting fired and arrested in the DEO in the New 52. We ended up starting times. up Rebirth, which isn't a reboot. It was a continuation. Uh, he ended up all of a sudden again... He's back as the DEO head. He ended up getting arrested and kicked out. And then Event Leviathan starts out, and Mr. Bones is again the head. This is a guy like my friend Eric Shea just can't get fired. I I mean, Eric is is almost up to 60 days out of work this year (laughs) of just staying home, and he is not fired. In fact, like Mr. Bones, I'm sure it happens with him. He doesn't get yelled at. Everybody else that works with him does yes, about him. Of course. I, I'm telling you, I say it all the time. I end up getting yelled at because Eric misses a day. You know, he may, Mondays are a big day for him to miss now. He may not be in tomorrow. You know, that weekend, he likes to do Brandon. It's like he's up he, recording he does, a podcast. Like, but, yeah, my, yeah, no. <laughs> and and you have the, he has Brandon hours, but yet he also gets off Saturday. You do not. Yeah, uh, so I know. The, the deal yeah, I mean, is, they're extra early Saturday. Yeah, so what happens is, Eric ends up not showing up. The the bosses come out and yell at me about this. Now, luckily, they some of them know about podcasting and stuff we do. Others do not. And it's the ones that do not that yell. I have a feeling that if they knew this stuff, they would tell me, you know, you tell them on that stupid podcast. They'd probably throw shade. They don't. So they just say, if, uh, Eric, that's bullcrap. Oh, man, he's going to get it tomorrow. I'm putting a one ad and, you know, a, you know help wanted ad in the paper, that, that, that. And I hear all this the next day, and I've told this on the DC podcast a bunch of times. The next day, the Eric will come in, and I'll say, oh, man, the bosses, they are so mad at you. They, they were flipping their lid. And then they'll come out, and I'm like, here we go. Oh, no. Here, here it's the OK Corral coming down. We're going to have a showdown, baby. And, I, and they go over and tickle him. They're tickling him and giggling. And then they yeah. leave, and he says, I thought they were mad. And I'm like, I thought they were, too. Well, they were just mad at me. They were just mad at me. I get so mad. Switch to House of X powers of 10. It's amazing, he says. I've heard you criticize that you don't know what's going on. One, you're not supposed to have a full picture yet. It's like watching a mystery or spy movie and saying, I don't know who did it, so it sucks. Now, you're saying a mystery or a spy movie. You do have a setup with that said movie. You don't just go in and not know anybody. Just say you go to see a James Bond movie. You know James Bond. You know that he's involved in things. You understand the rules of a movie like that. That Powers of X book that we read as a Patreon spotlight, Powers of a 10, I keep saying X, yeah. Powers of 10 number one, I literally didn't know one character in that book pretty much. I mean, of the, I didn't either. you know, of the, say there were 10 characters in it, I knew one and that was in the very beginning where they're like, Hey, what's going on here? And you know, once you got into that future world, I had no idea. 
I mention it, you know, because as a surprise here, uh, a Stephen, I'll call you because now I'm, I'm <laughs> you know, I'm going to treat him like I, my dad, when he was mad, he'd call me James. I'm not mad at Steve, though. Uh, we're going to be talking about the X books I'll be doing with Aaron, right, when we're done here. And I do mention in that as well, that when you had that, you know, chimera hybrid, I didn't even know what that meant. And then when you also had people telling me it was awesome, you you didn't know that that was a combination of, you know, this guy and that girl and this mutant. And and Steve might say, well, Jim, you should have read the book because it mentioned that the problem is. I didn't know all those mutants. So when you're telling me that it is a combination, it it would be the same if Steve's here and I say, hey, I got this new hockey player. He's going to go join the Rangers. He's pretty much a combination of Mario Lemieux, uh, Bobby Orr, and Wayne Gretzky. Steve immediately will say that will be the best player who's ever lived. That's awesome. Somebody who doesn't know hockey would be like, you just said names to me. I have no idea what that means. And, and, you know, so that's kind of where I was. And so when we ended up not talking about it anymore, It was, like I said, and I'll repeat it again, it's because I just didn't feel comfortable because I didn't know what was going on. So we get on and say, this stinks. And then people are just going to be like, yeah, it stunk because you're a moron. I don't need that. I I don't need that stuff. So I ended up reading and catching up, me and Aaron talk about it. But still, I'm still confused at things. But after this last Powers of Ten, I'm a little more on board and understand a little more and feel a little more confident that I can at least express an opinion that is somewhat edumacated. Number two, he says, we do have enough info to get an idea of what is happening and how it's coming together. Three, I haven't followed an X-Men uh, in comics since I was 14, late 90s, so I don't think you need to worry about not having the base knowledge. Now, again, though, you followed it in the 90s. You, you were still following it. I have read one, six issues of X-Men other than the Fresh Start stuff that really didn't help me at all, and that was Astonishing X-Men by Joss Whedon. And I forgot I had read that, and that really didn't help me either <laughs> because those are the classics. That's what I want. Yeah. I want yeah, Beast, I and I, I want Cyclops, and I want Wolverine, and I want Kitty Pride. I, you know, the only Kitty Pride we've gotten so far is, is the hybrid of her in mixed in with people and yeah the art is magnificent in issue three alone we have an awesome panel of charles and magneto shaking hands which is just a heartwarming simple image who's this magneto that you speak of though most of my knowledge comes from the movies which screws me as well we have the powerful exchange between charles magneto and cyclops can it even be done does it need doing yes then it will be done Sounds like Tanya yelling at me about, you know, mowing the lawn with fabulous art and colors on Scott's visor. Man, that's the kind of panel that you remember next time something difficult happens in your life and you think I can do this. It will be done. I actually, when that happens, I think I can shoot lasers out of my eyes and kill people (laughs) is what I think. How can two events be so different? Yes, Don't make I know. Reggie, mad. Reggie, Reggie really spelled that out. Uh, three, if you count Heroes in Crisis. So how can two events be so different? Three, if you count Heroes in Crisis. Hickman is putting on a master class. I think the hype of this book is working against you. The difference is while we're not totally sure what's happening in the Xbox, I actually give a crap. He ends up cursing. That's not allowed. And one to find out with Heroes in Crisis and Event Leviathan, I wanted to tell King and Bendis to F off. LOL. Now, I will also tell you this, this argument of Steve's would hold more water and weight in my mind. 
if you could then throw in my face, you liked Heroes in Crisis and Event Leviathan. <laughs> I, I didn't. And and in fact, yeah. last night, I was up until 4 a.m. arguing about Heroes in Crisis and Tom King in general. So you're, you're basically, you're... You know, preaching to the choir about the DC stuff, but you're—I don't think you're fully getting my personal reason of not. You know, you know, wanting nobody to talk has about to this. remind me about Brian Michael Bendis. Yeah, anything. yeah, you. I, I would and not even Leviathan's open the cover boring. of a Brian Michael Bendis and, and book. So, yeah, to, to and so yeah, and so this is—it's a very <laughs> selfish reason why we weren't talking about it, and why I wasn't, indeed. But it was because, again. I think that, and I thought at that point, if you want to hear about this book, you are much better suited to go listen to another podcast that talks about it because you're not going to get much from me. What you're going to get from me is a lot of, I don't know who this is, a lot of, I don't understand what's going on. And and really, like I said, and you know, I don't want to go too far repeating myself with this. When you don't know most of the characters, when you don't know how they're supposed to act, when you don't know, I I said, and you'll hear me coming up because when we do talk about it, I I giggled every time Nimrod came up because that made me laugh, the name Nimrod. I don't know who that is. So when I hear Nimrod, I just think of me yelling and calling somebody Nimrod on the schoolyard. So that's the level that I was going into these books where do you want to hear a guy giggle every time he says Nimrod? Uh, but I'm a little past that. And I, I tell you, I think I was better suited reading all the issues that came up until now as one thing. I, I think that I actually got to wrap my head around a little more, seeing the connections more, because when you end up having these even weekly, very weekly, you end up where the things that I didn't understand aren't going to sink into my stupid brain. I, I have attention yeah. deficit disorder, legitimately awful. I mean, you would not understand how bad it is. I may seem even a little more focused. When I go off on a tangent on the podcast, that is nothing like in real life. In real life, I cannot keep my head straight. It drives my wife nuts. Uh, so, yeah, a week later, if I was supposed to remember something that I didn't really know, I'm done. So I was having problems. Keep up the great show. Listen to you guys is like having a laid back combo with friends, ripping on each other and just having fun. P.S. Brandon, thoughts on the 50th anniversary Buffalo Bill or Buffalo Bills, Buffalo uh, Sabres jerseys with the gold. I think they look beautiful. I might have to pick up a McGilney or LaFontaine or Hashik in that style. Do you like those? You yeah, like the I, new I Sabres jerseys? I'm gonna, I probably will end up getting one because I like them so much. I haven't had a Sabres jersey in forever, but. Uh, really? I don't know, those those look pretty sweet. Yeah, I I they're, would. They're actually going to go back to the royal blue next year too. They're not really? going to have that dark blue anymore. Yeah, I, I actually jerseys. I think Mo Gilney would be who I'd get of of a deal. I, he <laughs> is a guy that I really did like, yeah. and that's really I like around Michael my a lot era. now. But as far as yeah. the old guys go, I would definitely be down to McGilney or Hashik. I think for me, yeah, I thought you, I, I loved thought Hashik. you, I thought that you were a big Lafontaine fan. You're dissing your man uh, Lafontaine. I like Lafontaine. I would. I'll tell you, when Lafontaine came here, I didn't like him because I like Turgeon, but he. Yeah. He grew yeah. on me. He definitely grew on me. I Would like you, uh, when he got buried and he had that uh, jaw helmet on for a while. That's yeah, when I really yeah. got to like him. Oh, really? <laughs> you, you like that, <laughs> yes. do you? I, I would. I, I'm wondering, would you get 
a Phil Helsley jersey? Would that be one no, that you would get? No, Phil Helsley How can about, go. Yeah, mm, you, can you don't like Phil Helsley. I can't say what he's allowed to go to. Yes. All right. But he says at the end, beep boop. And that is the end of the mail. And because we got this mail, either you can write in and thank Steve, or after you hear me talk about the powers of X, you can end up yelling at him and saying, why did you do this? Why did you end up making Jim talk about it? I hope that it is the former. I hope that you enjoy uh, me and Aaron talking about the X books coming up also with Guardians of the Galaxy as well. Uh, But thank you, Steve. And really, I, I did think if he is going to be involved with all the things we do and he ended up reading and buying you know event leviathan so that he can listen to us talk about it on the podcast uh yeah i i better get off my duff and read the x stuff and read all this stuff i I said i would catch up for the the hickman number one and i'll read that all at one shot i got him you're a liar no i I actually think that you'll i think you'll like it a little more and and i actually said reading them all did help me and also the fact that I believe that this last powers of 10 really ended up wrapping some things in to make me understand things that actually had a, a more of a focus that I could grab onto. I could pay more attention to and things like that. So I really liked it, which you'll hear right about now. Ah, oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. The power of 10, that was, right? I, I ended <laughs> up, I was going to do a couple different types of song parodies for the powers of 10 and the house of x and things like that uh and i never got around to it so you get some huey lewis and really how could it be any better than that though i I think that i will do the powers of 10 to that that would be pretty good uh but that also signifies that we're going to be me and aaron talking a little Jonathan Hickman X-Men that I claim that I would never read or talk about. But the way things are settling down with the podcast, we're going to probably do this for the most part from here on out, where me and Brandon talk some books, me and Aaron talk some books. I do a couple of my own. Jeremy even kicked in uh, this episode to do some books, things like that. Well, that actually allows me, I think that if we ended up telling Brandon that we were going to do the Hickman stuff, not only would he be pissed and probably throw shade at me. I have a feeling that he would just not really talk, number one. (laughs) And if he did, he would curse us out. And this is a non-cursing podcast, so we can't have him cursing us out. So I figured once we decided on this, and really it wasn't just because of this, these books that this happened. It was because he's been real busy with his newborn, things like that. So he doesn't have as much time. So I said, listen, I'll do some other stuff. We'll we'll get this. And it it ends up, I think it's going to be a fuller podcast the way that it's going to be now. It allows it to spread its wings. Yeah. And and also Brandon even said like when me, and him are on he just feels like he doesn't want to say anything because then everybody's talking i I really don't like when there's more than two people on a podcast so i I think this will be better also just for a little behind the scenes deal me and you aaron are the only ones that when i record with now end up with a file that's exactly the same time and i don't have to edit it at all so that's a bonus but when we end up with brandon in the mix then it screws everything up so brandon's out 
I mean, I, I, don't I, I, saw, I sound just like Brandon, apparently. Yeah, so that's it, what it people say. No one's going to be able to tell, it, tell the difference. Yeah. And yeah, and really what ends up where Brandon, you know, he lives pretty close to Niagara Falls. So when we're recording, you hear, you know, water going, whatever. When you're doing it, it's just Heidi washing a dog, one of your <laughs> random dogs. So it does sound like Niagara Falls a bit. But we're going to start off with the powers of 10. Number three, obviously, we have not talked any of the books on the regular podcast the first house of x and the first powers of 10 were actually patreon picks for the uh, bad butts of the fresh start crew on the patreon deal and so this will be the debut of us talking on the regular podcast about these and i just want to reiterate what i said before is i had no idea what was going on i am not an x-men fan not i'm not not a fan I just, I have not read any X-Men, really. So when things were being thrown out, and Aaron even threw shade at me in the Slack chat, (laughs) where I ended up getting a couple names wrong switched between people because I was just looking at characters then I had no idea who they were. And, you know, that when Rasputin is, is there and they, I'm like, I really don't know these characters. So, yeah, I ended up and I by the end of that powers of 10, number one, I was even calling it powers of X. Uh, I just thought, you know what? It's not that I hate it that I'm going to stop. It's because I just feel uncomfortable talking about it because I know nothing about it. But when we decided to do this, I said to double A run here, you're going to guide me through this. And then I ended up catching up and I sent you a message before we recorded this. And I said, said you know what i really do like this and and when we get to this powers of 10 number three i am settled in enough that at least i know who the characters are when they pop up i end up knowing most of their power sets now it helps you know there's a lot of characters characters because i don't i don't know all these that's what i'm saying and this is the thing i think that this powers of 10 works out for me especially this issue uh and i said i really liked house of x number one Then I got lost. But when I went through this, this is my second favorite issue. And I do think that one of the things that's going on with me is the idea that we're playing in the future for the most part. And I can kind of wrap my head around things like, okay, I'm seeing this future for the first time you are as well and everybody else. And, you know, I'm still trying to learn the characters. Like you said, there's some weird characters thrown in there. But, you know, you also have Wolverine. I know Wolverine, so so I'm I'm down with that. We have Apocalypse. Okay, I, I can go with that. You know, Nimrod, all these guys and, and gals that I'm starting to learn a little it more almost, of. You almost feel like this should have been like the first issue. Yeah. Like they should have done that one too. trick that they do with the weak writer that doesn't seem to work out that I complain about a lot. But this issue could have yeah. uh, helped the other issues feel uh, more easier yeah. to access I because agree. It, it gives you the explanation of uh, the characters that are involving in this X one hundred year yeah. Uh, universe. Yeah. And and before this one, when we were doing these, and obviously the the X one hundred, all these different universes. That's more of a powers thing when we go through the books like this for the most part but before when we had the future stuff and even even the far far future stuff that was where i really felt lost i really felt and also i felt as if 
okay, you know, you're playing around with this stuff, really. Why are you trying to act so smart with your future stuff? And I want more of the present and even the little bit of the past because I'm, I'm more grounded. I know more of those characters, things like that. This is the first time where I've read this and I'm like, holy crap, this, this future stuff's awesome. And it really, it's because everything's starting to pay off. You know, you, he, you have he, a bunch of things. He started so many different gears in the motion yeah. that it was hard to decipher which line of uh, storyline you, you should be following. Yeah, like I did, yeah. I, I reread each issue like uh, almost a dozen times each. And I still didn't pick up right away to like my, my fifth reading of, I think it was powers of X uh, number two, where there was two storylines going on simultaneously of Moyer, Moyer's life. Yeah, where yeah. Uh, Life nine, no, yeah, life nine yeah. and ten. I think, I think it was, was eight. I think it was seven and eight. I think her ninth <laughs> live ends yeah. up starting or ends. I actually, I think the ninth live ends here. We'll see it by the end because when when yeah. the end, you know, spoiler alert, she gets killed. Uh, and by Wolverine, which was awesome. And, and it's one of those things, I think, even when we get to that, and I'll just say it now, uh, you realize at the split second before it happens, what's about to happen too. Yeah. When he's like, when you have it, and it's a nice turn of a page too, because, yeah. you know, Wolverine ends up giving her all the info. She ends up taking it in a way that Apocalypse kind of set up through and this that crystal. And that would have been what you sacrificed if you would have put this issue as issue one yeah. and then worked yeah. backwards. Yeah, which yeah. may have helped newer readers, but it w- it would have ruined a, a really big jaw dropping moment. Yeah. yeah, and I'm telling you, once on that page, and it's it's a really good play of how you you know page turns, and that's I, I'm telling you when when I complain about Jonathan Hickman, I, I can't say to anybody that he's a bad writer. I mean, yeah. that would be ridiculous. This is your first that, experience that be, with them, basically. And that would just be completely ridiculous anyway, because you can tell from page one that he's not a no. terrible writer. You can say he's not for you. And that's kind mm-hmm. of what I was going with at first. But just the idea where you have a writer, and, and a lot of guys, you know, they'll, they'll write their words on the page. You know, you got the artist, they're going to town or whatever. But when you really have a guy who is a you know, classic writer, you know, uh, pretty much a, a genius, developmental guy is, you writer. Know. Yeah. yeah. You, you end up where they're playing with, you know, more than one deck where, you know, somebody's going to, Oh, I'm going to blow their minds with the, this speech that Superman says, you know, yeah. Jonathan Hickman can blow your mind with just the way he has made the, a script the, to turn the page. You, you know what I mean? With, with the ideas formulated in the yeah. background. Yeah, like and even just at this the point, universe yeah. he builds right oh, away yeah. in, in yeah. such in in such small strokes of a pen too. Yeah, oh yeah, and he, yeah. I'm telling you, even the way this last where you get to the cliffhanger, the turn of the page, where the last thing they, they you get the crystal, you give it to Moria, and you end up where Wolverine says, "If we succeeded, the old man said to send you on your way because there's nothing mm-hmm. left to save here," and you're like on your way oh my and you realize yeah he and then you turn and that's where you get it where he's like i'm sorry you're like oh my god he's Mm -hmm. gonna kill her which he has to i mean and it it makes sense but it's such a great moment the way it just plays out even with a page turn so yeah uh, and really i said jonathan Hickman may not be my you know flavor that i love Eh, it's starting to get that way it's almost like when i was a kid i i yeah 
no, I loved, ahead. I was just going to say, as a kid, like I hated, you know, uh, olives. Now I love them. So there, I mean, that's the Jonathan Hickman is actually the olives of the comic world for me. Well, because this, it is, this very much, this, this issue eliminates the part that you had the most uh, problem with. This yeah. year 100 storyline that introduced new characters, uh, uh, a future that you couldn't really comprehend because the new characters yeah. that were featured were formulated from five different other characters. Yeah. It's like yeah, an, I had an amalg- no idea. amalgam universe. And the the Camara Camara type, yeah, 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 it's crazy with Rasputin and Cardinal when they were there. I'm like, I don't know who they are. You know, really spinning and set and set my head spinning, but in in a a really interesting way of I got to figure this out, and it's it's all presented there. You just have to sit there and spend the time to figure it out. Even and I, I still, I'll even give you the deal. Cardinal is Wagner, Gray, Freeman, Priest. He's a a, a Camara third generation. Yeah, I've just mentioned a couple that I don't know who they are. So when when you're playing the yep. game of that, they're a combination of four, and you don't know two of the four. I don't you're know. You're going to be lost. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I was lost. And and so where a lot of people who have the knowledge, it is a game. It is a fun thing to figure out. And, and when you're done, if you end up seeing Rasputin, they're going, you're like, you know what? I think that's part choir, Rasputin, Bane, Pride, Kinney, uh, you know, and you're like, then you feel smart. You know yes. what I mean? You feel in tune when you don't know what the heck is going on. You feel dumb and it's not fun feeling dumb at the end. And that's what I felt. I felt dumb. I felt, and, and especially talking to people. So when, when we ended up a lot of people arguing in the Slack chat about it. Not once did I say, man, th- this story sucks. It's a, I, I, I didn't understand it. That was basically and, and, my and whole thing. And not yeah, one it was time did I, Not one time did I blame you for that fact because no, there just, is a yeah, lot it was to tough. not understand. I gave you some crap. Oh, yeah. Admittedly. You know, I got a lot of crap. I did. But that was the thing. And really – uh, reading it and trying to talk about it without knowing I set myself up for crap. But yeah, yeah you, you ended up then with Ruben in the Slack saying, well, by issue 10, you know, I think that we'll go. And I'm like, issue 10, holy moly. You know, yeah, like, I, so I nobody had a feeling that yeah. he's going to wrap up a little bit of this before. Uh, yeah. And issue I think 10. that this and issue and does ser- it. And yeah, yeah. he served yeah. himself right by doing it. This and I think too. that one of the things about this issue that I really think, uh, you know, kind of should be stated as well is, we pretty much stay in one time frame in this. Yep. The, you know, in the Powers books, we are jumping around. And sometimes we were only in, you know, one of the things for a page, you know, even yep. less at points. And this, this one's the whole deal. One, this sticks in one timeline and then eliminates that time. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. At the same and time. I'm like, there's one less thing I have to worry about. And even mm-hmm. with that, with the way that it was, you know, spelled out, like, again, you can sit there and say, okay, Hickman, you know, what are you pulling here? Because you have House of, House of X1. Powers of 10, 1, House of X, two, Powers of ten, 2 and 3. You had those two in a row of yep. Powers of 10. And you're like, really? Like, you're going to do that? But with the way that the Powers books were, it really served well because we yep. did get a really good and intriguing part of this timeline that is now going to be eliminated uh in the last issue where you ended up having them like all right you know they're going to know where we are we're going to have to just go you know we have no mask now we ended up at so we're going to have to go take it to nimrod but you end up at this issue realizing what they had risked their lives to go get and how it ended up working out and it was really good but we'll go right into it it yeah Yeah, and what's it going to be used for 
It's pretty cool. And, and yeah, and even like, here's the deal. I'll even admit it too. When we first start reading the powers of 10, you really, you have a villain and, and any X fan is just going to get mad at me, but you have a villain named Nimrod and I'm just giggling to myself because I have no anything with, and I'm like, his name's Nimrod. I mean, yeah. really? <laughs> and and I, I even went to Eric. I'm like, yeah, it's this guy Nimrod. He's like, oh yeah, Nimrod. You know, that's a big deal. I'm like, really? His name's Nimrod. I just yeah. laugh and then you'd, and really buy, ser- but- you'd, re- you'd really serve yourself right to uh, go check out the X Men '90s cartoon. No, yeah, yeah, I should. Uh, even even then, though, just dealing with what we're dealing with here, this issue makes me know Nimrod. Actually, see, I I got a big dose of Nimrod and his personality and what he cares about and what Nimrod cares about is Nimrod. This and, Nimrod, uh, you know, this Nimrod is I is way different than any Nimrod I've okay. I've experienced. He is a. Uh, he almost comes off like he's a little psychopathic. Yeah, he does. Uh, he seems he's, a little he's crazy. More jokey. He, he he's more flippant and a little uh, loonier. It seems yeah. like. And, and the thing is, this is where. And and again, this timeline is going to be pretty much done. But uh, y- you get the idea of now. Uh, you know, I'm kind of invested in this, where you're starting to try to make the connections between the timelines of what might have happened before to lead to that. Is this something that they did before to be able to do that? Is it something he did? And even in this issue, they even Nimrod himself even like mentions like, boy, they're going about it a different way. And it gets real intriguing about timelines and changes and, and things it's, like that. It's interesting how a, how he was able to flip you from from issue one of Powers and X going like, I don't know how oh much of this, this, I, this I, yeah. universe oh I can my. handle to issue three being – I am really going to be missing this universe. Yeah, and that's, I, I was just going to say, yeah, it's crazy because by the end, I'm like, cool, I like this that. This would have been cool, you know? Yeah, I lo- and I love the team, uh, you know, the mutant team that we get here. I'm like, oh, man, they're done now. I, I'm telling you, I, I never thought that I'd be cheering for Apocalypse. One thing I've learned, learned about it. X-Men uh, from reading it is, is if you like something and it just, like, disappears – like timeline wonkiness yeah. kind of thing, it will eventually the, they'll get go right, visit they'll, it again. They'll go visit it and yeah, run it into yeah. the ground and make you hate it. So yeah, yeah, this will so. come back eventually. I mean, you will get some yeah, more well, stories, and then we'll get it. sick of it. It'll yeah. be old, old man Logan. Yeah, then we'll get to be see like that old man apocalypse. Yeah, you know, so, I'll be like, in. Yeah. I actually would be in for a while, but yeah, I, I get it. But you are actually. I ended up. I I don't even think I did the credits yet. It's written by nope. Jonathan Hickman who we've mentioned a bunch of times art by rb silva who we haven't mentioned but we should Who's the art's really good he's real, like his best work is yeah life. it's really good uh marte gracia on colors and that the one thing i i will tell you right now the only thing that i really could complain about art wise is at points i do think that the colors kind of are a little washed out this one's a little better actually you get a lot of heads up displays that kind of go in but up until here and it does happen in points here where it has a weird almost like looking filter through things going on and i don't know i'm looking The, the colors are pretty good but it's just one of the things that seems a little bit drab at points but again we're in a awful timeline that's yeah. you know falling apart so maybe that's it too vc's clayton Kells on letters and go to it aaron tell me about this book and and inform me and enlighten me as eric right. says be an entertainer <laughs> and a performer and an educator i i think that's the rhyme that he says I, i'm well, pretty sure I, to do that i have to inform a little bit of last issue uh last issue the 
this this team of X Men that are on Asteroid K, uh, the the last you know mit- militant group that are still trying to battle mm-hmm. against Nimrod and uh, the, the ma- machines basically, and the humans. What's left are are being used by the machines against the remaining mutants. Uh, they're going to uh, attack the mutants' stronghold to grab information that they were looking for. Uh, a specific piece of information. And that specific piece of information is what they're on this earth for right now. Yeah. Um, they, we open at like a, a church, it seems to be, uh, the Temple of Concordance. Yep, of Concordance. The Church, the, the church of, of Ascendancy. Ascendancy. Yeah. Uh, I, I believe this is some kind of a contingency, contingent, uh, church cycle of the phalanx i guess is yeah, what that's i'm kind what of it looks like because of the end of last issue during yep. ascendancy the phalanx came down and the the what would be like professor x kind of person of year 1000 was talking to the phalanx about mm-hmm. ascendancy so two and two together on this it's a church of ascendancy so i'm going with like a church of phalanx uh, that's my thinking on that. The okay. the guy is uh, he has this baby, and he's yes. trying to trying to teach the followers that the way to ascendancy is through pain. Yeah, and and the, also it's pain, the, the, and also I get the idea where, and they even say Nimrod says a little later too, like this weird future that's gone wrong, and all these things going on. Uh, the humans have pretty much given up being human. It seems like yeah. this is the deal. Like, hey, listen here, humanity, uh, we lost. We're done. You know, we're flawed. And this idea that you know we're going to change, you know, give it up. It's never going to happen. I'm going to show you the next bit of you know evolution and it seems to be where you have this like eye this laser eye that then i mean it looks like just imprinting the side like half the baby's face but i I have a feeling that there's more to it that might be a grid on there it's almost turning because look at him the guy is you know more (laughs) machine than man i mean crying out loud and it seems like that's what they're saying in this is you know the machine way is the way humanity's done and it does kind of set up a weird deal with the the little bit i know about the phalanx isn't from uh x-men lore which they were heavily uh part of but what i know of the phalanx is from annihilation annihilation conquest one of the two i can't remember they went back to back so kind of blend together but that phalanx uh was able to uh control people's bodies okay uh, yeah through like a virus okay so uh this might have something to do with that i'm not completely sure either yeah, and, and it, it seems like it's something. And again, we'll probably see the, maybe the, more of it. I don't know how we'll see more. Maybe we'll see. Well, we'll see more the, of the, the ascendancy Wikipedia, of the deal before. Yeah, yeah. The Wikipedia references that I read about it, uh, the this the phalanx that was involved in X Men history uh, wasn't quite the same phalanx that was in Annihilation, okay. Annihilation Conquest. Yeah. So I'm not really. It seems that, you know, and I, again, this is how I'll explain how I go through this is I go through it. And if I don't fully understand something, even looking it up, I just like, all right, I'll kind of get a slight idea. I'll move on. And then I'm hoping that we'll see later. Even this little bit is very inconsequential because this whole, this whole church gets blown up with the entrance. And and that's the big point. 
because you have the church there and they seem to be rejecting humanity, which in a weird way, I think is something that has changed. But also Nimrod points out because they end up getting word that the church was attacked by the mutants. You know, you end up, Mm -hmm. hey, you know, the church is blown up and there's the feed from the humans is saying it's the mutants. And you end up, Nimrod is like, huh, mutants attacking a church. You know, in the past, they they kind of always wanted to free the humans. Like, they were always on the human side. No matter yeah. how much the humans hate them, whatever, when, you know, tit came to tat here, they would always try to free the humans, and they're not doing it now. And that's really odd to him. And it seems like it is one of those Things that change because even as it goes on, it even starts bringing out things that have been set up before of the idea. You know what's weird is they they have their different language now too. Like that seems odd, and it's stuff that yeah. we've seen. It, it, it just that points, was set up in the past. This points also to the, the desperate nature of these last uh, yeah. soul surviving mutants. And legitimately, uh, you, you would think that say. We're mutants, right? Me and you. I'm Wolverine because that's the one I know. You're Apocalypse. And we're talking behind the scenes. And we're like, you know what? We usually save the humans in Apocalypse. You you just say to me, there's no need. We're, we're erasing. <laughs> this whole place is going to go up in flames. It doesn't exactly. matter who dies. Let's just get it done. You know, and basically, I think it would be one of the things that you would say to yourself, you know, everybody in this awful world. To be able to force world, yourself to do it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, the whole world's awful. Like, everybody wants to just get the heck out of here and things like that. But, yeah, it, it's, it's really cool. And they end up, uh, you know, there's going to be a little battle going on. Nimrod doesn't care. You know, anything he's he's trying to figure out why they took what they the information they took they're after issue number one, why they took that information, where they're going with it. Uh, His second in command, she goes out to attack these mutants that have blown up this church. Uh, You you have like the Green Magneto, Zorn, Rasputin and Cardinal. Uh, Cardinal apparently is taking a drug that will help him bypass his uh, not wanting to hurt. Uh, yeah. genetic structure Pretty because crazy. he's a because he's a cardinal. He's genetically uh modified not to hurt anybody. Yeah, it's, not it, to he's hurt. He's a, bi- a byproduct of the Chimera protocol, basically. Yep, and he ate a, a terminal apocalypse seed. He yeah, says, so he's and gonna again, die no matter what. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and again, as as this is going on, like something like that, something that's just spelled out as a terminal apocalypse seed would have driven me nuts three issues ago, and I'm saying mm-hmm. three issues in total of House and Powers, and now I'm reading I'm like. For some reason, it's starting to click, and I'm like, mm-hmm. "Okay." And again, I, I'm like, "Your name's Cardinal." Okay, I kind of get it. it. I look it up and like stuff. That so placed correctly helps uh, yeah. breed urgency yeah, it was good. in the story. Yeah, it was really good. I mean, you barely know Cardinal, but all of a sudden, you're like, "Well, this guy's gonna die. How is he gonna die? Uh, he's totally going against the the little bit I do know yeah. of his character." Yeah. And that's cool. And it's a cool explanation. It's also, as you go, same kind of thing happens with uh, Zorn, where I don't know that character. I have no idea who that is. But it's spelled out enough. And through his own actions and dialogue, things like that, I'm kind of getting the idea of who that is. But also the idea that when, you know, they're going to end up using him as pretty much the A-bomb. Uh, I understand what's going on, and and I thought it was really cool and really played out. But yeah, you and you get and I'm pretty sure you'll be so seeing cool. more of him later on because yeah. I mean, uh, 
not powers uh what's the other x house book of now? x house of x yeah. uh they showed an issue one of house of x zord sitting on a mountain meditating oh, with another yeah. person too so I and mean, that's cool he he's dropping seeds of knowledge along the way that will help you later on I also agree. Yeah, so. I agree. And, and yeah, while all this is going on, you know, you end up having, you know, the, this kind of like uh, group that's out there with the church blowing up the church, kind of a, you know, a distraction type deal uh, as Wolverine and the rest of them go to try to retrieve this next bit of info that they're trying to get. And uh, it, it's a cool double thing, you know, with Nimrod and, and the things going after Wolverine and the others. While yeah, Wolverine, you end up Cypher, having, and Apocalypse. Yeah, yep. And, and what you end up finding out. And, and I really do like the play out, too, of Nimrod. He's trying to figure out, he's trying to get a step ahead of them or at least figure out what they're after, but also what why would they get that there there's a double deal mm-hmm. going on of okay they got that why, but would, why they would they sacrifice do that? everything for this one yeah. thing yeah and and really what it ends up being is they're not going specifically for information per se they're going to find pretty much like the old card catalog system the indexing of the information and where that information would be found uh, because they say basically yeah. in the machine lore all the stuff that nimrod has gathered they are gathering I mean, infinitesimal amounts of data and it, it's they don't know where to look for the important stuff, which means where they want to find out where Nimrod really is activated and all these things, how Nimrod came to be and things. Yeah, like they're that looking for exact birthday, the, yeah. the exact moment Nimrod came online. Yeah, when he came online. So it's it's one of those things you can't just go to a computer. It, it'd be funny. They don't realize you can go into the future Wikipedia and find <laughs> that, but none of them know how to use the computer. I think, but no, they're they're trying to find. Like I said, it's it's the index of it. It's like the card catalogs. And then they go boom, 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 and they end up being able to, you know, find out that information. So they're not going to get the information here. They're going to find out the resources of how to get it later, and mm-hmm. then they do. And the thing is, you also have a character that. I'm telling you, if it was issue one, I'd be so confused. Obviously, I'd be confused because we wouldn't even know what it is, but it's the pretty much the embodiment of Krakoa, I guess yeah, you pronounce it's, it's it. Yeah, it's Cypher with Krakoa. Yeah, mixed it's together. so cool. And, 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 and that is such a cool deal. And, it, and paying attention in issue one of House of X, you, you met Cypher, who was a combination yep. of Warlock yeah. and Cypher, talking to Krakoa with all that eyeball room. Yep, with so this stuff, yep. In the future, this... In this timeline, he had morphed into the, and Krakoa was destroyed in this timeline. Yep. So yep. It, it, Krakoa was able to survive by attaching itself to Cipher and then uh, making Asteroid K. Yeah, I believe. yeah, and it's it's such a cool concept. Again, that you know, I'm here at, at issue three of Powers of Ten, and now I'm on board. I know what's going on, and, and I will mention I didn't say earlier, but I did say it to you. Uh, the idea when I ended up stop reading and then I today I ended up, OK, actually yesterday and then today again. So I, I've read it twice now in a row, the whole all the issues that have come out. Uh, and I think that I was better served that way as well, because the times when I was confused or lost, even though it's only a week between issues, it mm-hmm. is at points two weeks between powers issues or yes. house, whatever. So that powers deal, then you kind of go and I got really 
confused. Like I wouldn't have been able to keep up as much. I was glad that I read them all in a row in one sitting because I just, I'm not that good at knowing these things. And I, they must have, they must have sat down and done the same thing themselves and read it all together. And and just like, we're going to have to put like, switch these release schedule around a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Because it is a weird deal. Just because they were afraid of people jumping off. Yeah, and that's the thing. Yeah, and and like you said, because that last issue, the issue that came out last week, Powers of 10-2, really sets up a lot of the stuff in this issue. And I Mm -hmm. think that if it was two weeks, a lot of people like me, if I would have just been reading it as they came out, I would have been lost. And, And this is not a book that you have. You have other books where you, you read them, even like stuff that's delayed, especially. And you're like, you know what? You're going to delay a book. I ain't going back and reading what's going. And you end up reading, you know, and you pick it up and you're like, oh, I'm, you're lost for two or three pages. And you're like, OK, but eventually you get on board. The problem is the two or three pages and something like this, they're very important. You can't be lost. And, it, you know, he is already setting it up that a lot of people are going to get lost. You're going to get if you're going to get lost even above that, just because you're you're like, oh, I don't remember that or whatever you're really going to be left behind and so yeah and really that's why i do think that this will read a lot better in trade uh only because of the stuff there's a lot getting thrown at you so you know that'll be one of the deals but yeah you you end up seeing sentinels i mean there's some classic stuff going on and uh you end up having you know nimrod kind of realizes or wants to figure out what's going on he ends up blasting uh he gets alerted yeah he gets alerted to them finding the crystal that they were searching for for the exact time and date and he shows up blast wolverine and you know wolverine's got the healing factor so he doesn't die right at that moment and they confirm to Rasputin, who's been distracting yes. his Nimrod's right hand woman, yep. uh, with all the major sentinels. Zorn is down. Rasputin is is the only one standing. Cardinal's dead. Yep. Uh, I, I I guess Magneto must be dead also at this point. Or yeah, the, yeah, the, I would think so. And uh, Zorn has the the white dwarf star energy for a head deal, and. Yep. Rasputin's stalling her longer, saying, don't come at me. If you come any closer, I'm going to pull his hood off when she's given the information that they have the the, the data and Wolverine is leaving with it. And yeah. she destroys yeah, she the whole pl- planet. And it's, it's such a great uh, you know dialogue the way it is, too, because it's trash talking, you know, hey, you know, don't come any closer. I'll, I'll do this. And you have, you know, uh, Nimrod's right hand lady robot. And uh, mm-hmm. I'll tell you, I don't know who that is. And I, we keep saying, I have yeah, no idea. I, I, I so, can't remember. And her name I, I apologize <laughs> to everybody. But yeah, well, with the right hand lady, uh, she just basically, like, oh, a singularity he has, uh, does he? You know, that, that kind of causes a black hole. And it's kind of the worst way to die. I, I don't think you want to do that. And, you know, but eventually you'll find out because that's what's going to happen here. And I, you know, I'll make sure it does happen. And you have Rasputin where I don't think she was going to do this at one point. It seems like she was like, all right, in my mind, she's really, really trying to stall here with like, don't come here. You know, they're going to do that. And I think she just gets mad at that point. It's like, hey, why stall? The heck with this? Because they have it anyway. And she's just like, 
all right, you know what? I want to know what this is like. You're right. You just intrigue me. And you even see the right-hand lady just like, holy crap, I didn't know that she was really going to do this because she pulls the mask. And then, yeah, black hole singularity happens. It's crazy. And it looks great. I love when art uses that blur effect to make it more 3D like it is. I think that it looks really cool. Uh, Yeah, and then we go back and really from here – You just have to see if Wolverine and Apocalypse and these guys in this team can get that crystal. We don't know what they're going to do with it, where they're going to take it. And it's one of those like, you're like, okay, what's going to go on? Because you do have, you know, almost everyone wants to be the hero here of like, you go, I'll stay and fight. No, 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 you go and I'll stay. And like, nah, we'll we'll all kind of get this done. But Apocalypse ends up in the coolest way, just becomes such a bad butt of just like, no, no, just I'm going to stay. And boy, fighting I'm, like I'm six kick Nimrods at one time. Oh, yeah, it's and, so cool. And I on my like my fourth reread of like House of X one and two, I was sitting there like, there's eight mutants left on Asteroid K, mm-hmm. but they only showed seven of mutants. Yeah. So I've been yeah. postulating and trying to figure out what who's gonna be the eighth mutant. And I'm sitting there like, oh, it's gonna be Franklin Richards with one of yeah, my guesses. Something like that. And, yeah, yeah. And yeah, and I, and I I again I'm not in the know enough to even do that. So when this happens, like you're figuring Wolverine's going to go off and there's Franklin, he's gonna hand it off to Franklin in a relay race and Franklin will go off, possibly. In my mind, I'm just there. All right, Wolverine's going to go off and he's going to get on a spaceship. I don't know what he's going to do. He's going to get out of there. I'm like, what is he going to do? Because he has it. And the way it's played out, it's you're made to think that he's the one. You know, one of these guys has to go off. The other apocalypse is going to sit there. And I, when the Nimrods are just beating the crap out of him and taunting with the apocalypse, the mutant immortal, and just bashing the heck out of him and there's just you know older than the world the fittest of all and just destroy him uh but he's just there to you know stall them and to keep them occupied because there you have wolverine go off and then he ends up there in you know the the coffin deal and he ends up as apocalypse is just getting destroyed opens that up and who is it? Because there's the other mutant it's that you the, would never guess. It's Moira, the Apocalypse yep. Moira from the the the, the last timeline before yep. our timeline. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there she sense? is. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, and it's there life, she is. It's though. life nine, and life yep. ten. Ten is the one she's in now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So. Because then he ends up, and he says, "Wolverine has the crystal." Goes. It kind of has like a almost like an Avatar esque acceptance of the crystal gets the info and because of the concept like of her with her infinite deal and you know when she ends up reincarnating she keeps the uh, you know the the uh, knowledge that she had it's such a perfect plan it's like an oceans 11 type plan of we just need to get this we all will die it doesn't matter because she'll die as well but she'll end up remembering all this. It's she'll it's like the getaway car that yeah yep. yeah it's like the getaway car that can be destroyed but never can be destroyed. It's really cool where he does give it, and that's where I said with this idea of a page turn, it's even down to that of telling the story because she accepts it. She's there, and even at that point, I'm not thinking oh she has to die so that she can get the heck out of there and then reincarnate <laughs> and go on. So I'm like all right, and he's like, I'm thinking now okay now they're both gonna get in the spaceship but uh yeah wolverine he's like got it she's like yes and and she's like what now she has no idea and he's like well you know they said you know you would go off on your way 
and there was nothing left to save here. It's just going to die. I'll die with it. And I'm like, like I said earlier, like on your way. Oh, no. And then you turn the page for the cliffhanger. And he says, I'm sorry, pops the claws. And then she even has a smile when she's like, no, no, this is this is what you do. And mm-hmm. he runs through. And it's such a cool silhouette so type ended deal. the ninth of life of Moira X. Yeah. And there you go. You end that, and and that's the end of the issue. And you know, next we have the House of X three, and then House of X four. So we get two House of X's next before we get the next powers. And like you said, by the end of this, it's a weird deal where you have a cliffhanger that not only makes me want to see what happens next. Okay, and even less than I'm more sad that this timeline that now I'm invested in is gone, mm-hmm. and, and you know, all these guys that we know and and really were bad butts end up dying. Because, yeah, at this, I can't say like, oh, man, I got to see what that crystal, you know, we'll just go from there. It's just like you, you almost have to get catch your breath. I'm like, oh, man, I, I wish that we kind of had more of these guys because I, I do like Apocalypse. Apocalypse with Wolverine on the, that team, uh, you only get a little bit, and I loved it. I, I thought it yeah. was great. You, and all you, the just, other characters. you just left wondering how did everybody get to this point? Yeah, I wish, which, I, I, wish I could yeah. go back and see more of this other yeah. timeline. and And – to that, I say, you eventually will. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, you sure. say we'll eventually will. <laughs> now, if we were doing a DC podcast, and really even it, it kind of makes me wonder why in this, it's just because I think Hickman and his control and not wanting it. But if this was just some other guy or we were at DC, I swear to God, we would have had like a, another mini series that would have dealt oh, yeah. with that already going on now. And like you said, it would have been too much. It would have been like, all right, by the time, you know, I like this. I like getting it here. I like, but, and isn't it better to be left wanting than to, you know, get sick of it? And I would say it would be. This Uh, is kind of what I I expected. I'm not very well versed in Hickman either. I've never gone back and read a lot of Hickman. I've been meaning to. It's been on my bulletin board, but I have read some of him. Um, I, I expected him to come in and to seed this universe. Yeah. And then he's supposed to, you know, stick around and curate it. You know, he will be writing we'll like some of the main X-Men yeah, books yeah. for a time period. But he'll also uh, be be editing and talking to yep. these yeah. others, uh, other writers. Yeah, it and, seems everything know, has to run through him. I'm so, guessing you know, for yeah. like the next five years. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully yeah. that's the case. And hopefully he doesn't get bored and leave or, you know, get mad. I don't know. He seems he, like a guy who can get upset at things. And, he, even and, if he does, he is already infused enough energy yeah. and direction in the X-Force books that's been severely lacking for years potentially to come. Yeah. You know. Oh, I agree. So, yeah, we're here. And, yeah, I have to admit, I'm really into this now, uh, which would be a shock to a a lot of people in the Slack, I guess. Um, But, yeah, I I think that me and you, obviously, I think that this will be one of the things each week that we will talk about, the Xbox. And, you know, hopefully I don't fail again because I I get confused. But I think right now I have a, a good footing. And I think that I even get a little bit of the, you know, kind of the in and outs of how he's writing it. You kind of, you know, realize what you have to look for. Also not get upset about other things. So I'm pretty good with it because of that. I think I'm going to give this a nine, three. Um, What would you give it? 
I'm about that, you know. I was thinking like nine, nine. I was gonna go nine, but I I really liked it a little more. Yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna go as high as a nine five, uh, only because there still was parts, even like the church stuff, that might end up, you know, counting for something later and a weird deal of setting up towards this and things like that. But right now, it just kind of seemed like an extraneous deal, and and some of the other things I was kind of confused with. So I'm I'm rating it as just myself reading it. So if, if I'm confused, some other people wouldn't be. Some people yeah. obviously have given this a ten out of ten, and that's what they think. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm in, in the right so. room. I could almost say this is a ten out of ten just for the the, the fact that how gorgeous the art is, how much design work went into this yeah. little world that is essentially obliterated from now on. You know, I mean, yeah. it, there's just three issues of this world in a sense yeah. that was yeah. designed uh, characters built around just to get eliminated in th- within three issues. Yep. So yeah. to that, I applaud it extremely. Uh, it, but I'm also sad that that world's gone. Yeah, I am too. too. I am uh, too. I'm, I'm still uh, a little. I'm still a little uh, worried about how this whole Moira angle he's using to tie everything yeah. that's happened to the X Men in their timelines all together. Uh, it's a couple of people point, pointed out some issues that they have with the whole Moira yeah. angle. I can't really speak on those because I haven't read. Yeah, and that's much I'm just going with X-Men it because I don't know. Moira. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, to appease my conscience, I would probably stick with what you're saying. Uh, a nine three. Nine three. All right. Well, we'll go with that, and uh, maybe at the end we'll do some crazy thing after all these six issue things when we get all twelve done and all that. I believe that's what it is, right? And then we can end up uh, maybe reading it again as a whole deal and giving a final score again by the very end. We'll see. But we're going to move on to the next book that me and you are talking about, the second of the books. And and this is the thing. As we were doing this, and as you were saying your score, I was kind of thinking the idea of you know this next book is going have some issues it's almost like you you go and see you know a concert and nirvana opens up and then the next band is cinderella now i know that some people are like i love cinderella but it's one of those like we just had the mind-bending you know a a whole line changing book and then you go up to guardians of the galaxy and there would be the idea of oh man when we talk guardians of the galaxy it's going to be such a downer after this big book thing is i don't think it was and i I actually am really i'm really enjoying it part of the reason why i kept it as a as a nine three for the last book is because there are other books i enjoyed more this week than that yeah 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 so there we are but we're gonna go guardians of the galaxy number eight that is written by Donny Cates, art by Corey Smith, colors by David Curiel, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. The Universal Church of Truth is back and with engines powered by life force rather than faith. It's deadlier than ever, as proven with its leader, the Patriarch, decimated the Nova Corps in one fell swoop, receiving a distress call from his father, Jason, who was investigating the attack. I want to call him Jason, and to me, he's a <laughs> rapper. Uh, Star-Lord led the Guardians on a rescue mission and straight into a trap as Patriarch was revealed to be Jason or Jason. I, Jason? I really like that. I'm Jason. My name is Jason, and I'm here to say that's the only rap. Jason, son, son. 
I hate the remixes that you end up having like a remix of a song and all they do for a remix is do Bunch that of, of the one line. It's air horns and just like, you know, <laughs> like it's like if it's push it, it's like push it, push it. I'm like, that's not a remix. No, I'm like, this is the worst. This is the worst thing ever. I actually hit that. Jason. With the rest of the Guardians submersed in under the paychecks control only moon dragon and Groot were able to escape together they sought the help of all the only other remaining guardian the dying rocket raccoon lebron james and uh are you aware was this book was there a delay because I, I'm only asking because, boy, when I jumped in, I had no idea. I, I remembered the big cliffhanger was Rocket looking was. terrible. It's weird because I remembered Rocket being, you know, sick looking and, you know, yeah. feeble, all this stuff hooked up. I forgot all about all, all the other bits of the Guardians being under the control of Jay. Like all of that stuff. I swear to God, I, I forgot all about we it. I remember about his it. father. We had a podcast yeah, I know. about it's, it. I'm <laughs> telling you, I know. It just seemed like it, it was a long time ago. No. It was uh, really it was, odd. But you end, up, <laughs> man, you end up having Groot, or Groot there with Moondragon, you know, and Rocket. And, you know, the, the big thing of what happened to Rocket, where he was, all these things going on, we do – Find out through a origin story here, you know, showing most of the stuff of I how believe it's Rocket first, became Rocket. First, like lay it out on the line origin yeah. story. Too. Yeah, I, I and, and it's funny it too. Before. It's, it's funny been, too. It's as, been alluded yeah. to, but yeah, I don't that's think it's that's been the thing. Out. It has been alluded to, and it still is a little only because you do get this idea, and and really what I thought, which I thought was hilarious, and it, it still comes from it because you end up having him being a service animal in mm. an insane asylum on Half World, and the guy that he ended up being the service animal two was a guy who liked you know old movies and stuff and and as you're watching you like old war vet. yeah war vet he was a war vet he likes these war movies stuff like that i can i could believe even if he gets a hold of the vid deck of john wayne movies he, he would mm-hmm. have those as well and i i got the idea all right that kind <clears> of <throat> spells out and you you do see the one panel where you, it looks like you know rockets there and he's he's looking at things but he's looking at the the robots and things like that when yeah. they went to grab him and things but i just imagine that his part of his personality comes from watching these old war movies and in fact i actually thought what they were going to show us was that kind of that guy's personality and some of the things were transplanted into Rocket and it didn't end up happening that way as as far as we can tell it's just like what made him we see what makes him go from being just you know this raccoon type deal alien into what he was what's that they they pretty much do the same kind of concept like they do with house and powers of x in in a sense they give you some information at the same time uh, not giving you everything and and yeah. not giving you a lot of the technological stuff about it because he does even say what they did next when they're trying to you know do things to him and and kind of messing with them and changing them he's like i don't know what they did so you get yeah. that but yeah i was waiting well, to see like the personality deal i thought it was going to be like a transplant type thing but we really well, don't get that the the interesting part about in in this part is, is they sit there and they talk about how uh the the he doesn't know who created or decided to make this yeah. planet worth of insane asylum of just insane people. 
mm-hmm. and yeah. uh the the people that created it couldn't really handle taking care of these insane people at the time so they created robots to take care yeah. of these insane people they were so insane the robots couldn't handle taking yeah. care of these so insane they people. started making so the- they made Animal, they, they yeah, took the a support animals, animals yeah. and turned them into a, a robot amalgam. Yeah, animal made them so that they're take, sentient things. Yeah, to take it's care crazy. of the insane people, but they don't really talk about what happened while Raccoon was taking care of these insane yeah. people. Yeah, and it I got, just kind of got ends. insane dogs going off in the yeah, background. I, hear. Right I know now. they're going nuts. I, what is there an attack? Somebody <laughs> the, did that jogger come back? They I just got new dog toys and now they're fighting. All they're over going it. nuts. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yes. Well, so you do end up having a, uh, a, you know, almost like the montage splash page of, you know, Rocket's greatest hits here as he ended up being a superhero. And he's telling them, he's telling, you know, Groot and Moondragon about this. They're kind of, you know, showing it through his mind and things like that of getting it. And he's like, you know, I was a hero. I was a Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm doing all this stuff. I was kicking ass and stuff. And so you end up, though, with the question of, why did he disappear? Why didn't he get a hold of them? And Groot's mad. And it's one of those things. It's like that scene where Rocket ends up thinking that Groot's just going to, you know, realize, hey, you know, you have my back. You know what I mean, Groot. I didn't want people to see me like this. I didn't want their last memory to be this, this feeble, frail, because you did even see the flashback of him realizing that things are getting rejected. These, you know, these modifications and things were rejecting. He was getting sick and he's, you know, I'm going to die. I'm going to have this. And he doesn't think that, you know, he can change it that much, but he doesn't want to be seen as this old, I mean, he looks mangy he looks awful and yeah, so his he hair left. is falling he, he looks pretty much like a, a person that's gone through chemo yes and, and, and he's got just machines hooked up to him and he says and it's like one of those moments that is you know the feels moment of you know what i i don't want people to see me like this i don't want to be remembered like this and you know what i all i've done for this effing galaxy don't i get to at least decide how i'm remember and how I go out on my own. And you have Groot just looking at him and it's like, no, you don't yeah, get to no. because we're your friends and we love you. You're not just you. You're you're us. We're all together. We're a team. That's we're not family. what teammates do. We're family. And that's the big thing. So it, it is one of those, you know, moments where you expected Groot to be like, oh, yeah, come on. Give me a hug. Get, you know, hug the bark here. And it doesn't happen. He's mad. And he's no. like, no, no, that's family means that, you know, you accept everyone for the good and the bad. And you're going to help us because you're the only way we need you. You know, the family is now in big trouble and it, we need you. We have to get going. It's uh, definitely be- a, a well a well thought out argument. Donny Case yeah. has, has must have had in the back of his head ab- yeah. against uh, why people think that, well, it, it's cancer. I don't really yeah, need yeah, to fight yeah. it. Why, why should I fight it? it you know, yeah. Let, yeah. let it and take it's, its course, you know. Yeah, it's really ar- good. And, and so Groot's like – you know, that's you're going to help us. Yeah, I don't care what you say. And I, you're I even like help the, us, and we're going to help you after yeah, you help us. I love <laughs> too. Uh, I love how Rocket just he has those quips to all right, you weeping willow. He, yeah. he keeps just throwing <laughs> it at him, and he just starts walking away. And Grit's like, oh, "What are you doing?" He's like, well, uh, look at me. I can't save the galaxy like this. I need to get dressed up for my thing. And it's a mecha. It's a huge mecha. It looks exactly like just a Transformer. 
I mean, it yeah. looks like Optimus Prime that would fly like this instead of turn like an Optimus Prime that would turn into a, a jet. It's pretty cool. And yeah, yeah I, he's going to I, I get said Voltron in my end. It is. It actually does look like Voltron. <laughs> actually, it even looks like that even more. Uh, but yeah, it's really cool. Then we go off to, you know, the cathedral where you do have the Universal Church of Truth. You have Jason, but and you have, you know, you end up having Peter there and he's like, what are you doing? You know, what's going on? Why are you doing this? Uh, you know, this is bull crap. The church, they're, they're brainwashing you. We've seen this before. Well, you know, I've seen it before. This keeps happening to me and all these things with with people going on. And you you do see that they've upped their plan. I mean, this is a typical plan where they end up having the big coffin and and things where you're going to have a reborn. Normally with the Universal Church of Truth, you have like either uh, Adam Adam Warlock Warlock being like the head church leader. Yep, the patriarch or whatever you would say. controlled or whatever, or that's just how he he was birthed into this life because he goes into a cocoon and rehatches every so often. Or you have his brother, who is Magnus, and he is reborn, and he's the evil, more evil version yeah. of Adam Warlock yeah. that yeah. gets so rebirthed it, and, and controlled. It's pretty too. much, you know, rinse and repeat here, which Peter even says, like, yeah, I've seen this before. Yeah. This never works. You end up doing this. And because by you have the that end, one cocoon at yeah, the, the one top cocoon. of the pyramid, he kind of laughs at him, like, yeah. oh, geez, same yeah. song, different dance. Yeah, you know? he says, and he's like, there's nothing different. This is all the same. And he's like, no, 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 this is different. You know, this you just different. have to have faith. And he's like, what do you mean? Like, what? And you do look, and there are a, the, a bunch of cocoons there are I'm a lot i'm assuming time. the whole ship which is the size yeah. of a planet yeah. is filled is all these cocoons with these cocoons now and in the meantime you end up From having the when they're ready too. yeah yeah and when you have <laughs> these ready you end up having a need for life force and things to go and that's that's where you kind of get a little hint that things are a little more you know, the ante has been upped a bit because you do have these tubes with a ton of heroes and villains in them. Yeah. You even have, you know, there's Peter walking in. Hey, there's Quasar and there's Darkhawk. You know, what have you done with it? So, and there's not just one or two. There are a you ton. You also get information on the, the weapon that they use to wipe out the Nova Corps. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Corpse. Corpse. Yes. Corpse. The Corpse. <laughs> the, the, the weapon takes time to regenerate. Yeah, energy. So that too. that is that's pretty. You know, that's a big thing because yeah, yeah it, it takes its time. And also saying that you know, Quasar, Darkhawk, anybody who they have taken here, they're not necessarily dead. They yeah. still have they, they, a small have amount energy. of. Yeah. I love it's a small amount of trace psychic residue, and I'm like, oh, that's that's a, a way out. There's a back door uh, exactly. to bring them back, and it's kind of cool that they do have that and spell it out. It's not like I'd rather have it set because it is kind of wonky. It, it, it's kind of funny, but you spelled it out now. It's not like all of a sudden Darkhawk shows up in three issues, and you're like, wait a second, he was killed, and then it's explained almost like it's like an apology to do yeah. to explain it here. It's fine. Now we expect them to come back, so I, yeah. I'm good with it. And and you know that everybody comes back eventually like you said already but yeah it ends with the cliffhanger of jason saying to peter no you know we're, we're not different. just having one this is a little yeah. bit different you know well i think we've learned a bit of a lesson and we're coming back with a little bigger plan this time and like you said this could be a trillion 
cocoons. And so you're wondering, is it going to be one of those things that, you know, you would hope they'd be able to stop it before things start going even, you know, more where hatching, you know, stuff like that. But if it does, it'd be pretty cool to see how many people and how many things there are going to be coming out. So that is pretty cool. The art I thought was great. I yep. really, really like the art. Everything looks really, really good. It's it's colorful. Uh, it actually pops. This is one of those, especially I love that spread page with Rocket telling, you know, all his past exploits yep. and things. I really like that. And this is where also I, I do mention sometimes where I do read exclusively digital. And there are issues like this, like it even looks even better on like a tablet. It really yeah, like looks good. Like the glowing good. cocoons oh, where yeah, it's all yeah. the it bright pinks and everything. And oh, it's so good. Uh, what did you give this on the site? Because you did review it on the site, like you said. Ooh, I want to say I gave this a nine. Okay, that's what I'm giving it. I really liked it. I, I really did. And And I want to just point out when we ended up. You know, some people will say, like, how could you give yeah, this a nine? nine it's kind of, sure. you know, how could you give this a nine? But you only gave, you know, was, they're different I was, books. Yeah, you I, know? I was uh, down on the, the previous issues. The first arc yeah. of this story, I, I did didn't not like, like the first arc it of has it. We, picked up, picked yeah. up in the last two issues to something more acceptable in the Guardians of the Galaxy realm. Yeah. The, it Before it was a Thanos tie-up thing, yeah, and now it, it's it, not. It, it, it also eliminated prior the problem that I was having where he has all these characters, but he's not doing yeah. anything. He's not them. using he's them. He's still now not really yeah. doing anything, no. with, but he but gave there's a, a reason. reason. Yeah, there's a reason. They're under, they're under control. They're under so control. That, you know, that makes perfect sense to me, yep. and it makes I the agree. story uh, more acceptable to the palate in much. Yeah, I, I agree. For That's exactly. Book, yeah, you know? exactly what I was saying about you know throwing that thing with the residual psychic energy. As long as there's a reason, and we know the reason beforehand, you know, you will have you're able to go past some things. And you're right. Uh, you're not using the full team. They are under control, and I think that that actually gives you a really cool reason to have a very personal thing be- between Jason and, you know, Peter, which I think plays out better when you find that cliffhanger. The, the cliffhanger, I, you know, if you end up having all those characters not controlled, obviously they're just going to be fighting. This would be an a, extreme fight going on. Everybody would be trying to do something. I like that Peter's just trying to wrap his head around why Jason has been, you know, he thinks he's brainwashing what's going on. I, I think that it serves it even better because of that. But yeah, I still want to have an issue or arcs where we get the full team, but the team has been, you know, dwindled down a bit. There were so many characters before. It was just ridiculous. I definitely got the feels in this issue too. Yeah, I did too. Like uh, I felt sorry for Rocket. I, Rocket, I have, it was sad. Or, I it, it really have, was. Gloss, glossed eyed a little bit. And, Maybe. And, and, and I give it that high of a score also just for the fact that this isn't technically new information for no. me for Rocket's backstory. Just over, and I haven't read everything Rocket, no. but with watching the the movies and the little reading I have done, I have been giving information trickled down. That yeah. says this story kind of happened. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But it, it, it was told in such a, a, a well-structured way that I, it still felt new and meant something to me at the yeah. same time. And I, I love, I love issues like this where I did have the feels. I got, I got sad for Rocket when you, you know, especially when he's just like, you know, 
I, I, I get to, you know, go out my way, right? I, I saved all the universe, you know, a trillion times, you know, just let me die in peace. I don't want people to see this rocket. And then Groot just says, no, that's not happening. Then you start getting the feels about it being a family. And then yeah. you're like, now you feel bad even for Groot because he's so upset yeah. about this and saying it. And then it ends then with Rocket getting his Voltron mecha. And now I'm pumped up. I'm like, this yeah. is awesome. So, yeah, the, the Rocket Moon, part was Moon great. Dragon does get left in the background. She's yeah. just at the very beginning well, to, like, to pry into things thoughts, out. Yeah, know? that's all it is. She's she, there for thoughts. And, you, know, <laughs> and, you know, she's new. She can't jump in this so, is family I mean, matters I, right I, here i'm still worried about this book in that aspect of if if he can still write a, a book that has yeah. a lot of uh characters that have a lot of different kind of powers you know yeah and that's I, the I, thing a lot of times when they they mess up or a lot of times when a when a, a writer can't do that they do end up using the you know a character yeah. as only a tool, and that's what Moon Dragon is here. She's a tool because to I, open I, up the mind. But I, I've seen Donny Cates uh, write write books like uh, Redneck, for example. It has many different characters. It's a, about a family of of vampires. Yeah. But those characters all have similar power sets. Yeah. yeah. So uh, with superheroes. There, a lot of times, their power sets are also tied a lot to their characterization. Yeah, yeah. So if yeah. you're just using the characters for their power sets and not using their uh, their characterization also to match yeah. with their power sets, it, it, it feels it feels just wasted. Forced. Yeah, yeah, wasted and forced. And, and it's funny too. You say that we've already had that issue with Lockjaw. Uh, up until yep. now, where that we're very worried that Lockjaw is just going to be pretty much the teleporting deal, and but you get a little Lockjaw not just here. Lock, he gets the not yeah, just yeah. Lockjaw. You had it with Nova also. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, a yeah, lot of so these we'll characters. See. We'll see now. Hopefully, that he ends up. You know, once they get out of being under control, and you can have that stuff. But yeah, I'm. I'm still this issue. You, I really like. Read, I'm going uh, a nine. Most you're going a nine on this one. Okay. Yeah, I'm going nine with you. Yep. Y you read most of the Marvel books this week, then? Or yeah, how? yep, yeah. I uh, read most well, of them so let far. Let me ask you this: what What's your uh, book of the week then? My book of the week was Daredevil. Was my Daredevil? book of the week okay. that we had on the Patreon uh, show? Yeah, that that was definitely. And it's funny too. I believe. That I went like nine four, so I'm just above, you know, the powers of X, uh, powers of ten. I said X again, but actually, I liked. I actually am very positive this week with a lot of the books. I, yeah, I even I like. It was I know a very strong week. Marvel yeah, was. I mean, even some stuff that Brandon didn't end up liking and telling me that well, I am a little more positive than he was as well. And I will say that some of the books I did read more than once because I end up if if we are going to talk about a book if i read it on tuesday night to even mm -hmm. review it or you know that's what i have to reread it again anyway oh, yeah. for the podcast because i'll forget um but i did read almost every book on monday night we had the review copies and i had a lot of extra time so i just sat and read a bunch of stuff and then rereading it again for tonight doing this i actually most of them my score went up i actually and yeah. sometimes that's not the case Very but they for, did for I, I i really did i, I told everybody so, superior spider-man is my i really like that week. too again yeah, I'm about nine yeah. five and that yet yeah. again is is because it had the feels it's the funny action. well me and brandon are going to be going uh, that's going to be the next book that we talk about uh you know when brandon and me on the podcast now with the deal and i'll tell you i will be talking about the idea i didn't get misty-eyed i started crying <laughs> I, <laughs> 
actually yeah, started exactly. crying. I'm like, I'm a grown man. What is going on here? And yeah. and again, you you realize that it's it really and it's Christos Gage. It actually reminded me a lot of what Tom Taylor does with me, where mm-hmm. it's the moment that makes me cry is so subtle. And it's not yep. that much to that scene. It's because of the setup that was even from issues before that gets me where you realize that like you end up being able, I hate when a writer will just force something in yep. and it's like out of the blue and they want you to have feels. You have to like these characters. It, it, you it's have kind of be- like, it, it, it's just like comedy where sometimes yeah. you can tell a joke, but if you don't pause the right yeah, yeah. moment, it's all the that. right It cadence, really is. Yep. The joke doesn't hit at all. And it's weird so. because I, I really think that uh, the Superior Spider-Man book and the Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man book with Christos Gage and Tom Taylor, I really do think that if you like one of them, you should like the other. They really have a very similar flow to mm-hmm. it in my mind and stuff like that. And I, I do like both of them. And, I, and I even Daredevil is starting to get that kind yeah. of same, same know, cadence and flow yeah. where it's just like every word is gripping. Yeah, it, and it it's weird because like, that's not exactly a jokey book, but you may no. have the you may have the deal where Chip Zdarsky is looked at as a funny man in quotes, mm-hmm. and maybe that that timing that you're talking about serves him well on the opposite side of of the drama when he yeah. when he throws it out and that stuff because he does use a lot of that as well. Everything's it's kind, timed I out think he, so good. I, I think he started that newsletter just so he can get his I'm jokiness you, that's out. Crazy. That is that is the funniest <laughs> newsletter. I, I ended up, and if you don't know, just look up Chip Zdarsky newsletter, and, and yeah, if if you want to laugh, subscribe, you know, to subscribe it. to it. It's hilarious. I love it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's great. It's a glimpse in the mind of Chip Zdarsky. Oh yeah, and I'll tell you, it's not exactly you know PC to a hundred percent and stuff like no. that. But there's no reason to get offended by it. He's having fun. He's, he's joking it up. But yeah, that that's the thing. With that, and even so, like, and it was on the Patreon, if you want to hear, and I ended up, you know, going on for an hour talking about how much I loved it. Just the scene with Daredevil this week, and it's my favorite scene this week, is when he ends up getting the rap on his head because he realized stuff has gone wrong in the, you know, the police station. And he ends up putting the rap so he can go kind of be his pseudo, you know, new Daredevil type deal. And he realizes that he did it in front of the guy the parolee that he's working on who as daredevil he killed his brother and he actually just turns at the last minute and says i'm sorry and then goes off like oh my it was so big uh, you know what just happened and it, but it was played so subtly to the point where it almost is a throwaway deal but boy he ends up pretty much you know throwing out a lot of his life right there you, you by mentioned doing that. that you mentioned that and i didn't even notice that he yeah, said sorry so i noticed good. the guy was behind him uh, yeah that's the thing you're, you're so part. amazed that, that the guy's behind him that that's what takes you like oh my god he saw him and in the next panel, he goes, I'm sorry. And then through the uh, there's a shadow going past him and the shadow actually looks like Daredevil against the wall. It's so good. I'm tell- that is one of my favorite books in all of comics right now where I really loved his Chip Zdarsky's Invaders, which I still do. I think Daredevil is my favorite book right now. I keep jumping between his books. So. Okay, yeah, I see him yeah. saying I'm sorry right there. No. Yeah, uh, it's so big because now, you know, you you almost think that he didn't realize that he had seen him, but he did. And he did it even in spite of 
being exposed that way. Yeah. And it's so big. It's it's such a good book. And yeah, I, I really and I'm not a Daredevil fan per se. I am now, so I'm big with that. But we're gonna go off now. Thank you for joining me, Aaron. I, I wanna I keep mentioning it throughout the night. I do want to hear if people like this new setup better. I actually think that it's better for me and you to talk me, you know, just two on two people talking better too, because it it does does tend, you do tend to trample on each other a little bit and one gets intimidated by the other. and And that's the thing. One person always ends up just stopping, but then I end up, thinking that I have to be, you know, Mr. Conductor and I'll, mm-hmm. I'll keep going. Well, Aaron, why don't you? And I, you don't need that with two people. So it's good. Yeah. And we'll get used to it. And that's the thing though. We're still used to that cadence between three people. So we'll get better at talking with each other anyway. So we'll do that. Uh, but thank you for joining us. And we're going to go off to, I don't know what the next section is. I believe that the next section is actually another bit of mail. And it is time for the second and last email section of the night. And there is yes. one email here. We're almost done, Brandon. This is actually in the way this rolls. This is the last thing we're recording. So you'll end up hearing us after this. But this is the last thing we record. And it is almost 1 a.m. <laughs> Tell you, it's getting <laughs> late. Ah, uh, yes. Yep. But the mail is from Dino, who says, Hi, Brand Dad and Werner Von Werner, which I yep. really went on to call one of my kids. I really like your YouTube <laughs> reviews. Oh, my. The visuals with the reviews are stellar. The songs rock, too. We're totally going for quality over quantity. It may only be three pages, but Laura and Gabby are back. I actually thought that I'm like, oh, my. Uh, we are going with quality. I thought he was throwing shade at the amount of stuff that I was putting out. I'm like, oh, my. You know, I'll, I'll get to that. All right. Uh, but yeah, thank you for uh, the uh, comments on the reviews. I try to do those. They end up that I'm getting better at doing them. The first one I did ended up legitimately taking me about seven hours to do. It, it was complete nonsense. I, I wasn't sure how to do it and things like that. This last one I did uh, mention, I did a Nightwing video review on our YouTube channel, which if you want to know, it is, you know, you can look up weird science 
uh, comics is what it is on YouTube, but I'll put the link in the show notes as well. If you want to go there and if you subscribe, that'd be awesome. But I ended up doing that one. It took me about an hour and a half. So I'm getting better at it. Uh, so there they were in fearless. Number two, he's saying as Gabby and Laura as one of the shorts and Gabby was even using Scout as her code name and name drop Jonathan the Wolverine, which is cool. I know you guys are trying to mention the art more. So Aletha Martinez did an excellent job with the little different take on X-23's uniform. It's funny we say that. I think that we completely forgot to mention anything about art in the last book yeah, that we talked about. Today. Superior Spider-Man, yeah. we really don't mention, so I apologize. Uh, it is late. Maybe a sneak peek in their uniform in Fallen Angels. Eve Ewing did a nice job with Gabby's voice. There you go. It was Eve Ewing, your favorite, Brandon, and really taking over right where X-23, the series, ended. Still can't get away from evil scientists for whatever reason. Overall, I like this a lot, and it was a nice (laughs) snack-sized comic, and now we wait for the fall's full-size meal of fallen angels. Who knows if Eve Ewing, like Gabby, enough that we'll get a series with her did you guys read it and your thoughts i did not i didn't even mm-hmm. know that they were in that until you ended up sending that mail and up until i have no point, idea what that is that fearless book just like female characters it's an anthology short uh, with short yeah. stories with female uh cr- female creators with female characters as well uh, i haven't read okay. the book at all uh, i'm not it's weird I'm not a real big anthology fan. I know that some people do like those type of things because you get more bang for your buck. I end up reading it and then thinking, boy, that that story should have been longer or boy, that shouldn't have even been a story like stuff like that. But I will check this out. I will check out Lauren Gabby because me and Dino are Lauren Gabby fans. And he says, your fellow Laura and Gabby fan, Dino. And that's it. That is the end of that mail. Oh, my. It, it is late. I am so tired. There's a couple <laughs> times I heard you yawning. Uh, you're up all oh, the yeah. time. But that's the thing with me. I was up to like four or five yesterday. I, I couldn't fall asleep. So I was up all night. I ended up going to sleep and then get woken up uh, about two hours and 45 minutes later is when I got woken up and had to start doing stuff and things like that. I'm exhausted. So if if I didn't have any sort of commitment to the podcast, this one would be coming out Monday night, but I will, I will end up going and editing it right now. Uh, because like I said, this is the last thing that we're recording. Uh, but yeah, that's it for the mail. And what we have next though, is a crazy section of books. We end up having me talking about Deadpool annual and the magnificent Miss Marvel. And then we get Jeremy talking Deathlock and Savage Sword of Conan. And then I'll be back with Brandon to finish up the podcast. Hello and welcome to another new segment on the podcast. It is going to be me, myself, and I, and also Jeremy, doing some reviews solo style. And this will be Jeremy's debut on the podcast, on the Marvel podcast. If you have listened to the DC 
podcast or a part of the Get Fresh crew, beep boop, you will know Jeremy and you will know that you love Jeremy. And I'm sure everybody else here who's listening who I haven't met Jeremy yet will love him as well. He's what I like to call the fancying up of any podcast that we do because he is a fancier fella than I have ever imagined to be. And you will see why once we get to his books. But we're going to start with me. And I'm going to be doing two books tonight that I read and reviewed on the site, weirdsciencemarvelcomics.com. And they are going to be Deadpool Annual number one, and also Magnificent Miss Marvel number six. So without further ado, I'm going to get right into Deadpool Annual number one. All right. Deadpool Annual number one is written by Dana Schwartz. Pencils by Riley Brown. Inks by Nelson DeCastro with Craig Young. Colors by Matt Herms with Guru FX. And letters by VC's Joe Sabino. Chosen to be part of a top-secret government program, Wade Wilson was bestowed with the ability to heal from any wound. He became a mercenary. Then for a while, he tried to be a hero. It, well, it went pretty badly. So badly, in fact, that Wade mind-wiped himself, resetting his memories to the factory setting of the classic chaos agent, the Merc with the Mouth, the regenerate and degenerate known as Deadpool. And this is an Acts of Evil book. And I will be quite honest... I had no idea what that was. And uh, by the end of this, I did. There's a bunch of these coming out. And I think that maybe that whole acts of evil deal is what kind of ruined this book for me. Maybe, possibly, though, overall, I wasn't that negative with it. So I can't say it ruined it, but we'll get to that in a minute. But before we go on, I just want to mention that Dana Schwartz, who wrote it, is a young lady who is a first-time, it seems, comic book writer with this. She has been a correspondent with Entertainment Weekly. She had been an intern for Conan O'Brien, The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, things of that nature. And I will tell you right away that even though by the end there's a thing that really threw me off with this, she really does a good job of getting the voice of Deadpool. She actually gets the pop culture references and things like that. And somebody who would work for Conan O'Brien and Stephen Colbert and also Entertainment Weekly really should get those. But I really do think that she does have a good future in, you know, this sort of book or whatever. I'd like to see her write another book as well. But if they needed somebody to fill in for Deadpool later on, uh, I would call her right away. Riley Brown on art just is a normal artist on Deadpool. So when you go and look at this, this looks, you, you'll recognize, if you've been reading Deadpool, you'll recognize Riley Brown's art, and it, it just fits. It fits really well, especially the way this issue kind of goes back and forth from reality to dream world, stuff like that. Now, the only other thing I want to mention is it's kind of a weird deal with Deadpool because Scotty Young's run had just ended. You know, a couple weeks ago, that run ended. You ended up, you know, since then having an announcement that Kelly Thompson will be writing the next run of Deadpool. Uh, And then all of a sudden an annual came out in between. And it's kind of a funny concept to have an annual for a book that actually is kind of in limbo right now. Um, But as Deadpool is and always will be, He's always around, and I ended up putting that intro song, which was, if you didn't know, Colors by Ice-T, from the movie 
colors, which I really enjoyed. Uh, and one of the lines really represents to me Deadpool. He doesn't die. He just multiplies because he has two books this week. I mean, even when the guy doesn't have a solo book, he'll always be around doing his thing. But yeah, you, you open up. And you end up with kind of those cold opens where it looks like Deadpool's about to shoot somebody. You realize he's playing a video game vaccination station. It's kind of an anti-vaxxers type deal here. And you're you're poking fun at a lot of things. And he gets a letter. You know, a mailman comes up with a letter. You have a bunch of different pop culture references to certain mailmen. My favorite, Mr. McFeely from the Mr. Rogers neighborhood, uh, one of the most unfortunate names of anybody in a kid's show anyway. I mean, that they actually let a guy called Mr. McFeely be in a kid's show is beyond me, but he was a good guy. Also, uh, Willie Lumpkins mentioned you have a couple things, but he gets a letter from one Peter Quincy, age eight, that says, Hello, how are you? Please, if you are free, would you come over to my house and kill my nightmares? I haven't been able to sleep and it's making me sad. Cannot pay you much money, but I will give you my allowance. Thank you. And this is the thing where Deadpool accepts it. He goes over. So here, that's basically the annual story is a little kid is having nightmares. He needs Deadpool to show up and pretty much kill them. So when Deadpool gets there, there's a young girl who answers the phone. He thinks this must be the hot young mom. And in fact, it is a babysitter. Uh, he ends up meeting this kid. He ends up meeting the kid who's Peter. And he is a pretty fun little kid. He happens to be a huge mega fan, Stan, if you will, of Squirrel Girl. So when Deadpool goes in his room, everything is Squirrel Girl. And there's Deadpool like, why didn't you call Squirrel Girl? And he says, I did. She just didn't answer. So, you know, there, Deadpool's here just to be there. Then you get the concept of this little kid's life. It's a very lonely life. He ends up having parents that I think even says this is their fourth honeymoon. They're always out on vacation. They're always doing things. And while they are out, he gets watched by this girl. And then she watches him on the weekends during the week. He has to be watched by Mr. Hewitt, the next door neighbor. Now there is the deal and we're going to get to it. And it's one of those things that it, this is a really fun issue at this moment. I mean, Squirrel Girl, you have all these things. You even have Deadpool making a seven joke with what's in the box. I mean, th there's a lot of references getting thrown at you. And then even still, y you end up where Deadpool figures, I got to get in these nightmares. I got to kill this nightmare or whatever. I got to go in there. So the only way I can do, know of doing that is going and getting the Eye of Agamotto. He goes and he goes to the Sanctum Centaurum, breaks in, ends up fighting through and gets the Eye of Agamotto and then ends up in the dream world where this kid's dreams are. And you have, of course, Nightmare there. And there's Nightmare. And it's cool to see Nightmare uh, now and again. And Nightmare, they, they fight a little. You have Deadpool fighting Nightmare also with the idea that you're going to deal with Deadpool's dreams, stuff like that, his nightmares. So it's a lot of stuff. It's a lot of fun little things, a lot of, you know, little jokes and stuff. The art's great. I love Riley Brown's art. And so you're trying to figure out and, and Nightmare even says at the one point, like, I don't keep track of nightmares. If, if you're here, because he says, you end up with Deadpool saying, listen, this kid, he's, he's cute as a button, this kid. And he's just having nightmares and he, he can't sleep and all. Can you just stop them? And Nightmare says, listen, 
you know, I might be called nightmare. I mean, really. But I don't keep track of every single nightmare. I don't keep track of all the things going on. It's just that's what happens. Go, so you're going to have to figure some things out on yourself. In the meantime, I think one of the great references is when Deadpool goes through the portal into the nightmare realm. He actually says, uh, hey, you know, I, I wonder why Neil Gaiman hasn't sued by now. And that made me giggle. And I'm a big Neil Gaiman fan. So that's pretty cool. But as this is going on, Deadpool does figure things out. You know, you end up in the dream realm with Nightmare. He ends up really deciding, okay, listen, I will help you here. Uh, and it's funny, too, because, you know, Deadpool's getting knocked around all that. He's all, you know, a crash landing with Nightmare here. And Nightmare's like, okay, Peter Quincy, yep, all right, let me open that portal. And this is where things take a turn. And this is where things go to the acts of evil side of things because you end up having... Deadpool go into this Peter's nightmare. So in the nightmares, though, he's seeing that Peter, you know, he's upset. He's dealing with things. And you realize that the reason he's having nightmares is because Mr. Hewitt, the next door neighbor, is a pedophile and is abusing him. And there is there's, you know, it's really hard to talk about, actually, of what I'm trying to say here. There are ways to deal with this. And what happens is it's very satisfying when you see a pedophile get the living crap kicked out of him. Even though you see that, though, it ends up leaving a bad taste in my mouth. The whole idea of this, the whole idea that there is an abused kid. Uh, really, I can't escape it then. It's like one of those things where, you know, you, you can't unsee it, even though we're trying to have some fun after that a little is the fun times are over there. So yeah, you do get some satisfying de- deal where Deadpool then goes back in the regular world and goes and this Mr. Hewitt is there and Deadpool just beats the living crap out of him. I mean, he ends up beating him up. He ends up slashing him. He cuts off his thumb. He ends up tying him up and throwing him downstairs. I mean, these are things that are horrific, but because they are being done to something and somebody a little more horrific, hey, I can deal with that. So the satisfaction, though, of him getting his just didn't take that bad taste that that just it's not even a bad taste it was more sadness that i had and boy i didn't need sadness in a deadpool annual um but you do get back to some things where deadpool then jumps out the window you know case closed and that's where stephen strange comes out dr strange comes out and he's like hey what did you do? You ended up, you know, grabbing the eye of Amato. You better give it back to me. He's like, yeah, sure. Thanks. And then ends up kind of telling him what had gone down, what he was doing. And, you know, there's Stephen Strange. Actually, he's he's amazed with Nightmare. He's like, you were with Nightmare? Uh, you're just joking. And he's like, no, no, I swear on Liza Minnelli, I'm not. And, and again, there's some fun lines. There's some fun things to be had. But I just feel sad and all of that. But yeah, as as Doctor Strange is leaving, the next door neighbor's like, hey, this old lady, she's got curls and stuff. You know, the typical old lady next door in almost a sitcom comes out and says, hey, hey, magician guy over there, Doctor Strange, uh, are you available for like parties and stuff? Because I have a 12th birthday party for Kayleen this Saturday and our Elsa fell through and talk about a nightmare. You know, you have the nightmare deal and, you know, we, we could pay you a lot of money. Stephen Strange is just like, really? Uh, I'm out of here. He goes through the portal. He doesn't take Deadpool. So Deadpool is going to have to walk home uh, from where he is here. Um, But yeah, he ends up yelling at the ladies like, you know what? 
You're right. I will do that birthday party. It will be R-rated. And I'll probably get a lot of blood on everybody because this costume is bloody and I'm not going to clean it. And then she ends up. And he even says, listen, the kids, they'll be fine. We'll just say it's ketchup. And she runs in the door. And you have Deadpool like fine, gets out his phone. He's starting and he's walking away as you see the police are showing up because they've been contacted that Mr. Hewitt is a pedophile and they're going to get him. And so with all of this, too, I kind of just think like, okay, that kid, he's now going to be in the foster system. I'm telling you, it it ended up really making me sad. But the big twister, the the big thing at the end, the kind of kicker is the idea that in the dreams, Peter, when he would see Mr. Hewitt, Mr. Hewitt would turn into like a lawn gnome. And when Deadpool's walking away, he goes by the Hewitt's mailbox and there is a gnome, a little lawn gnome. So you see why he would have thought that. But yeah, uh, again, I I said it a million times already. I'll say it one more time. Uh, I think that this was written very well. Uh, I think that the tone and the voice of Deadpool spot on. Dana Schwartz does an excellent job. And I am a Deadpool fan. I think that you would know that from listening to the podcast. And so again, Kelly Thompson's going to be doing a Deadpool run. But if they ever want to have a miniseries again, you know, something, you know, Deadpool, uh, you know, hits Iron Man in the in the face, uh, you know, part one, uh, I'd call Dana Schwartz. I would call her right away for something like this. And I am actually looking forward to seeing her on more books from here on out. The art is great. I'd said Riley Brown's great. He is a Deadpool artist. He really gets it. I really love when he is on a Deadpool book. So I have no complaints there. It's just that bad taste, that sadness by the end. And because of that, I gave it a 7 out of 10. But that is a positive 7 out of 10, if you can believe there is such a thing. Because I do believe there is such a thing. Now I'm going to move on to a book that I've also really enjoyed, and it's The Magnificent Miss Marvel, and it is number six on the cover you have featuring Tony Stark Iron Man, and I love the cover, and we have a covers of the week deal on the website. This is the cover I picked, and I know it's not, you know, fancy. I'm not a fancy fellow. I told you that earlier. I just really like the look of... This cover where you're getting Miss Marvel there, Kamala's getting her new suit. It's like kind of going around her as Tony is doing the same thing with his Iron Man suit. It's it's really cool. But it is The Magnificent Miss Marvel, number six. It's written by Saladin Ahmed, pencils by Mink Yu Young, inks by Juan Velasco with Mink Yu Young, colors by Ian Herring. I, I'd like to think that Mink Yu Young is there with Juan Velasco, like looking over his shoulder and, and, and you know, complaining. A backstreet inker. Or back seat. I don't know why I said back street. It's like the back street boys are back. Uh, color artist Ian Herring. I just want Minkyu Young to be just shaking her head like, no, that didn't work. I wish you wouldn't have done that, Juan. That'd be funny. I don't know why it's funny to me that somebody would be complaining to another person, but at least it's not to me. Letters by VC Joe Caramanga. Recently, Kamala's parents learned about her double life as Miss Marvel, but before they could unpack that, three alien mages whisked them away to Safa, a planet where Kamala was believed to be the destined one, who would save it from the return of the Beast Legions. When the Beast Legions attacked, and it was funny when they did because everybody on Safa thought that that was a old wives' tale. Kamala discovered that a Kree soldier in a special nanotech suit was the original, quote, destined one. And by donning that suit, Kamala was able to drive away Safa's attackers. And it's funny, that kind of became the self-fulfilling prophecy of her again being 
the new destined one. The Sofans sent the Khans home with their gratitude, but Kamala's return was met with two unwelcome surprises. Her parents no longer remember her secret identity, and her father has been hiding an incurable disease. And I'm not so sure the unwelcome surprise is that they no longer remember her secret identity. Yeah, they were being a little more lenient with what she was doing, but really... I think that it would have ended up and could have ended up by the end of them saying, you got to stop and really coming to a head with this. And and one of the things about this book that I love is the idea of family and friends. So I don't like when they're fighting. I don't, you know, I, I like when her dad is stern with her. I like that he worries about her. I always wanted a dad who would worry about me and not fall asleep on the couch in his underwear while I'm watching Kung Fu theater. Uh, so I like that. And I like her friends and stuff like that. So when she did realize and does when this starts out that her parents do not remember her secret identity or being on a you know, alien planet, which I don't know that you want your parents to remember that either. Uh, You know, that's not a horrible thing. The horrible thing is her dad is sick and there is no cure. It's pretty much spelled out here that there is no cure. It's a very rare disease. Now, she does contact Tony Stark, which we saw on the cover. She, She contacts him and to see what he can do. And as Tony Stark does, he he's put out full resources in to try to figure that out, but it doesn't look like it's going to be quick enough, but we'll see. You get a little background at the beginning, uh, which it's very quick. It's just this one page where, you know, you're going through her past. You know, I stood out in my family. I stood out at school, even among demigods and monsters and people in costumes. I stood out. So when I went to an alien world and I stood out there, I was ready for it. And I saved an entire planet. It's just, you know, four little panels. One, two, three, four. I count them right. And it's four panels that show you that Kamala is a kick butt hero, that Kamala does have confidence in herself. And it kind of gets you, you know, excited to be a fan of Kamala, which I am. So I really like that. And before I go, I will mention, like I always do when we do talk about Magnificent Miss Marvel, is Saladin Ahmed had taken over for G. Willow Wilson, a huge run, one of the biggest runs of a comic in the last bunch of years. And I was worried. And he ended, you know, they ended up changing it to the Magnificent Miss Marvel, you know, to to change it up because it is a change. And when Saladin Ahmed was interviewed at first, said, okay, well, this is going to be a Kamala who we're going to expand her horizons. It's going to be, you know, more superhero action. We're going to go off planet, which we already did. And it's going to be almost to the point where it'll be extreme. And and that's where something where I get a little worried. I shouldn't have been worried. Uh, He really, really gets the character. And not only that is he's telling his own story while respecting every single thing that G. Willow Wilson did before him. I mean, that is the biggest thing to me where you end up having somebody come on a book that was a huge book. You know, it, it's a very, you know, even a culturally impacted, but impactive book. And you might have another writer who comes on and just says, you know, the heck with this, you know, I'm going to tell my own story and I, I don't want to be pigeonholed of just, you know, carrying on this legacy. I'm going to do things and I'm going to change it so much. But what you ended up Saladin Ahmed doing is, gradually making it his story while incorporating still the things that most people who love G. Willow Wilson's run, you know, they're still in there in a way that doesn't feel like he's just doing that as fan service and also getting more things. I mean, she has a new 
suit now. And that that's a big thing in the superheroing world. You, you don't often change suits like that. And he did. And I loved it. Brandon loved it. And I really didn't see anybody saying that much bad about it. Yeah, maybe you don't like the suit itself. Maybe that's your thing. I think it's it's cool. But you can't say that, oh, man, he's just doing that to force his hand on here. He's not. Everything is a progression of what came before. And like I said, the one thing that I always think that comes through the comic is the respect that he has for Kamala, but also for G. Will Wilson and her run. Uh, So there is my big Saladin Ahmed commercial for everyone. Uh, And we'll go on with this because, yeah, you end up having Kamala find out from her dad that indeed – he is sick, an incurable disease, and it kind of ties back into before where Kamala ended up seeing her dad with a woman and thought maybe he was stepping out, as they say, down at the rec center. He wasn't. That was a doctor. So that that is a nice tie-in as well. And it's one of those things that's like something that's been bothering Kamala, and it's one of those good news, bad news, where the good news it's way outweighed by the bad. I mean, it is kind of a relief, like, okay, whew, you're not cheating, but what was that? Oh, no, you're going to die. Yeah, that's a lot worse. She ends up getting a call uh, from her friend, and she ends up saying, you know, I'm going to get, uh, can I go with Nakia? Can I go and meet with her to study? And, you know, it, it's kind of a weird deal because her dad has just said he's sick, and he's like, you know what? I'm not going to be dead today. I, I will have time. Go, go study. That's important too. Go see your friends. You know, that's something that you need. Bruno's there as well. And I love Bruno. But she goes, she goes to the old Habibi Raw Juices and Spices uh, cafe there and meets up with her friends and they start talking. They order drinks that I would never, ever in my life. Uh, you know, drink, uh, you end up, Nakia orders a, what was it, an orange carrot ginger with extra protein for Kamala, and I would actually say thank you, and then I'd excuse myself with the drink into the bathroom, and that drink would go down the toilet, and then I'd come out, and I, I don't know that they would have that here, but do they have the hamburger Lucky Charms shake? Uh, is They might call it something different, but that's what I need. Uh, But yeah, she just starts talking and she starts telling, you know, her friends. And this is what I like about this book. I like where she has this set of friends where she can go and open up. They know her identity. So that's even better. Or she can go up and say like, boy, I was on this other planet. There was this alien. He he was cute and he didn't wear a shirt a lot. I mean, he was like the Matthew McConaughey of aliens going on there. And boy, and, you know, but what was weird, my parents don't remember that I'm a, you know, a superhero and also that they were on an alien planet. No, yeah. By the way, my dad's going to die. And they're like, oh, my God, what? And it's one of those that Bruno especially is like, well, but what? And uh, yeah, they say that one we saw him the other day, that was his doctor. He has a crazy rare disease and she's just kind of breaking down. And this is, again, I think that Saladin Ahmed plays this well. This isn't one of those things where Kamala needs her friends to say, we'll find a cure because they're not going to. He doesn't, you know, Saladin Ahmed plays this well that you just have Bruno being Bruno and that's what she needs of hey, I got you some dessert, you know, why don't you just try this? And then they're going to be there as a support system. 
and not, you know, there to be like, oh, yeah, it's going to be all, all right. We know it will be nothing like that. That's not the type of friends they are. They're close enough and they're, they're best friends that they would never say stuff like that. They're just going to be there for her. And I love that. Uh, while this is going on, somebody from the side there, somebody else uh, on their laptop yells, Miss Marvel. And uh, they look over and you find out that old Deathbringer is in town with a few days to kill. He has captured a bus and has said, hey, I'm going to kill all these people I kidnapped unless Miss Marvel comes there. I will trade you these hostages for Miss Marvel. And she's like, well, I got to go. And yeah, they're like, all right, you know, let's see. And and again, they know that she's a superhero. She's going to go off and do her thing. And it's one of those things that maybe this is what she needs to get her mind off it. I, it's weird to go fight Deathbringer with a bus full of people in uh, in tow there. But, yeah, it might be something that, you know, keeps her mind off stuff. She, she does go down to the docks. She ends up transforming into her new outfit again. I love. And this is where we're going to see you know, more of what this costume can do. She goes in. Deathbringer has this crazy, like, you know, bubble around them, like a sphere, a dark sphere she has to go into that is him and the bus are in there. And she's going to face off against him. And she basically says, you know, it looks like you're a little, you know, more up here. You, you got a little more game here. And he's like, yep, that's what I got. I am ready to kick butt because now I'm going to make the dead rise and the zombies come out and you end up seeing, you know, Kamala does her little transformations deals. She makes a mace out of her one hand and like, I don't even know what it looks. It actually looks like a, a fin on the other, but she's using it to slash people and things like that. But yeah, she's fighting these zombies off these dead things and they overtake her they they actually start to overpower her and she starts freaking out and that's again where we see how good this new suit is so if you don't like the look you know you can go and and take a hike because the suit actually ends up kind of zipping out a bit and actually saving her by knocking out Deathbringer, or at least hurting him, and ended up where the shadows ended up down. He ends up, you know, taking this big sphere out because he ended up going down and says Deathbringer is defeated, pretty much defeated by the suit, which is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, then you have the police show up and say, you know, hey, looks like you saved Jersey City again, Miss Marvel. And she's kind of a little like, well, kind of, but it, it was kind of a threat that was because I was around and, you know, it kind of stinks. But that's when the guest star from the cover shows up. It is Tony Stark. And he says... Your suit is fabulous, which I agree. So if Tony Stark says it's fabulous, who are we to say different? And he has come to talk to Kamala, and he's brought gyros or gyros, however you want to pronounce it. And they start to eat on a rooftop talking about things. And again, I like where Saladin Ahmed, this isn't a guy who writes books in a way that everything is always going to end hunky-dory. There's not always a perfect solution. There's not always happy endings, especially when your father has an incurable disease. And you have Tony say, though, listen, I'm putting all of my, you know, funds, all the resources that I can, you know, go, I'm doing this, I'm going to end up trying to figure out what's going on. Because Kamala's like, you know, what's going on with my dad? Do you know? And he's like, well, it's still a very early stage of the disease. So that's good. 
but in his advanced stages, it is terminal. And when Kamala says, is there any treatment? This is Tony Stark. I mean, you can be a writer and say that Tony Stark, I'm here to save the day. Of course there is. <laughs> but, you know, Tony Stark laughs at death. He says, well, I got a lab in Zurich researching, but it's really slow. And I do believe eventually we will figure out a cure I don't think it's going to be in time for your dad. I mean, the stats that I see here, it's not going to work out for your dad. Um, But in the background of that, it is one of those things that it is something where you end up, well, you know, as long as you find a cure, that's something, right? And then other people won't end up with that. But yeah, he says, you know, and Tony, and it's a real nice moment with Tony and Kamala where he says, some of us spend every day of our lives wishing we had made time with our parents before they died. You have time. You have time left with your dad. That time is precious. And think about that and really work on how you're going to spend that because you get the option, you know, and of course, he means himself and a lot of other people. And you have Kamala though. And again, this isn't Kamala's like, Oh, thank you, Tony. You're so nice and you're the greatest. She's just like, thanks. That means a lot, but I I think I need to be alone now. And Tony's like, I get it. You know, hey, reach me if anything changes anytime. And, you know, he'll reach her if anything goes on with this research. But he flies off. And, And then it says, you know, even when God doesn't single us out, people do sometimes. They even think you're a hero, an example. But maybe I'd give just anything to not have to be so magnificent. And so she's she's down on herself. And again, she's a girl. And I'm not just saying a girl. She's a young woman, a young person. And that this is tough. This is tough for her. And it's one of those things that I think that Salina Mehta is already starting to work on the idea of she's a superhero who saved a planet. She actually just saved an entire planet. She can't do anything about her dad. And and that is the most helpless feeling thing that you'll ever have. And to have a superhero, you know, end up feeling that way, it, it has to be magnified because you are used to saving worlds every week. I mean, you end up saving more people before lunchtime one day than a lot of us will ever even imagine to do in a, an entire lifetime. And yet she is helpless to help her father. So it is a really good issue. It's a really good issue, especially if you've been reading this long term. Uh, but even if you've been reading it in Saladina Med's run. But if you if you're back G. Willow Wilson's run, then you really you really get, you know, the connection between her and her father. And it, it's it kills her and it's killing me. I mean, I'm a big fan. And it's one of those that, boy, it's sad. And I, even when I was talking about it, I got a little choked up uh, with that. But I'm sure the tears will be a flowing later on uh, unless we get a miracle. But we'll see if that's the case. But I gave it an 8.5 on the site. I love the art. I'm telling you, now that I talked about it again with all of you, I think I'm even going to go up to a 9. I actually liked it that much. So I'm going to up my score from the from the website because it it is a really good series. This is a really good issue. And for some reason, if you were reading G. Willow Wilson's run and you haven't read The Magnificent Miss Morrow by Saladin Ahmed, I will tell you, I, I, you know, I would love to say, go back and read all the issues, the first five and then this one, but you could as a way to kind of see if the book has what, you know, it used to, or see if it's for you still just get this issue and check it out. And I think that you'll agree that it does have it. And I, and then I think you will go back and read the whole series up until now. And, you know, this is the first 
issue of of the next arc and we've said when fresh start kind of came about whether or not it ever really was a fresh start whether or not you want to go with it we still go with it fresh start uh when that started out a lot of the first arcs weren't the best they they were kind of like let's get our feet wet let's get going let's get running let's get some traction here and yeah i did like the first bit of salamina meds run but i think that this issue now is him saying all right I've shown what I can do. I, I, I'm being respectful to the run. I love G. Willow Wilson and all that. But now we're going to start with my story. And really, it, it really it really hit me. So, yeah, 9 out of 10. And now that's the end of my solo bit. And, and I went a little longer than I wanted to. I actually had in mind that I would talk about 10 minutes per book. And I get carried away. I start yapping. And that's what happens. So right now I'm going to go off now to take you off to Mr. Fancy. And I say that with all respect because Jeremy is a smart fella who you'll see he he talks a lot more proper than I do. But when he gets upset, it makes it that much better, too. And I, I did say to him, too, that he does a lot of stuff on the DC side of things. And I said, isn't it funny that you end up, you know, recording some stuff with some books and you think that you're going to blow people's minds with the info. You know, you have a little spin that you think you're the only one who might have seen something. You're going to explain the book to people in a way that they've never heard. And nobody says anything about that. What they love is when you go nuts and start screaming and yelling at things. And that's when people start, oh, man, that was great. And you're like, really? <laughs> that's that's what you like? You like the yellings, do you? All right. But we'll see. I, I haven't listened to Jeremy's section yet. So hopefully, hopefully he gets some yelling. But I think he might blow your minds as well. So we'll go off to Jeremy and he'll tell you what books he'll be talking about. I'm Jeremy Gore, and I'm here to talk to you about two Marvel comics this week. Uh, the first one is Savage Sword of Conan, issue number eight. Uh, it's the second in a three-part story arc uh, written by Jim Zub, uh, with art by Patrick Zercher. He's calling himself Patch now. Uh, I'm not entirely sure. I'm not entirely sure that's a good idea, but you know, his choice at the end of the day. Um, the issue uh, obviously carries on from. Uh, from last time, uh, you've got, uh, Conan sat at the card table. The reason he is sat at this particular card table, which is in a, uh, a kind of, uh, underground sort of nefarious gambling establishment, uh, in the city of Shadizar, which we last saw, well, I'm saying we last saw, which I last saw, I think, in the, uh, Wonder Woman and Conan series. So there you go. Um, yeah, he's, he's sat at the card table. He's uh, playing a card game that he has no idea uh, how to play, no idea what the rules are, uh, which is fair enough. Uh, we don't know how it's played either. It seems to be some kind of variation of blackjack, but instead of going for 21, you uh, you you try for 13. Uh, but there are lots of different special cards that can affect the game. Uh, so your serpents can eat up your kings and all this business. And it's all very confusing, uh, which I think it's meant to be at the end of the day. I, I don't think Jim Zub wants us to, to sit down and kind of, you know, play a game of serpents bluff with our, with our bezzy mates or whatever. Uh, it is meant to be confusing because at the end of the day, Conan is confused. Uh, the reason he's there is because, uh, down on his luck, <laughs> as he often is 
poor Conan. Um, he ends up uh, signing on as a bodyguard for a merchant called uh, Marauders. And uh, the merchant drops dead in, in the middle of the card game. And uh, Conan has to take over. And uh, he doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Uh, now, the issue starts with a recap, which is always a bit weird in Marvel Comics. Uh, whereas recaps in DC Comics are probably a good idea, because it's uh, often difficult to tell exactly what's going on when you first open a comic book. Uh, recaps in uh, Marvel Comics are a bit redundant, because Marvel Comics uh, very handily, and I wish DC Comics did this, but they don't, uh, Marvel Comics very handily provide this uh, this kind of precy of, of what's happened in the previous uh, issues or issue and uh you know they 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 kind of lay it all out there for you so it's a bit weird actually kind of and it did put me off a little bit um when i when i read uh jim zubs uh sort of page and a half really uh of uh of of narration that that echoes quite substantially uh the uh the precy paragraph on the on the credits page very odd thing to do having said that uh it does kind of lead quite nicely uh, into the game um and the game goes goes pretty badly for conan until uh, a mysterious priestess uh, attractive priestess uh, priestesses are always attractive uh, in uh, in the world of conan uh, well, more often than not, they are. Anyway, uh, this one's very attractive, uh, dark-skinned with a nice kind of uh, green stripe of something running down, <laughs> running down the forehead. I'm not totally sure what that might be, but anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, and she kind of urges uh, Conan to uh, to pray, uh, to pray to the godsend. Uh, now, the godsend is a green, large, uh, kind of sparkling uh, gem uh that is present in the in the room uh it is a, a kind of representation of luck i suppose it looks kind of magical and and uh Zub does a pretty good job of kind of describing it really he talks about uh you know flames flickering and dancing and breathing and its depths and all this kind of stuff it's it's quite nice um and it's guarded by by two bald looking and bare-chested men as as you would imagine um now Conan is not a, is not uh, a superstitious guy. Uh he's not particularly happy about praying to to gods and goddesses. Uh and so he doesn't really pray, but he does give the jewel some attention and it seems like that's enough to sway things in his favor because he starts uh to play really well. Um Leaving aside the kind of improbability of that, uh, because the game is, is so complex, it's a bit hard to believe that Conan would play as well as he does. We're kind of into standard, um, sort of fantasy pulp fiction territory here where sort of, you know, your luck changes and, and suddenly you feel like, you know, you're unbeatable and what have you. And that's essentially what happens to, to Conan here. Um, until of course, uh, it, comes down to the last round where bad guy that he has been playing against Kiro, um, who, uh, to whom Marauders owes a considerable amount of money. And, uh, you know, Conan has to stand in and play, uh, in order to, 
to win back this debt, if you like. Um, he's he's lost everything uh, on the on the table, and so he uh, he wages his entire fortune against the pot. Uh, in one last round, and there's a moment where Conan kind of, kind of ums and ahs, well, not ums and ahs, but he kind of makes a decision about whether to, to go with this or not. And of course, he decides to, to have one last round and try and win this man's fortune. And uh, his luck deserts him, and he uh, has lost the game. And it's said, uh, it's mentioned kind of earlier on that if you lose the game, then your life is forfeit. Uh, and that is, uh, is essentially kind of what happens. So that there's a, uh, there's a moment where, uh, Conan resists and it is quite an impressive fight scene. I, I, I've not really talked about the art. I, I, I like Patrick Zurcher's art. I think it's, it's pretty solid. Uh, it's maybe not the most amazing artwork you'll see, but it is, it is good. Uh, he portrays Conan as a kind of, uh, ruggedly handsome man with extraordinarily clear blue eyes and that there is something quite quite sort of handsome about Zurcher's Conan uh which you don't always see you, you you sometimes get a much more kind of brutalistic uh kind of take on Conan but Zurcher's Conan he's a younger man for one thing and he's he's got that kind of there's a slight kind of youthful handsomeness about him is handsome, handsomeness a word? Let's say it is. Let's say it is. Um, he fights, and the fight scene is probably the best thing about the issue, really. I, um, it, it, it's really brutal. Uh, it's, it's really well, uh, well realized and it's well planned out, which isn't always the case with, uh, with fight scenes. But I think with, with Conan, uh, and we had this last week with, with Conan Exodus. I think with, with Conan, you, you have to draw, um, you have to make sure that you portray the, the surroundings. You have to make sure that you portray that, the, the setting clearly. Um, so that there's that sense of, of kind of, uh, of, of Conan using his, the setting, using the surroundings and of you as the reader being aware of kind of the tactical or strategic kind of position that, that Conan is in. And that's actually really important in, in this, part of the uh of the issue and and zub kind of makes the point in his narration uh, which is generally very good by the way um that you know if he was on the battlefield he would have made uh he would have made attempts to kind of secure his flanks and stop himself from being surrounded and that just wasn't an option here and uh, and you can kind of see that the art kind of complements that and there are girls sort of hanging from the ceiling in cages who are sort of um who are there kind of probably a bit too close to the fighting than they would like i would i would think uh, in any case conan is subdued uh, although not before uh beheading uh, his opponents at the card table in a in a particularly brutal panel at the bottom of a page that's that's pretty well done and he's uh, tossed into a uh, a deep kind of basement underneath this uh this gambling den and there's a massive kind of ape-like monster uh waiting for him and he's like oh crap and that's that's the end of the issue now i'm not entirely sure that i've done this issue justice but I, but I, but I, I will just say i really liked 
this issue. I, I, I think um, there's no subplot or anything like that to kind of distract you from the main uh, the main story. Uh, Zub does a really good job with um, with narrating it, with plotting it, and with pacing it. I think it's it's really really well paced. I think you know how you respond to the issue depends on a couple of things. It depends on obviously whether you're a big Conan fan or not. It depends on uh, how you feel about that particular kind of um, gambling cliche in fantasy and pulp fiction uh, because it is. It is a cliche. There's no getting away from it. Uh, but it's executed pretty well here. And I think there's, there's a, you know, again, Zub's narration has a lot to do with that. He, he does a good job of kind of describing, uh, Conan, uh, and Conan's look and the way he feels like he's almost kind of playing outside himself, if you see what I mean, uh, during that card game. And that's pretty cool. And the art, the art is very good. And, um, particularly in the fight scene, which I think is, if you're going to have a fight scene with Conan, it's got to be visceral. It's got to be, brutal it's got to make you flinch a bit and it certainly does that here so my score on the site was eight out of ten uh, and i'm going to stick with that i think that was a good uh solid uh enjoyable issue a skillfully presented and skillfully written issue uh, and i thoroughly enjoyed it just a couple of things uh before i go uh this conan uh seems to be uh, a younger conan uh, and it seems to be a, a deliberate callback and i think i can see it in zurch's art style choices i can see it in some of his posing and in some of his uh, shading as well uh there's a deliberate kind of callback to barry windsor smith and his uh, his run on the very early issues of Conan the Barbarian back in the 70s, uh, even to the point that Conan is wearing the same sort of runestone necklace uh, that he had uh, back in the uh, in the day. So that's kind of, I kind of like that. That's nice. And I think as well that, that Conan, uh, the blue of his eyes was a particular thing in with that Conan as well. And it comes out here too. So uh, th- there's some nice kind of quite subtle, but quite conscious sort of call outs to, to previous Conans uh, from the past. Uh, I quite like that. Anyway, eight out of 10. And uh, we're going to talk about Death's Head. <laughs> oh yes. We're going to talk about Death's Head issue two in a moment. See you soon. Okay, so uh, Death's Head issue two. This is written by Teeny Howard, and it is uh, it has art by Kay Zama uh, and Philippe Sobriero. I'm probably saying that last <coughs> that last name horribly incorrectly. Uh, letters are by. Uh, Travis Lanham. Okay, here we go. Although a little uneven at times... <laughs> well, it's a bit of an understatement. We'll get to that in a moment. Uh, last month's opening issue of Death's Head did a good job of plunging us into the decidedly weird world of the eponymous robot bounty hunter and threw in a pair of Young Avengers for good measure. The issue ended with a rarity in comics these days, a genuinely surprising reveal that suggested this series is going to be a lot more fun than I'd previously thought. How do things pan out for our homicidal anti-hero and his young erstwhile targets soon-to-be companions? Let's find out. Um, okay, uh, I, I'm going to start with a confession, <laughs> if that's okay. Uh, the first issue of this series impressed me more than it should have. Um, I think 
there's a, there's a couple of reasons for that. Uh, firstly, it's just sometimes reviewers get things wrong. Sometimes reviewers uh, get carried away uh, with the momentum of a book. They get various things that the writer throws in there uh, to tickle their fancy, do their job perhaps a bit too well, which is all a roundabout way of say, <laughs> saying I kind of got it wrong last uh, last month. Um, I enjoyed last month's issue, um, but that enjoyment did end up kind of making me a little bit blind to some of the fairly fairly significant problems that the the issue had um for one thing as i mentioned in the uh in the opening to my review of this issue on the site that the, there is a lot of unevenness and it and it's weird having wiccan and hulkling in uh, just for no particular good reason is a bit odd the issue was fun though and i think it did do a good job of introducing the character of Death's Head, who is uh, a really weird character um, in many respects. Uh, Jim and Double uh, Aaron talked about it on the uh, on the spotlight uh, last month. Uh, Death's Head started out as a Transformers character uh, in the Marvel UK Transformers Weekly comic. Uh, then it uh, it had like a it had a kind of, I think, eight-page sort of origin-ish kind of story on its own uh, in a in a separate Marvel comic. Uh, then it featured in Doctor Who magazine. Uh, then it had its own monthly series uh, for Marvel UK. And then when when the Marvel UK Marvel UK kind of uh, exploded a bit. Uh, at the start of the 90s, uh, the character was reworked as Death's Head 2. And now, now, the reason all that matters is because it features in this issue. Um, in fact, this issue, issue 2 of the current series, starts with a reference to to Death's Head 2, uh, which features a, uh, a scientist called Evelyn Necker, Yes, that really is her name, uh, who is an AIM scientist who, in Death's Head 2, is charged with preventing some uh, catastrophe from the future that uh, that threatens AIM and sends a, uh, a cyborg kind of robotic uh, killing machine through time and space uh, to track down uh, various suitable subjects uh, and extract their skills and their instincts and their fighting prowess and powers, if necessary, uh, from them in order to become kind of a, the perfect fighting machine uh, to stop this um, this future threat. Now, uh, as you might expect, things don't quite go according to plan. And what the, one of the uh, creatures that this minion robot uh, assimilates is, of course, the original Death's Head. And essentially, Death's, Head pers- Death's Head's personality and, and what have you uh, kind of overwrite uh, Death's uh, minion's uh, programming to some extent, and he becomes a second version of Death's Head. That's essentially what happens. Now, 
the reason I mention this is because NECA makes an appearance in, in both the opening and the ending of this issue. And, and I'm going to be honest, if you did not know who she was, and even if you do know who she is, um, it's really jarring. Um, this You've got this opening, which uh, is of uh, NECA uh, kind of reviewing um, sort of combat footage of death's head fighting in some kind of arena which is which is okay as far as it goes um but it doesn't really kind of tell us too much really about who neca is and and what uh what she's doing in terms of of the death's head project she has a a version of death's head kind of uh in her lab where she's been watching this other death's head fight on the on the screen. So it's all a little bit well, it's quite a bit really confusing. Um and and it said that this is sometime in the past as well. So so yeah, it, it's uh, as kind of introductions to 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 uh, to issues go, it it's not that great. Um, then you get uh, the follow-on from the end of last issue. And last issue had a genuinely kind of interesting cliffhanger in the sense that you've got a, a version of Death's Head uh, hidden in Wiccan's bed, um, which <laughs> which I guess means that he and Hulkling have been indulging <laughs> inadvertently in threesomes or something over the last few weeks um it's all very weird uh there's a lot of talking in this issue and i th- i think my my main issue with this issue i should never say that again please make sure i never never say that again if i say that again somebody slap me my issue with this particular installment there we go of death's head is that um not an awful lot no no sorry let me back up quite a bit happens but the plot doesn't get very far so so there's there's there is a kind of obligatory fight uh between the current version of death's head and the new version of death's head which gets rebooted uh and it's death's head five apparently so we call it v because it's the roman numeral five and that's very clever apparently uh and so there's there's a fight between the two of them and the fight is reasonably well done but it doesn't really advance the plot very much similarly uh, kate bishop shows up uh towards the uh, the middle of the issue she watches and she's there basically to to watch over the two death's heads while hulkling and wiccan try and get some sleep uh which is kind of that makes sense i suppose um I mean, the, the the dialogue is is pretty good. I mean, Howard's quite good with with sort of snappy flip uh, dialogue, and there's there's some there's some clever stuff thrown in at times here. I'm not too keen on the whole notion that you can incapacitate Death's head just by throwing him in into water. It doesn't. I'm like the guy is an intergalactic bounty hunter. I, I would imagine that he's worked out some way of sort of waterproofing his core systems or whatever. I, I'm not. I'm not impressed with that. There, there is a moment where uh, Death's head five threatens the current Death's head with a with a glass of water, and I'm like, yeah, that doesn't work for me. I'm sorry. Um, it's okay, but it, it's kind of there's incident, but a lot of it is what I would call filler. Um, 
when we get to the to the main bit of the plot, pretty much almost as soon as we get to the bit of the story that moves the plot forward, uh, the issue ends. <laughs> so so we we end up with Wiccan explaining where V comes from, apparently. Uh, and this again is a little bit tenuous, really. Apparently, because uh, when he's been scrying potential futures or potential realities, uh, trying to find those those realities where he becomes an Avenger, which is beginning to to, to feel a bit pathetic. If I'm being <laughs> being absolutely honest, you know, this this guy wants to become an Avenger so bad he's trying to make it happen, and it's like, oh, for crying out loud, just just stop. Um, Anyway, he he is um when he sees these different realities, uh one of the things he sees in them a sort of a recurring feature, if you like, a constant in these different alternatives, uh, is that Death's Head or a version of Death's Head is present as part of the Avengers as well. So he then uh and it's it's unclear in in the story. Um, but he locates uh, a version of Death's Head and rescues it from a an abandoned Project Pegasus uh, facility. In the last two pages, uh, Wiccan Hulkling, uh, Kate, and the two Death's Heads go to the Project Pegasus uh, facility, where uh, Wiccan has kind of uh, has magically transported uh, Death's Head five back from this facility. Uh, so this is the first time he's physically been there, as far as I can tell. Um, and uh, there's a lot of kind of dead androids lying around. Basically, Necker shows up on the video screen and starts spouting incomprehensible plot dialogue at them. Uh, she, in fact, I will read it. <laughs> I'll read it. I thought you'd make your way here eventually. I've met one of you, the little one. Hi, little one. And Death's Head himself, the original. You probably weren't expecting to see me. You were probably expecting this. And she shows a picture of the Necker that appears in the Death's Head 2. And she's got this kind of the eye patch and um, sort of flowing pink hair. There's there's a lot of TNA. <laughs> if you're into that kind of thing, there's a lot of TNA in Death's in that Death's Head Two issue, which incidentally is available now on Marvel Unlimited. If you've got that app, it's worth checking out. Liam Sharp artwork, very nice. Uh, Dad Abnett storytelling, not too shabby. It's it's pretty good. Uh, just between you and me, it's it's better than this. Um, so she shows uh, she shows them this picture. Which which will that make any sense to anybody? I don't know. I don't know because uh, the original Death's Head does meet Necker briefly, uh, but then he gets killed. So I, I don't know whether I don't know. I don't know why Death's Head would be expecting to see that version of Necker. I don't know. Anyway, she says, but that's actually me from an alternative universe, which sounds crazy. But if anyone can get it, it's you. It's a shame that isn't me because I love the her. You might be thinking, so what's the difference? It's simple. I am the Dr. Evelyn Necker from this reality. And that makes me the upgrade. And that's the ending. And I'm like, it, it, you know, the, the cliffhanger ending of this issue is of a mad, crazy woman with pink hair staring down from a screen smiling madly and crazily and probably a bit pinkly as well and saying and that makes me the upgrade 
and and we're meant to react well i don't know about you but i can't wait for next issue it's gonna be a humdinger isn't it i'm like what the hell it's absolutely crazy what why why <laughs> i mean part of the problem is this right teeny howard obviously has decided right i, I want a few extra characters in here so we've got hulkling we've got wiccan now we've got kate kate's a great character I, lo I love kate i really really do and she's got some she's got some really good lines in here but the time taken to kind of to kind of resolve the conflict the inevitable conflict between the two death's heads and hulkling and wiccan and then uh the the whole thing with with kate just takes up too much time in fact actually i would argue that the that the opening takes up at least a page too long and, and we could have had this this kind of thing about uh about entering into a disused base lots of abandoned uh robots and versions of death's head kind of lying around the place that could be really creepy we, we you know there could be an uh you know an opportunity to build up some real suspense instead it's really rushed you get to the end and you get this kind of nonsensical kind of cliffhanger this nonsensical kind of thing that's obviously meant to be dramatic doesn't mean anything doesn't 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 affect you know we've got a character here that we haven't actually met before this issue claiming to be the original like it matters in some way uh, and it's just incredibly it's a really clunky uh and, and kind of boring way to end the issue now i gave the issue six out of ten on the site i think that's probably about right teeny howard is not a bad writer she her her dialogue is pretty good the art's not bad in fact i would say it's an improvement on last issue in some respects it's a bit easy to understand what's going on that the artwork is a little bit clearer in that respect but the the, the whole kind of um the whole kind of experience of reading this issue is ultimately an unsatisfying one, simply because you, you, you're kind of feeling like the story is just getting going, and then suddenly it ends, and it ends in a really kind of arbitrary and perfunctory way. So, so you're, you're kind of thinking, well, what was the point of all of this? And, and, and yeah, it's kind of entertaining up to a point, which is why I'll give it six out of ten. Um, but it, it doesn't really deliver on the kind a promise of that ending uh, from last issue. And uh, as I said, it, you know, the, the, the main kind of driver of the plot at the moment is uh, is Wiccan's kind of slightly pathetic desire uh, and obsession, really, uh, of becoming an, uh, an Avenger. And I'm not sure that's enough to sustain it all, really. But Howard's not a bad writer, and and she could be she could pull this together quite satisfactorily at the end. We'll just have to see. At the moment, though, I would say I'm not overly impressed with this. So six out of ten. There you go. Uh, thank you very much for listening. I really really appreciate it. Uh, this is my first outing on on the Weird Science Marvel podcast, uh, and uh, Jim said to me, "Said he's got to be ten fifteen minutes uh, per comic." So I've I've tried to keep that as close as I can. Um, I, uh, those of you who listen to the DC podcast will know I do waffle on a bit, so I've tried to keep it a little bit tighter this time around. I hope that's okay. Uh, as always, I'm very uh, happy for you to uh, to fling me your thoughts about either of these two issues. You can follow me on at door Jeremy on Twitter, and you can also uh, follow my blog, uh, which is a WordPress blog, jddunsani.wordpress dot com uh you can follow me on uh on my blog there 
and uh, by all means drop me a line and uh, and let me know what you think uh, thanks very much for listening uh, you've been fab uh, take care and I'll see you next week bye bye Brandon's been drinking all day and I gotta get him for the show. Oh no. Well, I can't get a hold of him. Oh, that ain't right. He must be passed out drunk, so that means no Brandon tonight. Brandon's lame. Have you heard? Brandon's lame. His family's ashamed. All right, and I'm here with Brandon to talk one last book. Welcome back, Brandon. We're here. I'm going to have to have a a new song for this last bit because I think this is how it's going to probably end up, where me and Brandon talk the first two books and then the last book, which I do have in the notes in, you know, a kind of a description that would fit Brandon's sort of lifestyle. I have it last call with Brandon is what I called it on the notes. And I think that that will be something that I'm going to have to have a song with uh, possibly to closing time. One of my favorites. Uh, But yeah, we're here to talk one last book and that's going to be superior Spider-Man. And we were talking right before real quick, before we started up this section here saying that the big thing is it was not solicited. And the newest solicits for November, there was no Superior Spider-Man. It does look like it has been canceled, which is a shame. It's one of me and Brandon's favorite books. We really enjoy it. And I continue liking it with this issue, which is number 10. It looks like we'll get 12 issues, uh, you know, if they package it in, you know, six issue deal or five and a seven, who knows, you know, do that sort of thing. Uh, It's a shame because it is a really good book. And we said earlier about the idea of there being, you know, a lot of uh, Spider-Man, a lot of Peter Parker Spider-Man. This book actually is uh you know it's auto so you don't have that problem and yeah, it's, the it's idea, got just a different enough feel for me yeah. to you know I that actually, i gravitate to i actually it like as to read this with friendly neighborhood spider-man it, yeah. it has those to me are the you know the peter parker book that would go well with this one because it is an auto story it's a story of redemption it's a story of a man who thinks he's just you know his poop doesn't stink realizing it does and trying to do something about it and we've had some real uh, you know, a lot of these books in any sort of company it's a real tough thing nowadays to get a character progression you know in less than six say 85 issues maybe (laughs) a little joke there if you know what i'm saying there you go there's me leaving uh but yeah this is a great progression in 10 issues to the point where we're just getting to auto being a good guy and he always thought of himself a hero but the best thing about this progression is I don't think he cared about being a good guy or wanted to be a good guy. To him, that probably was complete and utter nonsense. And I love seeing him do that. And this issue 
continues that. Uh, and we did see it's a weird deal. And I'll, I'll yeah, give you Spear Spider-Man. some nice callbacks to previous Yeah, yeah you know, that's what I'm saying. I was just Spear Spider-Man number 10 is written by Christos Gage, pencils by Mike Hawthorne, inks by Wade Von Grau Badger, one of the best names in comics, colorist. Yes. Jordy Bell Air and VCs Clayton Cowles on letters. Though Otto has expertly defended his city knowledge of the people he could not save weight heavily on him. Uh, both the original Spider-Man and Otto's Horizon. I have to pause there. I thought it said 80th the original Spider-Man. Oh my God, what is that mean? <laughs> Both the original Spider-Man and Autos Horizon University co-worker and unofficial parole officer Anna Maria Marconi attempted to reassure him, but Otto's concern for others had turned into self-doubt that he might make a fatal miscalculation. Finally, Emma Hernandez, another Horizon colleague and once romantic interest, and again romantic interest, I will tell you, was able to oh, convince yeah. Otto there's an upside to being vulnerable. They shared a kiss observe serendipitously i can't say words surreptitiously <laughs> by enemies from alternate universes spider-man spider's man and norman osborne spider-man so everybody can throw shade at Woo. me I, there, there the i dinks? just found my i just found my malekith surreptitiously <laughs> uh the there thing is it's funny because you did end with pretty much you know spiders man and norman osborne spider-man doing their deal and so when you get into this i thought boy it seems like they left that behind that's you know that's not the case they are actually working no. behind the scenes here because you do end up having you know auto and it's one of those things it's one of those things if you're auto you probably sit there and think after this like you know what this is the problem with enjoying life. This is the problem of actually letting down your guard because he really looks like he's having the best day ever for auto. Yeah. Like usually auto, you know, his best day ever before was doing a couple calculations and telling three people he's superior. Cleaning out but, a bank but in vault. This, yeah. yeah. In this deal, he's swinging around, even says at one point, you know, I used to think this web slinging stuff was nonsense. I thought it, it wasn't the best way to travel, but I'm starting to like it. Uh, he is ending up going around with Emma, who's having a ball. Almost throws up because she's old. Remember that? You, you can't, old people don't like that sort of thing. Then he even goes off with a great <laughs> callback to go and visit his buddy. Uh, and it yeah, is the, the kid, little kid he saved. It is the kid who ended up having his parents die uh, before in the big attack of San Francisco, where you ended up with the idea that Otto realized I can't save everyone. And really at the point was saying to this kid, he didn't know how to deal with being that the hero after the fact. And Anna even told him, you got to go out and help. You know, this is where the heroes continue working, you know, trying to find the survivors of this deal. And it, it was, you know, a big collapse and things like that of a building and his parents died. And Otto was the one who had to say, you know, Hey, I'm sorry about that. And I, I think if I remember right, even with the point where the kid's like, are they going to come back or whatever? And he's no, they're not. I'm sorry. You know, sometimes things happen yeah. that are bad. And I mean, it wasn't a here, fun moment. It was a heart touching moment. It was though, a heart you know, moment. And, and it was, here's and... the thing of anything else too. It was the next step in this evolution of Otto as a hero. And this is where it continued in the war of the realms. And when he was doing the war of the realms where he was a hero, a hero of San Francisco and the whole West coast, but he ended up getting down because 
he didn't save everybody. And he thought, yeah. again, they said it in that blurb. He thought that it was miscalculation. And one of the better scenes of the series, again, was well, that Peter. And, and came he couldn't to him. put an end to it himself. Yeah. You know, he, yeah. he wanted to solve the entire problem. And Gwenpool, you know, straightened him out there. No, yeah. no, no. This is And Italian, so when buddy, he was upset about it, he said that when he even, even, you know, in the other realms and things, he wasn't thinking of the people he saved. He can only dwell on the people that he didn't. And. Peter came to talk to him and it was a really good talk where Otto basically says like, you know, this sucks. This, this whole idea of not being able to save anybody sucks. I don't like, I don't think I'm a hero. And actually Peter said pretty much that makes you the hero. That that's what I needed to hear. I needed to hear you say that to know that I believe you now. I, I believe that you have changed. You know, I fully trust you. You are a Spider-Man, you know, go and And it does even continue in this as well uh because unfortunately as he's having his best day uh it's kind of ruined because it has been leaked that he is doc ock you know this the san francisco spider-man is really dr octopus and this is something that he's desperately tried to keep away from people yeah. he, you know he has a new body by all these alias, things, Elliot alias stuff anna knows and you know you end up that he did tell uh, you know, his new girlfriend, his girlfriend uh, yeah. Emma, but he's, you know, he doesn't want this out and about and it does cause problems right away. Though I did like the idea that right away Christos Gage goes to the point where you have these, you know, these news people that are going to go, even TMZ probably going and hunting <laughs> down all these other heroes, heroes and asking yeah. them, like, especially for Spider-Man, this is somebody you're going to go to. This is your former, you know, and they don't know the connection Peter has. I mean, there's so much more of a connection that they would ever know between, you know, Otto and Peter, but they just go and like, Hey, how about this? Your old villain. He's actually that Spider-Man in San Francisco. And Peter's like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew this. I trust him. It's more complicated than you can imagine. I like, they throw it back. You knew it and didn't tell anybody. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I think (laughs) I see the vulture or a pigeon. I'm going off (laughs) and he leaves, but you also get, Reed Richards, who says, you know, I, I'm all for this. I don't care who Otto was before. He really kicked butt in the War of the Realms. He yeah, helped. He saved people. He deserves this. And a Doctor Strange, which is kind of a cool thing because they did team up as well. And it was one of yeah, those things did. that Otto. This issue does, I mean, there's not a ton that happens. We get the reveals that lead, yeah. obviously, to the next couple issues. But um, I, I don't know the moments they have and the well. callbacks to previous yeah. things. You know, are, are oh yeah, we're not going to conclude this series and and come November be like, well, we missed out on this. Yeah, we didn't yeah, get it seems like that. you know maybe he knew ahead of time also, but it's, it, it it's is a smart like, way of know, doing it. Feels it. like this might have been a planned twelve issue thing from the start maybe, with the way maybe. that it's wrapping up because this wraps up good because even you have Doctor Strange and and if you remember. Uh, you know, Otto at first, he doesn't like magic. He thought he was all nonsense, no. but there's Dr. Nonsense, Strange has yeah. his back. I mean, I love that they all have his back. This really shows he's still mad. He's still very, very mad and says, you know, my, my <laughs> reputation is teetering <laughs> on the brink of disaster. Full Doc Ock, the language yeah, is coming oh, out he here gets, and everything. He gets upset. And he even says, you know, I must explain to the media that I was mentally ill as Dr. Octopus, that my judgment now is sound as Solomon, all these things. 
And then things take a turn for the worst because then you have the Brothers Grimm. And, and I'm telling you, <laughs> there are other people you could get Gravedigger in there, which I wish yeah. it was. That they Because the Brothers know, Grimm. Gravedigger might actually t- say something that would get him out of this hot water. I, I don't know. Like I'm telling you, though, the problem is that he's, he's not a good a guy either. Head. But he's not yeah, a good guy. So they're going with the idea of the Brothers Grimm. This is where things go bad. Because the idea of a Reed Richards, he's, he's saying he's a good guy. Oh, Doctor Strange, he's with it. Spider-Man already knew. Th- this holds some weight. Okay, maybe he has changed. Then you go to the Brothers Grimm, who, who really, they need to work on their media presence. Because they end up, first off, they look ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, you they've know, never the whole heard deal. of the no-squeal policy. Yeah, here, I guess, they, right? they've never heard of too much information. Where all you have to do, they're like, hey, I heard that Dr. Uh, you know, Dr. Octopus, he recruited you to a system in this new role. Oh, yeah. He paid us so well. Plus, you know, we, we got to rob things. And, Whoa, what's that? You mean you really did work? Did you go straight? You know, they, well, kind of. I don't know what you mean by straight. I mean, we still did some side things and stuff. And Doc, he is so angry. He's ready to leave right there and kill him. And he says, I'll crush those dolts. And you have Emma. She's like, I can't believe you hired criminal henchmen. And, and Doc, <laughs> no. uh, you know, Otto's like, but but I told, I told them, them no that more. they couldn't do the bad stuff. So, in fact, if that is the case, and unfortunately the Brothers Grimm kind of stepped over that policy, it would have even been a thing like, oh, look, he's even rehabilitating other criminals. But they, they kind of got caught doing other things as well. Uh, Emma says right there, which I thought that this issue was going to fully go to with the idea. She's like, you better call the media right now. You better get out there. This is one of those things that, yeah, you know, and if you did have your people, your media people, if this was, you know, in real life and you were a a movie actor or a a musician and things like this come out, you do have two options where you're either going to go out and, you know, address it right away, or you just hope it blows over. And a lot of times, a lot of times the blow over works out better because a lot of times so too, you don't, and I can only think if I'm the, if I am just say, you know, Otto called me up right now and he's like, Hey Jim, you know, what should I do? Here's my situation. You probably saw it in the news. What should I do? And I'm like, listen, Otto, you're a smart guy, you know, but you also have anger issues, which we're seeing here. It's also the fact that when you have anger issues, you tend to yell that you want to crush people. You also tend to say people are inferior to you. And you know what you end up sounding like? You end up sounding like Doc Ock. And that's not what we need now. If you are going to go out, hopefully somebody gets to him and says, listen, all right, if you're going to address the media now, Let's work things through here because you can't flip out. You can't get upset like this. You can't knock drinks out of a poor robot's hand who just wants to <laughs> offer you tasty refreshments. He ends up there, you know, ah, yeah, you adult. Everybody's adult all of a sudden. Yeah, the human, uh, the human brain. Yeah. Yep, the human brain the just got brain, treated. Living, living brain. brain, living brain just got treated like crap. Poor living brain yeah. went off, and he's like, "I would cry if I could, but I am just <laughs> a robot living brain." But yes, yeah, so just he a end up there. Robot. Yes, he just ruined my one capability: serving drinks. So, so that's where Spidey's like our Otto. I, I, I that's the thing. I'm so into him being Spider-Man. I know, uh, but Otto goes off and, and goes off, and he wants to see the kid again 
He ends up wanting to go see him because he realizes that, you know, of all the things, and this really, to me, this is another moment that is well, it's well-deserved, it's well set up, and it's also well set up here because with all the trouble happening right now, you even have Emma say, uh, you know, you got to get to the media. You got to go address the media. You got to fix this. Like you fix it for yourself. A very selfish thing would be Otto to go right there, have a press conference, say it's nonsense. Hey, Otto, that was me before. I'm the new and improved deal. But he remembers the kid, James, uh, that we saw earlier in the issue, the kid that's parents died. And that's the first thing he thinks of. He he actually thinks of yeah, this little right kid as the first thing saying to himself, He's going to see this. I don't want him to think I'm a bad guy. This is this is going to destroy him and all these. Because if you remember, the idea of this whole deal was Otto never really telling James that he wasn't the real Spider-Man. He yeah. ended up just <laughs> he ended up kind of skirting the issue. Uh, and so he goes off. And the problem is, is that these the parents, the foster parents, I get a cough. So tell me about the foster parents. Well, the foster parents are obviously peeved that, you know, Otto wasn't forthcoming with who he was and, and not being the, you know, the true Spider-Man yeah. to this little boy. And he kind of kind of really just pulling the wool over everybody's eyes. And the Even problem he is, he really does good things. And he's been yeah, he does. Since, since the problem is here. now they're going to lose James. It looks like the the you're going to end up having the, you know, the government come, the social services come and say, you're not fit to be parents. You let him hang out with Otto, you know, pretty much Doc Ock. And that can't be. I thought that was a little stretch because you know that they didn't know if everybody else didn't. They were duped as well. Uh, so right. I think that that's kind of a little bit forced. But he ends up saying, and then again, going right back to an auto deal where he's going to think of things very logically. And, and the solution is, I'll give you a written statement that you never knew that, that I lied to you, that I, I was the one who was in the wrong. Not you. You guys are great. And then, like, can I go and say goodbye to James, the little kid? They do let him. And he goes in. And James, right away, he's upset. You see, he's very angry. He has his arms crossed. And he's like, you know, are you, the TV said you're a bad guy. And Otto, to his deal, yeah, he might have not told James that he was, you know, hey, I didn't tell you I was the real Spider-Man. But he does talk to James. And I love this. I love this about how Christos Gage writes it. He, Otto doesn't talk down to James. He doesn't talk to James like he's a little kid that's inferior. He doesn't talk like he's adult. He really likes James and he really doesn't want to upset him. So instead of him talking, he just tells him, he's like, I used to be, I was confused. And I thought that the world was a certain way that people were a certain way. And so I believe I had to be a certain way as well. And James is like, well, you know, he kind of comes out, looks at him. And then he just says, I changed my mind. And you know what? It was people like you that helped me do that you really helped me with the things and um you know i it, you started getting feels right there i mean the feels were yeah, already coming right i mean it was yes. happening and then Throughout he says the whole issue even the first time i saw the little kid i'm like oh yeah. i love this little oh, kid's yeah. back yeah i know? do too and he says you know i was wrong i should have told you that i wasn't a real spider-man even at the point like he even had to explain why his suit was different and things like that uh, to him and kind of, you know, fibbed a little so that he wouldn't upset him. Because at that point as well, I think that you had to realize 
Otto was not confident in himself being Spider-Man at that point, even no, though he'd never he's admitted it. He thought he was superior. Anywhere he could, yeah. Yeah. So that shows it. He spells it out here because as he's saying this, he basically says, you know, I imagine you have no wish to see me anymore. I'm going to leave. And as he's leaving, it's the it, it gets me. I'm telling you, I might cry right now because the kid then says, fake Spider-Man, why did you lie to me? And this is like the most vulnerable and human side of auto we've gotten. And it's so great. And it gets me mad just thinking the idea that this book's canceled where he says, I, I, and then he falters, he kind of stumbles along. He's like, just wanted you to like me. And it's so big. And then the kid starts to cry and then hugs him. And I'm telling yeah, you, they, if they you like have run been to hug each other. Yeah. Yeah. And if you've been reading this book, I, I can't see how you couldn't at least get a little choked up with it. It is so good. It, I'm telling this and an old spider bite in the friendly neighborhood yep. Spider-Man deal are pretty much the most heart tugging things that I've read since we started doing fresh start, I think, uh, yeah, I because agree. it's so good. And the reason, and me and Aaron actually talked about it a little earlier, this scene, uh, just talking about things after we got done the other books. And it's one of those, you don't get these feels just from, you know, Spider-Man walking into a room of a kid and saying like, hey, buddy, give me a hug. You know, that's no, that's yeah, not yeah, where yeah. you get it's it. You get built, it from yeah. a, a buildup and not just a buildup of just the kid, but a buildup of Otto himself getting to this point and then realizing at that exact moment just the idea that this kid loves Otto and Otto really loves this kid and really just does want to be liked. And, you know, you can, and, and again, this shows you a peek at the character who is usually yelling about things and, and killing people and Calling ending up doing crazy and, stuff. Yeah. And doing stuff yeah. like that. And so you realize that a lot of times that is a barrier he's put up. And a lot of times it is like just bluster because of the fact that he really doesn't feel liked or loved. And this is why he acts out. And in this book, it does it so well, because first off, you have Anna, who obviously they have a past. And you end up having Emma, who is this new lady who found out. Like a lot of people in this book are accepting Otto for being Otto. And he's there trying to pretend, not pretend, but trying to be Spider-Man to make everybody like him when it is Otto that they actually are liking. And I really like that progression. I even like, you you get a little earlier, we didn't even say, I love the fact that when he comes in and the parents of James then are like, you know what, you're a murderer, you murdered a cop. And he tries to play that off. He tries to explain it as Otto would. And it's like, well, you know, Stacy was a collateral damage. And they're like, and then he's like, no, 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 you're right. You're right. I, that is true. Yeah, and then ends up, you know, gross. going and saying he'll write that deal. So it's it's really good. Now, in the meantime, he now it's back to clobbering dolts because he wants to find out who was the one who leaked his identity. Now, yep. again, I think that one of the good plays of this is not seeing Norman the whole time or Spider's Man the whole time up until this point because you kind of when you see who it is it is an obvious thing that it would be them they said that they were going to ruin them when at the end of that last issue but we don't see them so you kind of get that little bit where you do have a little bit of surprise by the end i do like the idea though where they're trying to figure out who did it 
They know that it came from this one internet cafe. They have security cameras that show that nobody was there when it was supposed to be uploaded. Uh, auto sees through his, you know, enhanced vision in his yeah, suit. The, the, and they mentioned those before. What what was yeah. the arc those came into play? Yeah, I can't remember, but it did. Stuff. He ended up, and it's so funny too. He ended up going closer, and it's just these spiders typing everything. That made me laugh because Spiders Man yeah. is Spider's made of spiders, ridiculous. and yeah. he's ridiculous and disgusting. But this is kind of funny, and that's where he <laughs> realizes what it is. And Otto ends up just saying, "Like, all right, the jig is up." And it's almost like he knows that there's some of the Spiders Man around right now, listening and yep. doing. And he's like, "Lock down any spider you see, get them because they're part of this." They do end up catching one because it's like, the jig's up, boys. Let's go. And it actually made me laugh when Spider's he did Man yell out. was making us laugh all the way back to Spider-Geddon. Yes. He, yeah. he didn't oh. last long. No, but he, he's, he, well, he, he went off with Norman. Gold. So there's another tie-in because it does tie-in. Oh, yeah. He he is pretty hilarious. He's like, anyway, my work here is finished. I'm gone. He's going to try to go <laughs> off. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to get out of here. The ultimate version of me with a cool leather costume. I'm out of here. I'm out of this world. 616, goodbye. And you end up where Otto does trap him. And gets information, and really, yeah. Spider's Man, he, he, ain't he basically out boils it or separates his consciousness down to one spider, so he's not yeah, so hard yeah. to deal with. Yeah, and, and he then, gets yeah, and starts he, he, shocking him. Yeah, that, he's the other he's, one singing like a canary in no oh time. Oh my here. god, he is! I, I never <laughs> knew that spiders could sing this quick because he ends up. It's like, all right. Who are you with? And and I love it, too. It's the idea that Norman's like, all right, Spider's Man, you know, I see that you type that stuff in. You are only a lackey. There is no way that this is your plan. You're not good enough for that. Who's in charge? I'm not telling you. Zap. It's Norman. There you go. And he ends up (laughs) and you end up having Doc Ock ends up showing, you know, who this is. He ends up, you know, oh, uh, this is who Norman is. You know, he's got six arms. He's got all this stuff there. Uh, So that they're going to go after him. And he does say that at this point, and it's a shame because of all this progression, because now that you have this whole deal, he is yelling, I'm Otto Octavius. And this is the finest scientific facility in the world. I will find him because basically uh, Spider's Man, you know, spells out that before everything was shut down, before that they couldn't travel, you know, through the spider verses and things like that. And the different Earths, you ended up having Norman thinking ahead, getting Spider's Man to actually just separate and go into all the different Earths where he can just kind of reconstitute himself anywhere he wants. And also there is a way that Otto can go back and forth, which we we don't know yet. We do find out by the end of the issue that he can travel freely himself. And yeah, yeah. so he's like, this is this is done. I there'll be a day of reckoning. I mean, he's really starting to talk like the old auto again here, which after all the progression, it is kind of a shame, uh, but it is funny. But yeah, they're, they're going to end up in I, the... I, like uh, how, I enjoy how he reverts back and forth when he yeah. gets extremely agitated and annoyed. I think it's a good, like, you know, character trait to show yeah. he's, he's still learning. He, he doesn't have that temper under control. Yeah, and he he's mad, so they end up, but very quickly, because when Spider's Man is, you know, talking trash, they're like, you won't be able to do anything, you know. Norman, he's safe on his own world. There's no way for you to get there. And you have Otto like, oh, no, I'm Otto. I'll find a way. And he does very quickly. <laughs> it even says soon. They figure out a way that they have a trans-dimensional viewer, 
that you can see the different dimensions and they have repurposed it now with the help of Anna even to end up jumping through it. Now he and can the cosmic belt from Terrorex. Yeah, and that's the problem is they don't have a power source and there's the other callback where Anna says, oh, wait a minute, you know, that cosmic belt that Terrex had, I knew it come in handy and I saved it. And, you know, this is where you have... Auto saying, wait a second, I thought you got rid of that. You were telling me that we couldn't have that around. You kept it in case I went bad, didn't you? And she's like, yeah, yeah, that's what I did. It was because I was afraid and whatever. And he's like, no, 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 don't worry about it. You're a genius. And, uh, you know, that's the deal. (laughs) He seems to be a little down, but I think that he realizes that. He has progressed and she hasn't had to use it. So right there, but his is in the living brain at the one point. He's like, I have the cosmic belt. And then all of a sudden he just hooks himself up and they end up, you know, doing this. He starts going crazy and they're like, I love it too. Like, oh my God, the power levels are spiking brain shut down. But why, from my view, we're all green. He's like having, then he starts laughing. Ha ha. I'm like, he is going insane. Stop yeah. it. And yeah, he realizes. He realizes it's Norman coming through and there's a big explosion. He ends up trying to save the guys and they they do get hurt. Uh, He does mention that Anna does look seriously hurt and needs some help. Uh, And this is where you get Norman Osborn. If you haven't seen him and even Spider-Geddon or whatever, he is hideous. He's a cartoony hideous, not as hideous as Spider's man. But he said, I hate that head, the six arms, all that stuff going on. He's got all those eyeballs on top of the mask. Oh, yeah. It's the worst. And he punches out Otto at one point with with three fists, which is pretty bad. Here's the bad part of it. Here's the bad butt part of the Norman Osborn part. And here's the thing that really is you know it goes against the progression of of auto that we've had to the point where auto is going to be so furious because he wants to know why norman is doing this you know why are you doing all this why are you and and legitimately trying to shame me hurt everybody that i like even hurting people that you don't even realize you're hurting by shaming me why are you doing this and basically, it was because Otto insulted him during Spider Geddon. That's all it is. Yep. It's just that oh, he got yeah. insulted. And so you are dealing with two, you know, Norman Osborne and a Otto that this is something egos. that is crazy with their egos. Yeah. And that's what happened when during Spider Geddon, he spells it out in this issue too, even if you didn't read that, he spells it out pretty good of the idea that everybody had their plans. Norman thought his was right. Otto said your nonsense. And Norman took his, <laughs> you know, he took his Spider-Mans he and went away. and went home. Yeah, yeah. He, he went home with his Spider-Mans and he ended up, and that's how it ended with him cutting off the, you know, dimensional things and stuff like that, where he said, he has a piece of it he can he can travel freely he can do whatever he wants so at this point he is holding all the cards and he is just doing it because he was insulted and it's like one of those things where you expect an evil purpose you expect that norman is doing this for something so bad is there any worse thing that he's killing people and shaming people and ruining people's lives just because he felt insulted? That's comment. one of the yeah. like almost the most the evil kind of thing that you can is. get. Yeah. yeah, it's the worst. And he's doing it and then just laughing. And he's like, you insulted me. Must go now. So much to do. And really, he, like I said, he has all the cards. He can do whatever he wants to do here. And then when you go to the next 
issue, you see that there's still trouble going on and and we're going to have problems. And I do think that this is one of those where it's going to be a shame if it does happen. But if it does end at 12, like we think, it's just going to be auto going off and saying this whole Spider-Man thing didn't work out. I believe it'll be one of those. You didn't accept me as a good guy. So the heck with you. The next time you see me, I'm going to be back as Doc Ock. And it's a shame. And and when we do, when and if we get the proper Doc Ock back, it's going to make me sad. It, it's really going to be. It's going to be almost yeah. like at one point, I really did like the idea over at DC that Lex Luthor became Super Lex, that he really wanted to be a Superman. He wanted to be looked at as Superman and stuff like that. And then they just kind of got bored with it and switched it back. And now he's the evil of the evil. I mean, he's the worst oh, yeah. guy in the it's universe the worst now. Evil there is. And I just, yeah. it, it ends up making me sad because you, you have more progression in my mind. And I know that a lot of people don't like that change where you have, and DC did go through it a bit where you had, you know, oh man, all the villains are now heroes, but you have like a Clayface and detective comics there. Uh, and in this book, I think that you can get a real good character progression when they do switch over because they have to learn new things. They have to learn that what they were doing wasn't the greatest and things like that. And that is when done well, really hits hard. And it has been done well in this and it has hit hard to the point where I was crying when I was reading this earlier in the issue Uh, because of that. Uh, the very positive podcast. I'll, I'll say it again this week because I'm going to give this a nine out of 10. Uh, the only thing that really puts my score down is the fact that we really don't get very far in the story. It didn't really push no. the story that far, yeah. but the moments it, it spent a lot of time grabbing a lot of things, tying them up, bringing them back in the fold, reminding you of things, stuff like that, which I thought was great. So I'm going to give it a nine out of 10. What will you give it? Yeah, I'm, I I didn't get to review it on the site. I'm going to get that done tomorrow morning because I I want okay. this issue to get a little attention because I liked it as well. Yeah. I'm going to give it a a nine. Um, and and the only reason it wasn't my book on the weekend, uh, you know, because uh, you had read it at that point. Dispatch was yeah, I I didn't get around I to it. So yeah, I hadn't yeah, read it. I just, I just anyway. read it this afternoon. Um, and I really enjoyed it. I you it know was I Double really Aaron's dig book all the, of the callbacks. Week. He loved yeah, it. He, all the callbacks he, it, to yeah. like you know the previous so issues like. This is really uh, kind of one of the, the the comics that, you know, I came back to, to comics reading for, you know, it's however yeah. many years ago, like them set up like this real tight story, uh, you know, uh, emotional moments, action moments, a little bit of everything. So yeah. I've really enjoyed this book. I'm, I'm sad to see it go. But, you know, there's a whole lot of, um, you know, superior Spider-Man stuff out there. I have a feeling he'll come back sooner or later. I I just don't want him to regress like you don't. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, And uh, yeah, I usually say like a a score that the book gets on the come book roundup. That's one thing. Usually I put a lot of weight in the amount of reviews a book gets. That to me shows that number one, a lot of sites will review books. And if they don't get a lot of traffic from that book, they'll drop it. They'll say, you know, don't worry about it, whatever. And so I think that that's been the case. There's three reviews and and where kind of makes me smile, though. Uh, There's three reviews, but there's nine user reviews. And usually that's the opposite. Usually you'll have more critic reviews than user reviews. But at least it shows me that. 
you know, there's people out there that really care about this and really want to like it and really, you know, want to support it, though not enough have. Uh, That's why it's going to leave. And it's a shame. And like you said, maybe it was a planned thing. Uh, Marvel likes to play around with that idea. Is it an ongoing or a mini? You can speculate. you know, if it does end at 12, we got 12 good issues. I really like this series. It was a great a I would recommend both trades to anybody yeah, who, I would who's too. kind of been I really on the like outside it. wondering. Yep, I really like it. But that's it. That's the end of the podcast. I hope everybody liked this new expanded deal. It's causing us to record after midnight, uh, which yeah. stinks there. Uh, yeah, at least does. you have off tomorrow, but you have baby stuff. Yeah, this is so my that Saturday cancels night, that out. basically. Yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah. He's this been is... sleeping since uh, that's good. we got home from dinner, so yeah, don't I imagine jinx he'll it. be up in the You're next gonna half jinx hour. It. And, and the, the thing yeah. is, I actually told Eric today, because of the, all the things I had to do with podcasts and stuff, I even put a video up on the YouTube channel that I did a video review of Nightwing. I don't know why the Marvel people would care about that. But uh, in the meantime, I said, I don't mind when Monday comes around. It's the craziest thing the way my life has has become. Monday going to work actually is relaxing to me now because I don't have to do as much work at work than I do during the weekend with these podcasts. It, it is yeah. insane uh, that I, you know, I can't relax on the weekend, but I like doing it. So now I, I don't know that I want to be recording till 1 a.m., which may happen. I know, that's but we'll true. See. Well, the new yeah, format is, had a few bumps in the road this well, week. We well, we did. We had some bumps out. in the road. Uh, yeah, especially me and Aaron didn't get to record earlier. This really would have, we would have been done by now, but unfortunately we're not. But we're going to go now and end the podcast by telling everybody thank you. If you want to check out out our patreon and support us for all this after my sob story about all the work we do go over to patreon.com slash weird science and i don't think after the third time that i did that intro by myself i think i i think i forgot to mention the patreon spotlight this week so if all these books aren't enough for you and you need more you can go and listen to us talk about one of which was my book of the week i did like it a little more than superior spider-man that was daredevil number 10 and we also talked about valkyrie jane foster number two which I liked more than Brandon. So, yeah. you know, you have that. Uh, but yeah, go over to patreon.com slash weird science if you would like to support us for all we do. I think that you never was know. one of the rare, rare cases where me and Aaron agreed on something. Yeah, really. Right? <laughs> and it was one of, you want to hear it even worse, not worse, but stranger. Me and John Jack agreed perfectly on that book. And that yeah. is bizarre. That's bizarro world going on there. But yeah, if you want to go support us, and who knows? If you don't support us, maybe we'll just get discouraged right and we'll just you know go off in the sunset i'm trying to force people but yeah thanks everybody i hope you enjoyed the new format if you want to you know send us a mail or you know a note or whatever to let us know what you think have some comments maybe some even improvements whatnot just let me know i'd like to hear from everyone and we'll talk to you later